and welcome back to episode three of the Allies of Convenience podcast. We are rolling through with this consistency. Technology cannot hold us back. Um, I've got no internet, but I'm still here. And thank you to Matt for bringing uh, recording this week. I'll still do the editing. And we're bringing you a podcast. Nothing can stop us. Uh, this week, we have got reports from Battle for Salvation in the States, as well as the GT Heat 2 as well. Um, and I'm joined right now um, by Matt Robertson. Hello. Howdy. Uh, we've got James Ramsey. Hello. We have got Andy Oakham, who is spraying his load all over some small men in his house. Hello. <laughs> Uh, oh and uh, we've got Jesse and Matt Serino all the way across the Atlantic. How are you doing? Hey. Pretty good. <laughs> not as good as Andy, though, I'm sure. No, not as good as Andy blowing <laughs> all over small men. Uh, so uh, we're going to be getting into um, some tournament roundups a little bit later on. Um, got some recordings done as well uh, on transit. Um, but let's catch up with what we've been doing this week. Um, Mr. Robertson, what have you been doing? This week, 40K-wise, I have been uh, writing lists for a league in Liverpool, which I'm entering as part of, which is basically a six-game event. But rather than playing six games in two days, it's one game a week. And the organiser goes, cool, here's your opponent this week. It's up to you to sort your game, get the result in by Sunday night. He does the rest. I like that format. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so it's I'd like to see more of that. Actually. A bit more casual. Yeah. Gets everyone in the community together a bit more. And then, as well as that, I've been on a, a Segway trip around a castle. You were doing some ETC stuff as well, or was that top secret, Matt? Oh, that was just checking FAQ stuff and reading over a vote, which is going to be up in the next week or so for since to decide on uh since we're talking about it let me just find it and i'll go through briefly what was covered it was just a there's a few of people that uh were asked to read through and just double check and make sure the word and everything was right etc so, thing is like it's, it's it's like just as serious as the just as realistic as the like the whole eu uh voting system in real life for real life is it equally as corrupt it's just, yeah, basically, it is as easy as God, I think. From the outside, anyway. Yeah. It's just corrupt. And it... Apart from Russia have a bit less of a <laughs> Well, Russia have got about a million um, a million players and captains in different countries who are all, uh, they're not Russian, but they, they all basically are Russian in, in spirit. They're all controlled by yeah. Russia. <laughs> and then you have, like, um, People who are all allied together, like certain certain teams, all vote the same way, and because they because they like each other, and oh, it's just a complete farce in my opinion. But sounds like the European um, song contest. But also, it's just there's just so many like you you read what they the way it's written, it's just so complicated. It's just like we're playing the game of toy soldiers. You don't need such complexity. You don't need six rounds of voting to pick on like one mission path. Oh, even these questions. Yeah. All right, come on. Put them up Let's go. Yeah. It's stuff like allowing detachments, yes, no. Allow formations, yes, no. Use of single source or multi source CAD slash R detachments at the ETC. There's a paragraph explaining the question. Then there's use of single source, multi source CAD R detachments at the ETC at the team level. So about mirror 
uh, and how you use them within the team if they're allowed or if they're not. Uh, then allowed at the list level and then Imperial Knights, Lords of War, Codex Supplements, Data Slates, Data Sheets, so things like Chrome Dra Dragon Gaze, Cypher, Bellacor, Fortifications, Fortification Upgrades, Mysterious Objectives. I think there's 14, or oh, we've got 1.14, so yeah, 14 questions just as an initial starting point. So it's important stuff, though, to be fair. Like, you can, you know, it sounds dull as ditch water, but it it's, it's very important stuff because it's that's that's pretty much the framework within which you're 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 creating everything that you're going to be taking out there. So yeah, it's all stuff that needs doing. It's just hard work getting some things done now and again. Mm. Sometimes some of the chairmen just have to be like, right now, we're putting our foot down. This Do you guys happening. have vetoes and shit as well in votes or? Uh, the majority of the time is a we'll put out for all the captains will vote and it needs a majority vote for the captains mm. and then if there's a decision that's made and 10 or more captains disagree it'll get looked at revoted possibly although no, last year there was a vote put in place that any decision made by the rules committee and the guys writing the missions couldn't be overturned just due to the time frame involved okay. but there was a vote in place to say will they have power just to get on with things and do and no votes can overturn them yes or no so there was a vote about having a vote and there's a lot of stuff need to say because you've got so many players from all over it's the like, world everyone wants things a different way just to even pick the venue there was lots of votes wasn't there because there was the, the team was it team Monica no no was it San Marino from Flames of War, well, they weren't really proper San Marino team. They were like mercenaries. So I think um, Spain actually won the original vote, didn't they, to host EDC. But after they re-evaluated, they had a vote on if San Marino counted or something. Because they were... yeah, I think they had a few teams who just didn't actually count as teams because they'd been to the Flames of War the year before. But I think it was like the Greek team last year, possibly. It was seven Germans and one Greek. Yeah, so they weren't, they weren't, entitled, they weren't really entitled to a vote. And then... So then it came down to the decision by the committee didn't it, to pick one of the two. So it kind of uh, that it was. It's just yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really complicated. Those guys so, who are like yeah, they spend. I don't know how much time they spend in it, but it's insane. So you, so you went from being able to fly out for a week to Spain um, to flying out for a week to Prague instead. Uh, no, sorry, Spain was between yeah, last year Spain and Serbia. Oh. Wow! So you, you for next for next year's vote, so uh, Prague one hand yeah. down. Yeah, it was, it was contra the controversy was because obviously Spain was a new country, but we were trying for the first time. But Serbia were like a safe pair of hands, so a lot of people voted for Serbia because it did a good job the first time. Really. You know what you're getting as well. Yeah. Um, Population. And in, end, and in the end, it came down to a, a split vote, which the committee decided to go for the safe option. All right then. Um, so when are you guys going to know actually, you know, what the parameters are for in terms of list selection? All that voting is going to happen in the next. I think the vote's probably going to start next week, go on for one to two weeks. Then should know roughly after that. The briefing frame is November have a comp vote, January have a update on it, see if there's any new publications, and have a mission pack vote which I can see being quite similar to this year's, probably. 
then April have a final comp vote to say if anything's new come out that changes things drastically that needs reviewing and have a tournament pack like a full finished document saying here's all the missions here's what you can do here's where it is here's the time everything in early April as a, a first draft or but hopefully shouldn't need too much editing on that and then when 8th edition comes out in May you have to throw it all out the window anyway yeah <laughs> Jesse, you looking forward to all of that stuff? I know you're uh, aiming to uh, to get on the ETC team this year. No, I'm not going to make it this year. I didn't have ah. enough enough rankings. I, I missed out on two tournaments. I didn't realize were uh, counting towards it that I should have went to. And should have started running I, uh, earlier. That's what it was. And then I tossed my Battle for Salvation win out the window, and um, that's all she wrote. I mean, I still think it's stupid that they're doing the Adepticon team tournament as a qualifier for the ETC. It makes no sense why it was added to the list. Yeah. I've actually been talking to... Sorry to interrupt you there, Jesse. I've actually been talking to Andrew briefly this week, who's been looking at... Uh, Andrew Gonyo, the American captain, looking at next year's events and going, hmm, a couple of events such as Adepticon are going to get a little bit crazy. What if somebody wins them with a Lord of War or some crazy list which will get them majority of points to qualify does he want someone to be able to qualify automatically almost because well, the amount of points he yeah, gives with a Lord of War or something so he's looking at how to deal with that possibly yeah I mean you know and, and one of the big things is uh, you know like Matt said with the Adepticon team tournament I had the chance to play in it I didn't realise it counted um, so I actually let one of the guys that came out with us play, and you know he's not a he's not a great player, but he played on a good team with Matt, TJ, Rob. Like he's not a bad player, but he's not like a fantastic player. And they ended up they ended up coming in I think like fourth overall in like battle points and most first bloods, and it was real easy to carry. Frankly, like a slightly weaker player in Adepticon format. So it's kind of like you know I, I wasn't a big fan of the Adepticon. Uh, scoring being in there, but I mean, I missed I missed the boat on that one. Time to uh, time to start the cycle over again. Well, I mean, like we just said, the fact you can carry a player like without naming names. I know one of the teams that finished in the top two. The one guy on the team literally was like, "Yeah, we carried this guy. We needed a fourth spot, and we put him in there because you never actually have to play a game by yourself technically, so you can carry one person and just." Whenever that person jumped in, they're like, oh, yeah, this person is going to make all the decisions for them. And they're like, yeah, we had a fourth guy who's not a bad player, but certainly not anyone who would deserve be deserving of, of even close to an ETC spot or would even be able to even come close to winning a GT on their own. So, yeah, it's a little it's a little rough. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. We'll say I right now, you know, it's a, it's a matter of getting prepped for tournaments. I know Matt's... Uh, Matt's working for Eleventh Company and and LVO, and I'm really looking forward to LVO. So we'll see we'll see what happens. I mean, you guys, Are you, you guys at the company? ETC, that's got to be um, like a, a a new sort of a new thing for you because obviously up until you know the end of Fifth Edition, it was quite straightforward. I guess you know this is what we're taking. It's one one list and. You know, we just have to decide whether we're going to comp anything or, and, you know, what missions we're going to play. But now, um, you know, obviously last year you had allies, and that was a, that was a thing. 
And now it's just gone completely mad with mm -hmm. sources all over the place and 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 as you said about the um the fact that Adepticon are just allowing like crazy shit to be taken. Um you know, does winning a tournament with completely different rules packs really make you suited for, you know, playing in the ETC format? You know, that, that is questionable. Like, if you are winning off the back of taking a Tranny <laughs> Catan or, uh, you know, a, a, another Lord of War or something that, you know, you would never be able to use, does that, does that actually really put you at the forefront of... Uh... That's one of the things... Andrew was mentioning the other day in the endless chat. He was just saying he wasn't sure where that, so he's going to have a think, chat with the guys on the team already, chat with the guys who've been on the team in the past, get opinion, and they may add or change something so they get players that are going to be suitable for the team as a whole rather than just suitable for that one event. Yeah, and I mean, what what you need to take, what you need to take to each event is, I mean, because the events vary so heavily, it's just, you know, insanely different. You know, I, you might take a list that, that plays, there's a very solid well-rounded list and it just can't play a mission packet because it doesn't play a particular uh, way or particularly modified modified Maelstrom runs. So like uh, LVO and BFS has, has a modified, very simplistic Maelstrom, but then they also have like certain ways that, that, um, objectives are, are set as well as that the maelstrom is i mean you know it's it's just you you might be taking a list that is very good and not good at a particular packet and it's like well what do you do now you have to audible last second so i don't know i mean it's just it's so crazy how much things change and there, there are no lists that you can really just play right now and just go hmm. look like adepticon you need to be able to afford to buy a Titan, I think, personally to compete in that, in that mission packet. Which is, which is, yeah, well, exactly. But it's just, that's just silly. I mean, because you're never going to get a Warhound Titan at ETC. Ne never, ever, ever. It's going to happen. But at Adepticon, quite likely, you're going to have people using them. I mean, how does that work? Well, that's something obviously we'll have to figure out. And uh, I'm sure you guys will have fun doing that. Um, we are going to obviously put together a much more in-depth uh, special on the ETC over the coming weeks. I know um, Matt's been tirelessly recording loads of stuff um, for that, and we're going to edit that together. That's going to be a pretty big deal, so I'm really looking forward to that. And um, that's going to give you a really good insight into the workings of the ETC. You know, speaking with the different um, captains and all that sort of stuff. So, Matt, uh, definitely really looking forward to hearing that when it's done. Um, Let's get back to what we've actually been up to. Um, James, what have you been doing? Um, oh, just I've been like playing around with a few lists um, and just having a few games and so and preparing. Also, there's a tournament here locally. Starts it's like a league. It starts in January and it's, it's like it runs for a few months and it's uh, basically two thousand points, no holds barred, whatever the hell you want. Which is it's fine for us because we there's a lot of guys here. Where I live on the Isle of Man, who um, have a lot of forge world stuff because they, they're collectors. So uh, maybe they don't bring like the most broken stuff, but they like to use the Titans and all the big stuff. So for them, it, it, it'll look like it. And um, there are some guys though who do bring the dirtiest things ever. Um, like I know there's a guy bringing a Reaver Titan, and this guy, guy bringing two Catans. So having fun with that. 
And uh, trying to think, uh, kind of finalising a list for Heat 3. It's uh, not far away now. Uh, when you go to events like that, do you sort of almost like write them off in terms of playing like a serious uh, contest there? Or, you know, like, do you just um, try and factor it in? Because obviously it's not really... You know, something something that that's going to work against things like a Reva Titan or whatever is is kind of almost irrelevant um, in in most most competitive tournament situations. So, how do you, how do you look at that? Yeah, I, I just treat it as a bit of fun, really. I mean, because it's a weekly one, and you kind of don't have the it's not too stressful, and you can have a variety of opponents. So there's some um, younger guys there, you know, sort of teenagers, and then who are maybe just getting into the game or just having a bit of fun. And then you've got some guys there who, who are good players. Maybe they don't, they don't, they're not, there's no one here I don't think that are really serious players. Some of them go to throwing skulls, but they're not, um, big tournament players. But, yeah, they're pretty good. They're not bad players at all. So, um, it's good, it's good practice. And, um, a lot of guys, because Lords of War are becoming more popular here, it's almost in a way it's good practice. And I get to see a lot of the Forge World stuff that normally you wouldn't get a chance to play against. Like, um, things like Stomper or Brass Scorpion or things that maybe, they are too expensive for a normal tournament, but who knows? One day that might actually be allowed. Um, just like Adepticon, they're letting like all these big things in. It's it's nice to see how they. Because you think in your mind, all right, this is insane, and how do you play against it? But when you actually play on the table, you can actually sort of think about some strategies and uh, think about how you're going to beat it. Get some practical in over the theoretical, at least. Yeah, and like I was using. Um, these sentry pylons uh, to, uh, a few days ago, and they were pretty fun. And had to play against a Revenant Titan. And, like I thought, there's no way I could beat Revenant Titan if he gets turn one. But yeah, I actually did beat him, and it was uh, it was good to practice. And you know, I still think you know these big models are not. It's only a couple that are really broken. And actually, I'm I'm still a big proponent to say quite like um, I quite like the Lords of War. I think they're quite interesting. They um, they make the game quite different, obviously. But in a way, it's quite fun to have different options because, like, you'll never have like if you allow all the big stuff in, you never have a situation like in fifth with just one dominant army because there are some laws of war that just blow other blow other armies away. But uh, they get countered really hard by other armies, so I, I quite like it. Good stuff, good stuff. Um, what have you guys been up to across the pond? Um, just uh, been toying around. Um getting together like ideas uh, for LVO since the Arlong Forge World has been a lot of reading, a lot of asking James questions uh, and you guys over there because, you know, you guys have a bit more experience with it than we do. Um, and then uh, planning out an Ally Express order. So, I mean, <laughs> but that's basically been that. And then uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, working, you know, I like, I really like building lists so it's been a lot of sitting down with Sereno, working on list ideas and trying to see if we can't tweak tweak something really nice to work out with uh, the wolf, the Thunderwolves. And, see, and that's why I like Forge World, because Forge World opens up so many interesting little options that, okay, maybe they're not, like, amazing, but they're, like, they just change, like, the like the Orc War Boss. He just, he's just fun. He's not, he's not really much better than a normal War Boss, but he's just got some slightly interesting rules that you think, oh, no, maybe that could work quite well. Or like um, something like Severin Loth, for example, obviously is a 
as a beast. But I like, he... I really like a lot of those characters. They're well, they're well pointed, right? Um, and they, they do definitely offer something, something different. I, I do, I, I do definitely agree with you there. Um, but then, unfortunately, there's always the one thing that comes along, and it's not been written exactly as it should have been. Maybe someone sees something in there, and it's just the retarded. Only... The only bad, in my opinion, the only badly written rule in Forge World that I can think completely can ruin a game is the sentry pylon ruling that with a death ray. That's that ruling is that the way it's written is completely stupid. Um, the the fact it's like completely opposite of how you expect it to play. And just kind of if you if you rule it that way, if you play it that way, it kind of makes them just like way too good. Um, but everything else, I can't think of anything else. For, yeah, for everyone that's locked in and is um, scratching their head along with me right now, um, do you want to tell us exactly what that ruling is? Okay, so it's kind of complicated, but basically, normal death ray, let's say you hit, like, let's say I hit a titan and, or let's say I hit a super heavy and two two guys from a separate unit, uh, move my death ray, I get one hit on the titan and I get two hits on the normal guy. Pretty straightforward. With the way the sentry pound's written, because it's, the Forge World don't don't just copy and paste. They like to write their own things. The Sentry Pile and Death Ray is a bit better in that it hits. It gets two hits for every model it clips. So you'd think, okay, so I hit the Titan once, and I hit the two guys. I'll get two hits on the Titan and four hits on the squad. But actually, the way it says, when it's written, it says, um, basically, for every model you touch in the beam, the unit suffers many hits. So if I hit... Uh, three guys, like I say, I hit the Titan once and two guys. I've actually hit three models. I then double that to six, so each squad takes six hits. So basically, what I did against the Re- Revenant Titan was I put, I flew, I um, teleported using Oberon my sentry pylons away next to his Revenant Titan, and then dropped five warriors of my own behind the Titan. I shot my beams through the Titan, hit five of my own warriors, so I got six hits, which then doubles to twelve. I've then got three pylons, so I then do 36 hits on each squad, on the Titan and on my own squad. And it's not just, you know, rubbish shooting, it's 36 strength 10 AP1 tank hunting hits. So it just, you know, it just kills anything it hits. Um, and it's purely because they've written it really badly. Now, normally, you just FA could say it just works like the death ray from Doom Scythe, because that just breaks the game, in my opinion. And it becomes. A case where it's not very fun to play against, um, because like another situation where you can hit like three guys from one squad and like uh, three like one guy from another squad, and because the way it rules, you can like completely devastate the guy that's only got one hit. You can like do like twenty hits on him. And it's just it doesn't make any sense. Um, so uh, that's what that's, in my opinion that's the only badly rooted, uh, worded rule in Forge World that makes no sense at all. All the rest are pretty silly. Sure. There is. There is the arc, the arc blast, which is a three d six radius. Yeah, but the thing is, I think maybe that's it's it's been printed twice like that. That's a bad word, him. Been printed twice like that, so maybe I think that's and it is on a it's on a, it's on a four hundred point um, tank, and so it's not that good. But thirty six inch large blast. Yeah, strength seven eighty three. Well, so one of the big things I've noticed reading through all the Forge World is there's a lot less there's a lot less broken in Forge World now compared to, you know, years back, 5th edition, early 6th edition, then I'm actually finding in 
regular books. Like, I haven't come across anything that has been like, oh my god, kind of like Adamantium Lances, and you know, Adamantium Lances kind can of I, genuinely accept here. Can I point out why that is probably? In- I don't think it's anything to do with the power level of Forge World changing. I think since 5th edition moved to 6th and 7th, and you've seen some of these Battle Brother ally combinations that you can do, the ridiculousness of Forge World just overnight pretty much became like, you know, you went from um, thud guns, oh my god, um, you know, uh, the heavy weapon imperial guard things, whatever they were, the sky things that were ridiculous, saber defense platforms. Like, oh, like, these are these are insane. What the hell is? They're way too good. Two, well, I've got a two up revolvable save. So, like, fuck you. And it got worse and worse, and it became like a power struggle from there, an arms race from there. So when you compare like Forge World stuff compared to the stuff that the hive mind of the 40k community can put together using multiple codexes and sources and and you know combining USRs together and all that sort of stuff and psychic powers and what have you it basically all becomes just as ridiculous as itself. Um, so I don't think, like, Forge World's got worse. I just think the game's got worse. Yeah, I think the Forge yeah, World's... Yeah, but, like, I mean, even, even, the stuff, even the stuff that they are coming out with is, frankly, it's quite mild compared to, compared to you know, just in, in normal play standards. Like, you look at things like the Sakarian Battle Tank, 135 points. Frankly, it's, it's a very... It's a decent, it's a decent, you know, like, rule-wise. There's nothing that's really, like, broken about it. And, I, and, you know, one thing I think might, you know, might be a case, and I hope it was the case, is the fact that with Forge World was at its peak, nobody went to play with anybody played, at least here in the States. You know, you just, you had Forge World, you weren't, congratulations, you really weren't allowed to play the game. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's, you're spending tons of money, and not getting, not being allowed to play, so maybe they kind of down. But you know, you look at the things, and it's yeah, the power level for the regular game has absolutely increased. But the overall models themselves that are coming out. They're, they're frankly, they're just coming out, and they're just balanced, decent units. There's nothing like really crazy about them. I think you know, use the use the example of um, the Sakaran battle tank. But if you look in that book, you've got like the Typhon, which is obscene. They had that at um, GT Heat yeah, Two. But- but They've those got, are Lords uh, of War. I put I Lords of War in a different category. Okay, you've got a Whirlwind Scorpius, which is good, but it's as well. It's, it's, it's good. Not, I mean, you have to take that stupid relic. That, the relic makes it good. The, the, on its own, it's okay. But I mean, the main thing is you've got to take these keep of the relics. That that is the main downside of all these the marine ones, anyway. In my That's opinion. if you want to take more than one, obviously. Yeah. But if you look at the scorpion, you look at the scorpion. The scorpion itself is not bad. Now it can, it can get kind of, it can get kind of crazy when you take like the battle of Kelik upgrade. Yeah. But the scorpion itself, for what it is, it's not that it's not that crazy of a of a tank. You know, and, and like that's the whole thing. Like you know, you're looking at looking at these things. It's like okay, these aren't really that. These aren't really that crazy, even in just general comparisons. You know, it's unfortunately everything's better than a damn predator. I really wish a predator was better because <laughs> it's such a cool looking mod on it. But you look at everything else, it's like, man, all these other tanks are what the predator wishes it was. But it's like, that's where I would like to see, you know, in regular gameplay terms, that's where I would like to see something like a predator set. Games Workshop's always you know, set in like the same with, with a lot of stuff. I, 
I mean, you can you can use dreadnoughts as an example as well. Like you know, they're they're definitely not what they should be. Terminators as well, for example, not what they should be. Um, and they're so iconic as well. Um, so yeah, you're right. It's definitely a shame. Definitely a shame. I like the way that LVO has done their, or, or like those guys in the West Coast have banned certain Lords of War. I think like the, you mentioned the Typhon. I quite like that. Uh, in terms of it, it's obviously very good for its points. Um, an absolute beast to try and kill. Um, but anything like which ignores cover and it's got such uh, high power weaponry, it, it does kind of start to make the game a bit like less tactics. You just kind of put down these huge templates and just take models off that. That's when people start to lose fun. I think also it's a fun thing, isn't it? You know, no one likes to just uh, you know just get blown off the table with one it, shot. They basically they basically banned everything that is ignores cover and AP two. I think I think it was I think it was actually Matt because we were having a conversation about this. I think it was Robertson that said this to me anyway. He said, uh, uh, "Correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. Uh, A lot of these are designed for like apocalypse games where you're playing, you know, like many many thousands of points uh, at once, and you just need to remove stuff. Like you need to just get rid of shit. So a strength ten AP one ignores cover." massive blast is going to remove shit off the table quickly because otherwise that game's going to take four days to play now obviously when you put that on a table against a 1650 or an 1850 or a 2000 list the amount of stuff that that is removing in a turn becomes really really critical and that's that was the problem that i had with lords of war at the end of six with how d worked because when people were sticking like a Revenant Titan down and they get first turn and like that's half your army gone, then that's that's not a game and that's not that's not that's not challenging, it's not fun, it's it's just bullshit. So I, I you know I, I can see I can see both sides and I, I really think going into yeah. seventh, right? It's it's toned down a lot. Well, the funny thing is we have a we have a guy Kevin or Kyle, excuse me, Kyle our store. Now Kyle travel Kyle has. Um, you know, three, he has like an entire Chaos Titan Legion, including an Imperator that he custom built, several Warlord Titans, um, Reavers, and all that. He goes out and he travels all over the country and plays, you know, weekend long, 600, 700,000 points aside games. And he was telling me, like, for their games, they actually still use the old D because Strength D isn't, in, in an Apocalypse game, Strength D isn't, a, isn't powerful enough. You know, it doesn't do what you need it to do. It doesn't, and that was the whole thing. Like, you know, in Apocalypse games, you have to be able to clear waves and waves and waves of models because you're playing 100, you know, 100,000 point games plus and all that, you know, stuff. You know, it gets crazy, and they need, these models need to be able to remove that. And they're fine in those in those games. You know, I, so, I mean, one of the things I do is, like, I like the Lord of War and, the, the banning uh, that Frontline and the West Coast guys have done, where they've just basically banned all the Ignores Cover AP2. Everything else kind of pretty much all right. Ignores Cover AP2 all banned. Yeah, I mean, You're it's like, like a... Sorry, Carol. I was going to make some joke about Jesse talking about old D. Sorry. Yeah, the, the current <laughs> D is not doing... It's not hitting the spot. So <laughs> it needs to go back to the old D. I think we need Andy's opinion on that one at the moment. <laughs> Hey. Yeah. You see, I'm not a fan of the. I, I know the GT uh, and Cali both have gone with the points restrictions. I don't think that's the way to do it personally. But I know they did it in kind of a 
that was their uh, their thinking. But I mean, there are some. The, the problem with doing points, like anything, if you try and do it that way, there are some that are just better pointed than others. Like some, mm. like for example, Markador and Furnace is just for its points, just stupid. It's like two hundred and seventy five points and it just kills everything. I mean, and. The only reason you don't see it is because it's Imperial Guard. The Imperial Guard aren't that popular. But if if someone takes that, it's just it's just, again it's another stupid, you know, ignores cover, AP two, you just die kind of template, and um, it's it's way too cheap for its points, and it creeps under these it creeps under the the points limit. Whereas some of them, like for example, um, Malkador, the one with the I think it's the one with the twenty shots and um, with the Vulcan Mega Blaster, it's like four hundred and five. Now, really, it's an AV-13 tank with, with 20 or 40 shots. If it stays still, it can fire 40 shots. I mean, that sounds good, but it's BS-3. So it's like, yeah, cool. You know, 20 shots for 400 point, 405 points. You might kill, like... So it's a punisher. Yeah, you might kill, like, four or five Marines. But Markador and Furnace is 275, and it's a fucking Hellstorm with AP-2, which wounds on a 2+. And it can torrent 18 inches away from itself. So, you know, that can move 12, torrent 18... And then put a Hellstorm template down, which is Poison 2 plus AP2. You, you just die. Is that the one you showed me the picture of, where you just set it up sideways <laughs> and pivot for like an extra? <laughs> yeah, inches? yeah, it can hit, it can hit anywhere on the table, turn one, from where it deploys. So, I mean, for 275 points, just stupid. Um, the, these, the, these are that's the problem with the Lords of War. If you're going to do the Lords of War, you have to. I think you have to go through them, and it takes time, and that's probably where the people have to spend the some stuff's time. not play tested it's we know it's not play tested properly and you know we need to um we, it's difficult to, to to come across as like all-knowing or like knowing better than the populace but like tos need to make a an informed decision on on this stuff because you know th- there's things in the game that aren't and even in them even in main 40k as well there's stuff that's just in there that's that's clearly not been play tested thoroughly or been playtested by people that are gonna break it pretty much and understand why you know something that's a, a hailstorm wounds on two AP two torrent template on a AV thirteen platform is should cost a damn lot more than two hundred and seventy five points. Um, you know you, that needs to be done, unfortunately, um, and it's a shame that you know um, it's sort of done separately and. <laughs> It's a difficult situation because obviously there's no consensus between events as well. So like like you said, you know, some bases are going by the rules. Some places are going on a on a on a on a, on a blanket no Lords of War. Some places are going on a on a points restriction, and you know it's it's, it's tough. No, and that's one of the big things I'll give the frontline and guys, you know, the the group that frontline gaming who runs the LVO and BAO, you know, they've taken the time to go through these Lords of War. And basically, bend the ones that are that are broken, essentially. You know, and, and they, their their main criteria for for banning things was not the size of the template or anything like that, because you know they allow bane blades and everything. But their 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 goal was to ignore cover and AP two and one just goes away. You can't you can't bring. It. I'll give them that. Now I don't agree with everything that they do, like their you know their um uh FAQ in particular I'm not I'm not particularly a fan of but you know I I give them that like they want to they want to say hey we're going to use these we're going to use these models we're going to allow them and 
I think they've done a decent job of getting those models out there and, you know, making it work. Um, you know, one big what thing do you that think I about agree their, with... Um... What do you think about their circuit, by the way? Um, honestly, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about it to, to give a, an informed decision. I mean, I played their missions this last week uh, or a week ago now. I'm not a huge fan of – I'm not a huge fan of the missions, but I'm not like these missions are the worst. I've definitely played worse. Um. I don't know about their circuit though. I don't know enough about it. You know, it, frankly, it hasn't reached it hasn't reached the East Coast yet. I mean, the East Coast has finally fallen out of the grips of Nova, and now tournaments are kind of going their own route. It seems. I mean, yeah, what's your what's your problem. opinion? Yeah, go on. Sorry. Well, I was saying the the problem. I keep going. I keep cutting off. Sorry. Uh, the, the problem with the format is, like Jess said, it's West Coast. Like, I don't believe there has been an actual like tournament that goes for their rankings that's been run i don't think west or east of like texas so it really gives you a skewed ranking but i think it's decent i mean the packet's a little i mean the packet heavily relies on maelstrom um so it can get a little weary here and there uh but yeah i just think otherwise if the packet was a little bit stronger i think it'd be fine what do you guys think of just the idea of circuits in general um, because obviously in like esports and stuff, they're really, really popular, uh, really important um, part of the part of the situation. But um, what do you what do you guys think of, of, of just the idea of circuits? I would I like I would love a circuit. You know, I'm actually kind of jealous of you guys having your heat system, everything that leads into your tournament. So it's really nice. You know, it it gives you it gives you a decent a decent thing. The closest we have to a circuit before this ITC formed, and I'm looking at all their at all their tournaments. They're, they're you know, Matt's right. I don't, there's not a single one. Uh, the closest one is actually South Florida. It's the only one east of the Mississippi. Um, they actually have more tournaments going on in Japan, in Tokyo, than they have east of the Mississippi here, here in the States. Um, but I like the idea of a tournament circuit. And the closest thing we've had up until this, you know, you've had the quote-unquote Nova circuit. Not really a circuit. It was just, you know, Nova open and then tournaments that fed into the Nova open and used their mission packet. But the closest thing we've had has been an ETC circuit. It's for guys that want to get on the ETC team, there was a, there was set GTs you would go to every year because they gave you points. You know, I would love to have an actual circuit. What do you think, Matt Serena? Uh, the country's a little on the big side for for that, and it would take one organization, which I mean, maybe frontlines the organization. It would take an organization to be able to dominate enough to impose its format, its FAQ, and its will upon the scene. I mean, right now you've kind of got two primary things. You've got like the East Coast. Now, like Jesse said, has gotten away from the Nova. You know, look, look at all the Nova tournaments are, are barely using a lot of their stuff anymore. Um, and then you've got the BAO set up on the West Coast, and then Adepticon kind of does their own thing. You would need to get tournament organizers on the same page, which good luck with that in the U.S. Uh, unfortunately, at the top of the organization level, I think there's a little too much ego and pride, and a little bit of people feeling, well, we play it right on this. Coast. No, we play it right on this coast. I just don't think you're going to get that 
coming together that you would really need. Uh, what's just a yeah? Thought, what's your perspective sorry, on it, Matt? Anyway, because obviously you're you're quite I tied was just in. Thinking then, would something kind of similar to they do in the American football kind of work if you had a couple of different leagues going on? That is how it works, isn't it? And then divisional the different regions. Yeah, you get like different regions have their own little areas where they players play within that area, and then the top X amount of each area get an invite to. A centralized well, that, that reminds me about the um, the Torrent of Fire Invitational, which I know wasn't actually put together like that, but it was kind of it was kind of like like an all star tournament from you know made up from people across the US. Is that correct? Sort yeah, I mean for the most part, uh, Chip just kind of picked top people and figured well and brought them all together. The problem with what you're saying is. You know, you can't really compare it to football. You'd be better off comparing it to like baseball, where at least in the AFC and or, or sorry, the AL and the NL, you're playing two different versions of the game for the most part. Like a designated hitter, not designated hitter. The problem you run into is you're going to have this setup, and you're then you're just going to simply have well, when you come together for your final championship, what format are you playing now? If you do the four regions, you know, you take east and west and then go like north and south well now you're playing four different formats so what is the come together championship format and then you could do that's oh, good a little bit of a mix of everything i'm just thinking if, if each region has their own specific way if you then went right here's the final five six game event we'll use a mission from there mission from there mission from there mission from there an etc mission and then another mission from somewhere else just to see who is the best player who can adapt a list to play style or whatever that suits everything and is more of an all-round player rather than gaming a certain mission pack. I mean, the other thing you're going to run into is you're going to run into the people who are going to claim, well, that doesn't actually create a champion because you're going to have people, you know, people aren't going to want to travel. Like, where are you going to play the final championship game? I mean, let's look at, like, Nova, for example. Nova's a huge tournament, and it took really until this year till we saw a lot of West Coast guys travel. Like, you have your certain West Coast guys who are going to travel all the time. Um, you know, Blackmore, for a while, was, like, the most notorious guy from the West Coast who would travel back. But, you know, it, this year, obviously, a lot of the frontline guys made the trip, and it was great. And now more guys are making it to, like, LVO. But I don't know really of any East Coast guys who go to, like, Bay Area open. I don't know if Jesse might probably know better than me, but like Adepticon is really the only time where you get a mix of West and East Coast, and that's even still probably slightly East Coast dominated for for Adepticon, just because it's drivable for the East Coast, not for the West Coast. So I, I think that's oh. another big problem you're running into. It's going to be hard me, to find a. Let me ask you this then. So if you've if you've managed to you've managed to filter everything down to the eight current best informed players in the country. Based on you know whatever you're using your ICT rankings or the Torrent of Fire rank, whatever you want to use, you've you've managed to boil it down to the eight best players taken from every different region that's playing, and you got right they're gonna they're gonna meet in a in an eight man bracketed tournament at this venue. <laughs> How much difference would it make if people were actually playing for prize money? How much difference would prize money make to competitive 40k? Because that's the only thing that created esports: the fact that there was money online and people were, were willing to put in that time and, and effort and travel. I know personally, I'd be 
against that because I think it kind of with esports you're there with a set parameters you're playing a game whatever with 40k there's little rules arguments discussions a lot of things players could be more tempted to cheat you could have loaded dice that is 100% a hundred percent true but that's why i thought of distilling it down to eight players if it's down down to eight players you can have a judge on every table full time rather than come over i need to go and call a judge there would be a, there would be three people at each table there'd be two players and a judge watching uh, on each game to to get around that because you're right you know when you look at some of the arguments that people have at the ETC, or they used to have at sort of older the GT tournaments, which I know um, sort of put G- GW off of running those sort of competitive events, and that's not even for any sort of considerable prizes anyway. You know, there's so much. Uh, you know, obviously in the controversy that's, that's happened recently uh, in, in the states, there's so much scope for for people to game or cheat or slow play or or, or whatever. <clears throat> but, I mean, but those things those things could be. Those things could be actively mitigated, I feel. You know, one big thing, you need active judging. I, I don't know why more tournaments don't have active judging. You know, I was sitting at Nova, not playing, hanging out with Matt. We were we were doing the we were doing the chat. And, you know, there was clear mistakes being made and frankly illegal plays. Um, you know, and we weren't allowed to interject and be like, hey, you know, th- this is going on, this is wrong. Because they didn't want us to. And, you know, so one big thing I feel is if you do an event like this, you need to do it like Adepticon does. I know we did it at Philadelphia. Um, but in the, especially in the top bracket or like the day two, you have to have active judging at the table. The other big concern I have is you, know, you can get away with dice shenanigans by simply making everybody use their own dice. Battle for Salvation did it. Um, so you bought you you paid in and when you got there you picked a dice cube a chess x dice cube any of the dice you wanted that they had um but it, you know see so you can get away from things like that with with good active judging and you know but one big problem i have is formats i mean formats are so different like like again you know adepticon is looking to allow everything lvo and the west coast is very limited and the east coast is no forge world so you know how do you how do you combat that? How do you combat those differences at, at the end of the day, you know, in, in your format changes? Is it that though? But you so at a core level, also you have to look at. So let's say you have eight players all across the country. Let's assume there's no tournament entry fee. You're it's going to cost you for a, assuming you have to fly for a flight and hotel rooms minimum like six hundred bucks for a weekend and maybe a little you know obviously then account food stuff like that. Are, are bragging rights alone? I think it goes back to the idea of what are you going to do for like a prize? Are is, is are bragging rights worth the is gambling for bragging rights worth six hundred and fifty dollars? That like is that a thing? Are people will like I wouldn't be willing to fly to California to play in a tournament of eight people simply well, for we've, bragging we've got, rights. We've got someone on the call who um, must have spent at least a thousand pounds doing that. What 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 made you want to go out to uh, to to Nova, Matt Robertson. Uh, it was Ramsey. <laughs> Basically, I got the chance. I've always wanted to go. I knew some of the American guys, and it's 40k is a big hobby to me. It's my main hobby, really, and I enjoy the hobby to mainly for seeing people, meeting people, going to places. Um, feel like doing the ETC and other events. I've had opportunities to travel. Europe, a lot of the world, and I went to Germany for six days actually, um, 
playing an event and then traveling for a few days on my own and i met an american couple there who basically just got married on the honeymoon but they'd never been outside of the states they'd never traveled and i think they were saying they were 30 31 did not have a chance to travel or experience the world before and at that point they kind of wanted to settle down get a house get kids and the girl was like right if i get a chance to do something go somewhere get an experience see a place but while i've got nothing stopping me i've just got to go and do it the question is but you're going just for a tournament like nova's different because it's a convention you're going to meet a bunch of people yeah you know there's going to be 300 gamers there if this is an eight-man tournament with a, a three a four-person judge staff you know there's going to be 12 people there one of which is you like, is that worth your time for for a tournament I think, like that? Like Alex was saying before, you'd have to have, which I don't think will happen anytime soon, backing of a company like Games Workshop, like they have in esports, where the company, the creators of the game, are willing to go, cool, here's our format for this area. You're the top couple from there, you're the top couple from there, we'll fly you to this event, this will be our championships, like I know they do in League of Legends, for example. Yeah. I know Riot are a big. Well, I, I can I can speak quite well about this because this is my other big thing that I do. I actually spend a load of time uh, toing and doing commentary on um, competitive Street Fighter, and it's for, for many years it was a very sort of similar situation wherein you look at you look at other games where the um, the publisher of the game was putting a lot of money into it. So like Riot for uh, League of Legends, and before that Blizzard were doing a lot of stuff as well, and and like Counter-Strike, for example, as well, is a good scene. But Capcom, who makes Street Fighter, never really put anything into the competitive um, aspect of their game um, for whatever reason. They didn't see value in it. And I think that's probably the same sort of situation with Games Workshop. They don't see, from, from, from what I've seen as being a fan of the hobby for 20 years now, they don't seem to see any value in being good at the thing that they sell which is a game with models they say they're the best model making company in the country but they they sell a game they the first thing you buy is the rule book and the box set so um they don't see any they've never really shown that there's any sort of value in being good at this game that they make um even down from sort of like coverage of, of tournaments and that sort of stuff you never you never really saw a lot of articles on you know people that even won their their tournaments when they were still running grand tournaments um so you you sort of really have to look for like non-endemic um corporate partnerships which aren't reliant on the parent company so and that's what a lot of you guys do i mean you're you're working with like kr everyone knows kr literally through the fact that you know anyone that wins a tournament to come multi-case anywhere in the world pretty much now um Nowadays, I think there's there's avenues there where people, you know we've got a huge community, we've got such a big community. If you look at the number of hits that uh, a lot of these forums are getting, if you look at the hits bowls get uh, on a daily basis, you know they look at the, the amount of money that people will spend on this hobby because um, it's definitely not a cheap hobby and it's not going to get any cheaper anytime soon, apart from you know import um, variety purchases. Um, there's there's there, there's got to be an answer there somewhere in that you can provide content from you know the, that you guys are doing your monday night stuff i mean 
you, I'm, I'm presuming you started doing your webcasts, Jesse and Matt, because you just enjoy the game, you have access to their technology, and you thought this would be fucking cool to do. But have you ever sort of sat down and looked at it and go, you know, what is what what do we as a company store benefit from this? You know, what's the what's the actual value on our return of our time for doing these? Or are you still literally looking to do this as a as just something fun for the hobby? We we originally we actually sat down and looked at it as a means for we wanted to give back and and increase the community in general. Uh, try to get the the gameplay or the game more widely accepted. But one big thing was came from talking with Jeff Robinson about how to move how to move Warhammer into a more competitive scene um, that frankly people could potentially make a living off of you know down the line uh, and. And, and let me just say, just say, just for the people that don't know, Jeff Robinson is is your one of your guys' friends. He's on your team, right? But he does. No, he's um, on the frontline team. My apologies. And he's is he the guy that does the professional casting for StarCraft? He is captain of TV Team Evil Geniuses StarCraft team. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um. So he's 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 obviously got he's a great EG in control. But uh, so, so him yeah, so and Defranta sat down with it and basically said, like, you know, you if you form if you form it. You know, and you you do this work, and you got to put out a lot of legwork. One of our initial goals, though, was, you know, for the team was to, you know, hopefully down the line, a little bit of ad, like a little bit of revenue from ads and everything to help offset costs of traveling to these tournaments, so we could go to like you know Bay Area and things. You know, one of the big things, you know, I noticed was with just the cost of traveling to these tournaments. You know, Matt talked to you, uh, Robertson, back on like our first podcast about us coming over to. To, to England for an event, and it's funny because, you know, traveling to England is cheaper than traveling to some events on the West Coast. You know, it's, is it that far? Yeah. You know, especially with like the the you know going to Bay Area Open. Bay Area Open is an expensive, expensive tournament because it's the flight out there, and then staying in San Francisco is not cheap. You know, it's a, it was it was actually a lot cheaper for us to stay over in England than it was. You know, and the flights were approximately the same. So when are you coming over? I don't know yet. But that's besides the point. The whole thing is, is I think there needs to be – I like the idea of, of tournaments offering prize money um, for the event. I mean, look, look at that, Matt. That was one of the big things. You were competing in the Invitational. You had the potential to win $1,000. You know, you know, however many pounds that is for you guys. I don't know what the actual conversion rate is right now. But you basically had the the opportunity to finance your trip should you have won. Yeah, that would have been a very nice bonus. Although I did think, uh, or before I went, that having the money on grab might have changed people how they played. But I was actually pleasantly surprised when over that how just laid back everyone was for in the game still. I thought I might have change people's mindset and do you think that was just a one-off because of the atmosphere in nova or do you think that people could really sort of look past that that was basically the exact same atmosphere you know there's always a few guys who regardless of what they're playing in there's always a few guys who have a very very sour outlook and they're very sour to play you know one of the guys played a torn of fire and everything, but Torn Fire Invitational still offered cash prize, and it was very much the same thing. At the end of the day, the thing is, at the end of the day, the players that are playing in these events, we're all friends, for the most part. You know, 
there, there's a few outliers, but for the most part, you know, it's like, okay, I'm going to hang out with, I'm going to play and I'm going to play against Ganyo, who's on our team, you know, who I talk to daily. I'm going to play against Nick, who's local to me and I talk to daily. You know, um, I'll play against Justin, who's on the team. I'll play against Hoger. I'll play against Kurt, who, you know, we talk to every day in, in uh, Endless. You know, like, I'm, I'm friends with all these top players anyway. So playing them for money on the line, we, we still have a good time. But, I, you know, if, I think if you could finance your trips to these tournaments, it would be a lot better off. I mean, look, from a business point of view, it's only going to work like so. You know, like Jesse said, we I sat down to the business end of all the stuff we do. It would take. Here's how it would work. It would work if you know we have. There's like war store exists, right? People phone order in Warhammer products. If one store had the monopoly on the U.S. discount mail-in sales, that store could afford to run an event like the, like what we talked about with like eight to sixteen people. The problem is because it's the only way. If a store was making enough money to be able to finance it, and they, which wouldn't happen, there's between Ally Express, between people just not buying models, between there's a, a hundred places to do it. Also, everyone has a local store they can buy from. Unless there was a store that was monopolizing that, I don't think there'd be a way to do it because there's no way you're making the money to offset the cost, and it's just not worth running at a super loss because getting your name out there and running an event like that doesn't net you anything on the back end. Definitely not, 100%. And I don't think, you know, if you're looking at, um, uh, even though you are not GW, it's still pretty much the same thing. There's no value there for you. Um, so you have to look at um, maybe other places um, or like multiple sponsors and that sort of stuff. And, and that's kind of what people are doing. Um but the main problem that I've seen from, from getting into the hobby over the last two years um, from coming from an eSports background is there's no, like, there's no value in a tournament other than the people that are there until now you guys are starting to produce content. Like, now that there's content that's being produced, that's actually worth something. That can be monetized. That can then be um, used to, to reach a wider audience. You can use... Um, you know the Twitch stream to attract a bigger audience next time, uh, a larger attendance next time, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I definitely, you know, it's definitely not going to happen in the next like year or two. But um, I, I, I definitely think the the community is big enough um, and established enough to to, to certainly move to that. Um, and you know, I don't I don't know if um, you know Nova, for example, have always offered like such such large uh, cash prizes. Um, or if that's a recent thing, but um, you know, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully that starts appearing in other places because it would the be is, would be. They can offer this huge cash prizes because they're like the prizes everywhere else are kind of like they get most of their prize support for free. So yeah. and you, I mean, you guys know how much it costs. You're talking to play in the open, and your event pass for the weekend is a hundred and fifty dollars. So sure, they're giving out a thousand dollars to best overall, a thousand dollars to best general in the in the event. Okay, cool. So we had twenty people show up. We now made, or no, at that point, you know, we had fifteen people show up. Sweet, sweet. Those fifteen people paid for our prizes for those two. So sure, if you if you could easily give out a thousand dollars cash prize if you charge two hundred bucks for the tournament entry ticket. Like if you charge an overprices, absolutely you could do it. It wouldn't be hard at all. <laughs> so I mean, look, we did a tournament. The GT that the store ran last year was 
$65 entry. We gave out five, $400 cash the first, $400 best overall. Everyone who won a bracket got a uh, pack 432 from Battle Foam. We gave out $40 in swag in the swag how, bag. How, like, how many um, tables can you guys fit in your store? Um, oh, like, in the store, not pack. enough. No? Not enough in store. We, re- we rented a hall when we did it. I mean, okay. we're looking at potentially moving to a new store that would be able to hold a 64 player in house. And if that's the case, then then, then yeah, we can run them. Exactly. Because I, I was in I was in a store the other day, my local independent store called 40k Gaming in Colchester, and I was talking to those guys about um, just the the, the 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 tournaments that they run. And obviously, um, they haven't got a huge space, but they've got a big enough space to fit in, you know, like a 32 man tournament. And even then, on a 32 man tournament without charging exorbitant f- sums, they're still making they're still making like profit on that because they're not having to lay out money on, on hall rental, table rental, you know, uh, making new terrain and that sort of stuff. They've got that there. Um, and obviously having people in your store for a whole weekend, you know, basically trapped for nine hours a day um, is financially beneficial for you guys anyway. Uh, also, like if you can sell, you know, refreshments and all that sort of crap and people generally pick up shit, you know, if you can do special offers and stuff on the weekend, um, <laughs> So it's definitely it's definitely doable on a small scale, but it, it's more of a of a thing of 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 looking to to move towards some sort of uh, some sort of circuit would be ideal. And even if it's just maybe like a a series of um, like majors, which we sort of unofficially have now. Um, I think you guys sort of have a tournament circuit and a tournament season, I guess, in in the states already. Um, <clears throat> it'd be nice to it would be really nice to sort of. If, if people could come together and, and, and maybe unify it a little bit more, a bit more of unity in the community between the, uh, well, that, there you go, a unity in the community, um, between like the TOs that you guys got in North America, because it'd be, it'd be, it should be cool to see, I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I hope the community develops and continues to grow. And, you know, it's, that's basically where we're at, though. We got to see what happens. So as you said, we are covering the biggest and the best tournaments across the UK um, and across the world, hopefully. Um, this weekend, the first week of a double-barreled Battlefield Birmingham 6 uh, happened, and our very own Adam Ryland was there um, with his flying demons. Uh, how did you get on, Adam? Uh, very well, actually. It was a, yeah? it was a good tournament. Uh, Just, so do you uh, want to tell us like what the format was? Yeah, it was a uh, sixteen fifty points. It was uh, straight four book missions, eternal war missions, and it was uh, one point for loss, eight points for a draw, sixteen points for the win. And then you could get four bonus points for different secondary objectives. Okay, um, and did they modify that at all? Because uh, I know um, last time they they changed sort of the secondaries a little bit, didn't they? Yeah, he was playing, if you slay the Warlord, you get one point. If you prevent your Warlord being slayed, you got one point. If you achieve Line Breaker, one point. And if you uh, stop your opponent getting Line Breaker, one point again. Okay, all good. Sounds exciting. Um, so, yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about um, Battlefield Birmingham in general? I presume you've been there a few times. That's number six now. So, like, what's the history behind the event? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it started very small, and it basically all for the community. It was close knit at the time, so I think it started like twenty players, and everybody knew each other, and it was really relaxed, fun events, and it's been sort of known for being a more relaxed events. Cool. So, um, who else is there of note? Uh, you have Paul Burke, uh, Matty Edwards, Rob Sims. Um, I can't remember who was there now. Um, there's quite a lot of new uh, Birmingham faces there, which you don't see sort of out of Birmingham. That's a good sign. Um, so, so, so new players. Yeah, more local players um, from not so much Birmingham, but local around the area to Birmingham. And uh, sort of, they do tend to go to a lot of battlefields, but they don't tend to travel to uh, Warrington and uh, Stockport and that. That's great to hear. Um, I mean, did, did it feel? Did it feel? you know, like there was a drop-off or did it feel like, you know, there was, you know, an ample number of players there? Um, no, there was, a, there was players what, what didn't turn up. Um, I can't remember. <laughs> Maybe 28 players. Yeah. Uh, I think you were supposed to come in, wasn't you, Alex? I was. I was unfortunately working, so I couldn't, uh, couldn't spare the time this weekend. But um, I don't mind making my donations. They can, they can, they can keep my ticket money. It's all good. It's all good. It all helps, doesn't it? I know the thankless task putting on tournament events. So uh, fair play to the guys. Um, so do you want to talk us through what you took? Yeah, I took uh, my usual list really. Um, Bank Weaver, Keeper of Secrets, uh, Three Slash Demon Princes, and to fit it in with the points, uh, two units of Nurglings. Uh, any changes there from uh, what you've been running previously? Uh, basically, dropping the horrors. So I was losing warp charge, which was, and I lost the bastion. So I lost protection and warp charge dice. But, uh, um, what was yeah. your What was your thought behind that? Uh, I just wanted the third demon prince in, and there was no other way to get the third demon prince without losing the horrors. Cool, cool. Um, so, do you want to talk us through? Um, yeah, just talk us through your first game. Yeah, well, we all rocked up and we was all having a chat and a laugh morning, and then Harry done the draw. And um, at the time, I was talking to uh, Graham Simpson, who's one of the Scottish lads, who I was admiring his three knights in Lance formation. And then <laughs> turned out I was painting him game one. Ah, so, so the poor bugger's just got his freshly painted. Entirely authentic knight lance formation, which I'm sure he played full price for, um, all ready to go. And the poor guy gets flying demons first game. Serves yeah. him right. Uh, Serves he hadn't him used right. before, and I okay. hadn't played him before, so it was going to be an interesting game. Good stuff. He was running Aldo with it as well, with uh, a summoning Farseer yeah, and uh, two wave serpents. Um, so what's your basic 
um, strategy when you're facing um, this night list? Because a lot of people say, oh, it's a really bad matchup for knights. Why is that? Well, I haven't played it before, so that was the problem. But obviously it can't hurt me in the air. So the plan was roll Iron Arm, which I rolled two Iron Arms, because then suddenly I can start damaging the knights and make sure I've got some summoning so I can get some troops and objectives late game. And uh, how did it end up panning out for you? Uh, well, I ended up going first. And say I had two iron arms, which was which was quite good because I can crisscross the knights and make sure I can avoid the shield. Uh, so I've set up with everything. I've set up with Fate Weaver, ready to go at him when he sees the initiative. So what mission were you playing? It mission was, I think it was four objectives. Okay. Was, no, no, it wasn't. It's scouring, so scouring. Okay. All right. Um... Now you obviously, as uh, flying demons, you've got to come down to take those uh, to take those objectives. Um, so going first, that's a bit of a risk for you. Um, uh, come turn turn five. I was planning on it, but to be honest, with the iron iron arms, I was thinking I'd probably kill him anyway. Yeah. But obviously, when he stole, that changed the plan because I had fight with us set up as well. And he's got two wave serpents, which is not good. <laughs> and uh, his first turn basically he killed my Grimoire Prince with Iron Arm. So that means I can't avoid his shield with mere Iron Arm. And luckily enough, he only took eight with it down to two wounds. So I've got to wave it a little bit. And uh, then basically it was just, I was flying around trying to get rid of his wave serpents with the strength six slash. I avoided the knights totally. Uh, took some hull points off them with a uh, warp store more than anything. And um, managed to kill the um, the serpents. Knights were a bit boxing, to be honest, because they never had that rolling map made up where you could move 12 inch through terrain. <laughs> So, and there was there was lots of terrain around him, small sort of area terrain. So he was a bit boxed in. So I manoeuvred around him, took out the wave serpents, and then last turn summoned uh, two units to go onto the objectives. And I had the two nurglings on other objectives. And I ended up taking max points out of the game. So that's a nice nice way to kick your tournament off. Um, feeling confident, obviously doing really well in a matchup that you've not played yet. Um, who did you end up playing second game? Uh, second game was against uh, Manny Chima, and he was using a tail gun line. Lots and lots mm. of guns. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Harry's tables, because he made the terrain um, for his first tournament, basically, was fifth head. Uh, the terrain, there wasn't much line sight blockers. It was all low-level terrain. Okay, so just lots of cover, but that's about it. Yeah, you can't really hide much. And mm. Manny was clocking three riptides, uh, three units of broadsides with drones, two units of pathfinders, five warriors and an ephra. So a lot of guns. How did you deal with that? Uh, he was going first, which was a problem. So I've managed to set up two units of Nurglings and like trained just about high enough to hide the Merglins from him. 
and I've act, uh, had to reserve everything else. And uh, he couldn't kill the Merglins. Uh, he just couldn't seem to do it. Uh, the SMS, he was running and snap firing that. It took off a couple of wounds. And I started coming on piecemeal, which was a bit of a problem. I think I got one Demon Prince and the Keeper of Secrets deep struck down. And I was counting on most of it coming on. So I could, basically, if all my stuff's on, I know I could take out most of his army in one turn. And coming on piecemeal is a problem. So the Keeper landed, fluffed with everything. He was going after the Pathfinders, and I had his entire army in his go, basically shooting at the Keeper, who had Phil, mm. uh, I think he had, and he survived the whole shooting with one wound left on the entire army. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did he then die on Overwatch? <laughs> no, uh, he actually done the one wound on Overwatch, and I... I passed that. No, he didn't die on Overwatch. He was an absolute hero that game. And my turn... How big me... were the uh, pools of sweat around you whilst you were rolling all those Phil No Pains? Yeah. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> <laughs> I had to run off halfway through the game. I had to apologise. <laughs> <laughs> Change your pants. <laughs> but yeah, luckily, my next turn, everything come on then, and it did, which I said it would do. It Basically, he took off three quarters of his army in one turn, and he's like, "Oh, <laughs> how did that happen?" And then it was just a case of uh, mopping up a bit, and I think I tabled him in the end. Yeah, once you once once you get the cat amongst the pigeons, it's uh, it's not much fun. It was a really nice game, and Manny was a pleasure to play as well. It was a like the first game, very friendly. We had the laugh and the joke. It was a very good game. Good stuff. Glad to hear it. Um, so you're, you know, sitting quite, quite, quite comfortably right now. You must be up there. Um, I'm top now, I think, Graham. Top. Good stuff. Good stuff. So only one more game to play today. Um, what was your game three? Uh, that was against a friend of yours, I believe, Max Barton. Yes. Yes. He's one of my pals that we, he used to play quite a lot back in fourth and was uh, quite successful at the GTs in fourth. I think he got a first place and a second place um, many, many years ago when we were much younger men. Um, but yeah, he he and myself got back into the hobby um, sort of in, in sixth. And we've just sort of started making our way, uh, attending um, like independent tournaments again. So uh, you'll be uh, hopefully hearing a lot more about Max. But uh, yeah, tell me how your game got on. Uh, what was he taking and uh, what mission were you playing? Yeah, the uh, mission was four objectives on this one. Okay. And we ended up with them lined up down the middle. And Max was using Beast Pack, why it's still legal. With, uh, he wanted Aldrad. to get his uh, money's worth, yeah. Yeah, I think so. He had Aldrad, four Seers, um, two Wraith Knights, uh, some Warp Spiders, and obviously Baron and Beast Pack with Warriors. And uh, he he won the role to choose to go first, and he was weighing it up for a bit, and he chose me to go first in the end, since it is objectives. Mm. Uh, so I started off, I went, and I shrieked his, uh, his Wraith Knights, and I think took three wounds off and fluffed it. But my shooting 
and my beams took out loads of beast pack and he, he was there thinking oh this could hurt and I kept he was getting a bit worried about it and I kept saying it, it's not over as long as you've got them Rafe knights I'm in a bit of trouble there and uh, his turn shot with the Rafe knights he fluffed it again couldn't sky fire with him I took out more of the beast pack and powered more shrieks against him and this went on for three turns where he basically had <laughs> Most of his beast pack dead, but I just couldn't kill the Wraith Knights. I kept fluffing Shriek, or he stopped it, or I wasn't rolling high enough, or I was missing. And come turn four, he finally hit with the sixes and two instant death demon princes, and that's half my army gone. Ah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I said to him, see, I told you that would happen. And he, he started to get a bit more confident then. And... Um, Managed to kill, finally kill the Wraith Knight with a, a beam power, the Fate Weaver. And it ended up turn five where we was both claiming two objectives each. We had, I think we had like five minutes left. And Harry says, if you want to play on, you can. And um, we worked out it was a draw. And we said, to be honest, we're tired. It's been a good game. We'll leave it at that. And we took the draw. Honours even. Um, just for the people that are listening, because I want to try and educate as well um, some people that might not be tremendously familiar um, with all the stuff that you're talking about that might want to sort of try and run demons and, 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 and that sort of stuff. Um, the two powers that you've been talking about um, in these first three games, so you've got the, the lash on your flying Slanesh demons and you've got, uh, you're talking about a beam as well. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that and, and how you've been using them and, and how, they, how they're actually working? Yeah, yeah. Uh... The beams now um, in seventh are amazing, and basically it's a straight line. The Fate Weaver's got one which is an AP two one, and the uh, Sinest ones have got a strength six rending one, and they're all twenty four inch. And basically, you target a point uh, within twenty four, draw the line, and everything under takes a hit. But because you're not targeting a unit, uh, they can't jink against it. Uh, you can hit invisible units with it. And a 20-point line can do a lot of wounds to a unit. Especially on something with as big a footprint as a, as, a, as a beast pack as well, for example. Yeah, it's very, very good. That was now. It's very good. Yeah, that's the, that's the one I use in Nova a lot when flying those creatures and caught a lot of people out and didn't realise beams were so good. Like beams of change is just, like, so good. Especially yeah. for a warp charge. Yeah, you can take out wave serpents with it because they're not getting the jink, and the AP2 really helps. Such a such a shame that uh, Jaws of the World Wolf isn't a beam. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Uh, and the lash, um, which is pretty useful and like a very uh, important part of your list as well, um, which you're coupling up with Iron Arm um, to make very very good. So how, how does that work? Yeah, the lash is 12 inch range. It's actually a shooting attack, so it's not magic, which helps. Uh, the demons, they get to fight with magic and then actually get to do something in the shooting phase. And it's a uh, strength of the user, 2d6 shots. So when you get iron arm, it bumps up the strength by three. So your strength nine, which is very, very good. And of course, you're, you're flying with those as well. So you've got the Skyfire rule. So you're pumping out 2d6 strength nine shots into, you know, uh, whatever you feel like uh, in the air, which is. Your anti-air covered pretty much there, right? 
Yeah, unfortunately, it's not very often you tend to roll iron arm when you want it. Um, so yeah, just, just thought I'd give people a little bit of an insight into some of the tactics and strategies that the uh, top players are using with their lists, just in case they're uh, not aware of them, uh, you know, for people that are looking to get into the competitive side of things. Um, so you're sitting quite nice, two wins and a draw. Uh, where did that leave you at the end of the day one? Uh, I think that left me third. Uh, there was uh, Matt Edmonds, Blackie, who we call him, was playing, was top, and he was playing Paul Burke, who was second. And that left me third, and it left... Four, so we had to swap the pairings around a bit, and I ended okay. up playing Rob Sims. All right. Um, so, what was he using, and what was the mission? Uh, the mission was kill points, which helped me a lot because he was clocking two Rave Knights, five Serpents, Warp Spiders, and a, a Summoning Seer. So, a very nasty list for me, and the board we was playing on was very open. I couldn't have even hit Nurglins this time. <laughs> so we we both said basically if he goes first it's auto win. I'll just I'll just be dead. I couldn't have done anything about it. And luckily enough I went first. So it was a game of it. So uh yeah, how did you uh, end up pulling uh, a victory out of that? Uh, it's quite funny because Rob was getting very annoyed. Because last time we played each other, it was uh, a battlefield a couple of years ago. It was in the final. And I kept making save after save after save and ended up winning by just making brilliant saves. And the same thing happened this time. He uh, kept hitting me with wounds and the serpents and I just kept saving them and saving them and saving them and I think his first turn he'd done three wounds to a um, to a, a demon prince from his whole army and it was pretty much the story of the whole game and I just kept I kept fluffing my magic phase but slowly I was just chipping away uh, whole points on on serpents here and there and just finally took its toll. Uh, I think it was turn four. And I ended up getting a big win out of it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, and then, obviously, it was a five-game tournament, so you're going into your last game. Did you still have a possibility of winning? Uh, yeah, I was I was, I was. was second. Blackie was top. And Paul Burke was third. And Max was fourth again. Okay. So basically, win the last game, and I've won the tournament. And so, uh, what happened? Uh, well, Blackie was using uh, his demons, which he always uses, which is uh, a screamer star with three heralds, and plague drones with Nurgle herald, fate weaver, and some horrors. And uh, I'm going first, and this is Rick and. Um, Emperor's will. So this is a very bad mission because once a plague unit or a screamer unit is on the relic, you're in trouble. So I've gone first and he set up opposite me. I flew the full 24 and I'm in 12 inch of all these screamers and his heralds. And luckily enough, I've rolled uh, two enfeebles. And he um, 
he puts all these dice, I cast it on the screamers and the herald, he puts all these dice to stop uh, the one in favor, and he forgets I have the second one. And I put it out, cast it on his, oh god, I've used my dice, so I've cast him feeble on the screamer unit, and obviously I've got Lash, so he's insta-killing the screamers and the heralds. And I've, um, basically, my first two Doom Princes killed them all, I killed one herald, and all what's left is two heralds and a screamer on the far side, so he's not getting any hits, he can't look onto the screamer. So basically I've just got to kill two heralds with instant death attacks and he's got a fall up jinx so and the okay. last doom last doom in prince was eight wounds and he passes all eight wounds <laughs> and basically <laughs> that would have been game he he knew it i knew it and he, he was getting very worried then if they died that's game he's like, that made up for your saves in the second game i think yes it did that's what <laughs> i dropped over and i said it's karma but it always happens against Blackies, my bogey player. Every time I play him, something crazy happens. And it, it was guaranteed. If he lost them two, it was game. And somehow we managed to make the eight instant death saves. So he's go. He's feeling very relieved. He rolls a warp storm table. Hits my Grimoire Prince, the only one with Iron Arm, which is one that's going to instant death to Plague Drones. And um, takes him down to one wound. I found my grounding and lose him. <laughs> and that's game to him, basically, turn one. Once he grim one, the iron, iron arm's gone. I can't shift the drone. And he, he sat on the relic, and that was it then. Game, turn one. That's a tough break. That's a tough break. Um, so you ended up finishing... Was it fourth? Uh, yeah, I was one point off third, I think it was, in the end. Uh, so in the end, it was a it was a top four of all demons. Yeah, quite. Right. Yeah, four demons in the top four. Uh, and that was even with uh, comped reroll saves and comped uh, conjurations as well. So uh, uh, that's, the uh, that's quite something. Yeah, the conjurations was comped as three units a turn, which isn't a lot really because you're only really going to summon three units a turn because it's a lot of dice to summon so you only realistically mm. get three units so it didn't really comp it that much to be honest mm. so uh, is that is that what you're expecting to see a lot more of or uh, I'm expecting to see more wave serpents and wraith knights to be honest um, mm. I think that's probably the meta uh, I do think uh, the screen, a star, and the plague star can can, can come good now. I think uh, now beast pack's gone, which was their worst matchup. Uh, they've got a chance. Um, they can play knights, especially with summoning. It's not not easy, but they can play knights, and they can play play wave serpents. Going first, they definitely can play wave serpents. Yeah. Uh, so so that, yeah, was, that was definitely I was going to ask you, like how you feel you would deal with that wave, wave serpent and night list, which you know is very, very prevalent out there on the internet. Um, it's more of a problem for flying monstrous creatures than the Death Stars, so it's more my list which is going to suffer. So I'll have to see how that will go on in the future. 
Yeah, I think the Flying Demons also is really dependent on the terrain on the tournament. If you have good terrain, it makes a massive difference. Uh, especially yeah. if you have to play Wraith Knights. And if you have to play Serpents and you're like, you go second, and you've got like an open board, you might as well just, you have to reserve. You just lose all your princes turn model wise. Yeah, you do. Just do too much shooting. You are terrain reliance. Um, I love to say though, Black. I mean, we all know Blacko, and he always goes to these tournaments, and he's. We all love him, and it was good to see him win. If I was going to lose, I wanted it to to Blacko, and it was a. It was a, a really good tournament. We had we had a real good laugh. That's good to hear. And uh, of course, they're running another weekend because it was so popular uh, next weekend. Um, which I know a few people are going to be going back to, and obviously there'll be a lot of other faces there. Um, so if anyone we know is actually at that one, then uh, we'll see we'll see how week two went um, there. But thanks for that. I really appreciate you going through that, and uh, it's good to hear that the attendance was good and the uh, and the morale and the, the atmosphere was so so great there as well. That's the most important thing. It's nice to know that everyone's there and they're actually having fun playing the game. Yeah, I think everybody enjoyed it. I didn't hear any problems, any arguments. Every, every, everybody seemed to be friendly. Good stuff, good stuff. Thanks very much, Adam. Cheers. Thank you. So let's get into the second half of our tournament reports for this week. Um, myself and Matt Robertson were both at the GT Heat 2 uh, in Brighton. And also Matt Serino and Jesse were both at Battle for Salvation on the same weekend. So we're going to try something different, which I don't really hear, uh, I've not really heard done before on any other podcast. We're going to try and do a parallel side-by-side tournament recap, uh, round by round, of all of our games next to each other. Um, hopefully we're going to show you, you know, some of the contrasting differences and then maybe some of the similarities between the UK and the USA tournament scene, you know, different formats, different metas, you know, how those guys approach their games and what have you, you know, even just the differences in the communities. Um, so hopefully you find it interesting. We've got some uh, recordings um, from some of our opponents that me and Matt did. We're going to be dropping some of those uh, into the recording as we go along, uh, edited in. Uh, so I hope you find it really interesting. Uh, so without any further ado, let's hand it over to Jesse and Matt Serena. So Battle for Salvation is a 96-player GT that was on its fifth year. Um, they are typically um, a Nova tournament, but this year they ran the Battle for uh, the Battle, uh, Bay Area Open um, tournament packet. Uh, it ended up having 60 players. Uh, last year they were 96 as well, and they had like 58. So they really didn't get a get a uh, a hurting for their numbers, and they actually figured their numbers were going to be about the same. So that's how much space they have. But they also have uh, Malifaux and X-wing uh, tournaments running simultaneously. So definitely, it's right up outside of New York City, and it's um it's one of the premier events that we like to travel to. It's close. The guys run a great event, uh, good terrain, good tables. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and we were at the uh, UKGT Heat 2, which is in Brighton, run by the Brighton Warlords, um, which was in a pub upstairs, I think. That's where they run their club from, right, Matt? Yeah, I think they have that room every Monday night for the club, and that pub was amazing. That pub was huge. It was like a, it was, it was like a tavern, like how you imagine like an ye olde English tavern. It was enormous. It was like I, a I gatehouse, it... wasn't it? 
I think it used to be a farmhouse, but it actually had a working portcullis and everything. Huge. It was, it was huge. And we were upstairs. Um, it was a really cool venue as well because downstairs they had like huge big screen tea. They served food and stuff. So it was a really nice place to, to be for a weekend. Definitely can't complain about being in there. Um, obviously, that was uh, the same format as uh, Heat One, as you heard in the last episode. Uh, so 1650, uh, we ran six, six rounds um, with. Um, Eternal War missions at the same time with Comp Maelstrom and um, Tertiaries of Linebreaker. Slay the Warlord and First Strike. Matt and Tom actually made a recording on their way down to the GT Heat 2 in Brighton. Long-ass drive from uh, Warrington. Uh, talking about some of the meta expectations, going through Tom and Matt's lists, um, and just a general sort of build-up towards the tournament. So uh, let's run that before we get into uh, the actual full battle reports. Hello everybody, it's Matt Robertson again here, traveling, currently travelling down to Heat 2, uh, 3 hours 40 away, so a bit of a long drive, but nothing compared to what a lot of our American listeners do for events. I'm sat here joined by Tom Gould, Hello. who's my chauffeur for the weekend, Hello. and apologise for the beeps, that's the sat-nav going crazy. So, Heat 2, for anyone who doesn't know, is the... Obviously, the second event of the the 40k GT qualifying series, which we covered in last episode when we covered Heat One. This heat's down in Brighton, which is the very south of the UK. It's the bum of England. About an hour or so. Not literally. Not like metaphorically. About an hour or so south of London. Uh, there's going to be 50 players. It's hosted in a pub, so alcohol flowing freely. Hopefully. So, we're just going to have a quick chat about our lists and expectations for the weekend and then just see what else we go into. But first off, Gould, since it's your first time on the podcast as a guest and possibly as a presenter as we move along, since you're local, uh, live about five minutes away from me and Andy, who's been on the podcast a few times now, uh, why don't you tell everyone, for the K-wise, who you are? Uh, I'm the guy who does awful at events. <laughs> um, yeah, I got into 40k with, well, following you, wasn't it? Um, about two years ago? Yeah, something like that. Something ago. I've not been going to events that long compared to everyone else, but I've still been going long enough to do better. That's, uh, if, if I was following my father's footsteps, he'd be, he'd be disappointed, really. But, um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Really, I played Tau and I played Space Wolves. And yeah, that's it. So when you say you always do bad at tournaments, why don't you just? You've well, been to the last couple of GT heats, haven't you? you went to heat three uh, last yeah. two years. Yeah, I mean, no. To be fair, I do okay at tournaments. I just don't do well at the heats. So to give you an idea, the first heat I went to, it wasn't a particularly big. I can't remember how big it was. I think it was a uh, sixty-four players at oh, heat three I that think, year. I think I came out fifty-fourth then. So that's a. Uh, you know, start hit the ground running as they say, and then I thought I've got to do better than that next year, and then I came last. <laughs> the year after that, and that was in the middle of sixth with a broadside riptide gun line, wasn't it? It was a pretty good, uh, pretty good list, yeah, pretty good. It's yeah. actually quite an achievement when you think about it. Yeah, Gould has a reputation with a, with a few of our friends of taking the uh, really nasty lists and doing something to them, or not quite sure what. Just playing them, that's what, that's all I do. Yeah, it's playing, playing them just makes the army, which on paper should be amazing, into 
I think it's the gold effect. Yeah. I like the guinea pig for like lists that people don't know. They should be good, but people don't really know. And then, yeah, it just it just goes wrong. But I like to think I'm a nice guy about it. Yeah. So while we're talking lists, why don't you go through your list for this weekend and what you check, what you're using, and how you came to the list in the end? Okay, I'm taking Space Wolves Primary, but I'm taking the formation. The is it the formation? I don't even know the difference. The detachment. The detachment. There. Right, yeah, that's it. The um, Company of the Great Wolf. So, basically, that means my Force Org. I'm o- I only have to take um, one HQ, two elites. So I don't need to take any troops. Um, but it makes all my Wolf Guard and Thunder Wolf Cav weapon skill five. So I've taken two Wolf Guard battle leaders um, on Thunder Wolf mounts with Runic Armor, Power Fist. Um, you know the works. Um, Six Thunderwolves with four uh, Thunderwolf cavalry, sorry, with four Storm Shields, one Power Fist, two Metal Bombs, uh, an Iron Priest on a Thunderwolf, just because I think I think they're great, um, and then a unit of Blood Claws in a Rhino, which I know you don't agree with, but you know I, I like it feels feels right, um, and then allied into that, I've taken Tau, uh, the, the Tau Fire Support cadre. And there's a good reason for that. I actually took quite a similar list to the Northern Warlords GT, and it was just pure Space Wolves, quite a lot of Thunderwolf Cav, but not much else. And the one thing I found from that is, you know, Psychic Phase you can go without, but you can't go without a Shooting Phase, and I had no shooting. So um, that's that's basically why I've got that in. So you've not oh, quite maxed out the... Uh... Tower side, it's just two units of broadsides and one rip side. Yeah, 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 with um, with a sky shield landing pad as well because you know I think I think, still think they're really good. I know a lot of people don't take them at the moment, but I still think they're really good. So, so tactic wise, how do you find your army armor plays out? And it's okay to give things away because yeah, well, uh, people are going to hear this after the event. Yeah. And since you say you're the worst tournament player going. Yeah. People will just ignore what I say. It so could it's, it's be some good. interesting advice. Yeah, but well, okay. So this is not how not to play it. Um, you start off with uh, the, the, the you know the fire support cadre. I always put that in the middle. I played against you a few, a few times with it, haven't I? And uh, and Andy as well, both using knights. And uh, I've actually won both games, so that, that should be you know it's, it's put me in a bit bit of confidence. But yeah, put that in the middle of the board. Um, or as close to the, you know, as many objectives as you can, and that's my sort of fire base. And then these really kind of simple the space wolves sort of try and hold mid table, don't go within six of the tower because I've done that once before and, and everything just sort of froze and are all over one because they're desperate allies. And so, yeah, that's basically it. It's kind of simple. It's not, there's no real tactics to it. It's just use your Thunderwolf Cav to beat the crap out of anything hard and use the tower to shoot any scoring units they got. That's about it, really. So, with the missions, which, if anyone doesn't know, are Eternal War, like your relic, your five objectives, your scouring as the primary, which is worth a maximum of 10 points. Then you've got the Maelstrom missions, which are modified to be a limited set of cards, similar to the ETC, for the secondary worth six, and your tertiary worth four points. Mm-hmm. It's your third. First Blood Warlord, Linebreaker, etc. But it's changed to First Strike in a lot of UK events, whereas both players can get it, but only in the first turn. So, with your army, just based on those missions, do you find your Thunderwolves are dominating enough in the midfield to make people push away, even though it's only one unit? How do you find doing with the Maelstrom? The Maelstrom, they're actually quite good because 
it is uh, obviously it's, it's four units in one, so they can they can branch off fairly easily if needed. Um, I mean, when I played, I played you on Tuesday. Yeah, we um, played on Tuesday. Yeah, the Tuesday just gone, and um, the Maelstrom they did they did okay with the Maelstrom. Holding mid table is quite good as well because they've got quite a big footprint, so people don't really want to go near that footprint unless you're knights, in which case you know you did want to go near that footprint. So what is it? You've got is it five? Thunderwolves and then six reattached characters. It's it six uh, Thunderwolves. Six Thunderwolves. Yeah, six Thunderwolves. Because uh, we ran it with um, on Tuesday. It's modified since Tuesday because on Tuesday we had an extra unit of, of blood claws. Oh yeah, we dropped. Got rid of those. Stuck in an extra Thunderwolf in there. Um, so that's just you know, there's no other modifications. It's just the characters. So it's it's ten large base models sitting in mid board. Nine. Yeah, nine large base. You got, oh sorry, yeah, yeah nine. nine. My maths failing again. Yeah. <laughs> I got an A in GCSE, it's fine. Um, <laughs> I, no, actually, no, I've got a C now, did I tell you? Yeah, you did a reset. Yeah, yeah, and then you joked you matched us. Yeah, I, yeah, well, yeah, I liked that. That was quite fun. Um, anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's got quite a, a large... The only thing, obviously, I have to I have to do... I have to be quite dependent on terrain. Like, they do want laws blocking, because they're quite... They're quite resilient, but they're not invulnerable. Yeah, exactly. Um, you've got... A few two up saves in there, and yeah. a few three up in ones mixed in. Yeah, but nothing like, like you know, if I came up against a, a solid tower line, for instance, I mean, they're not going to last that long, really. You need, you do need loss blocking in there to, to sort of help them a bit. But that, that's that's part and parcel of the game, isn't it? So. Yeah, because I, I do personally find Thunderwolves are, along with the new flyers, probably one of the best units in the Wolf Book. Because definitely, what you get. They do a lot for the points. Definitely, I would probably say that they're one of the best shock troops in the game. Um, you know, they're hard hitting. I mean, they're the same points as an old Terminator, aren't they? 40, 40 points. Yeah, yeah, forty points each. And uh, consider what you get. Come on, come on, Mister Honda. Sorry. Um, I think they're a lot. They're a lot better. Really. Well, obviously. Yeah, because you've got the <clears throat> two wounds each, only three up save, but they're quick and. Is it five attacks each on the charge? Or five um, if they don't take a storm shield, they get six attacks on the charge each. Because yeah, they have so four plus extra handwork. Addition out a decent amount of attacks with yeah. rending for not many points. Yeah. So. yeah. And they can take the storm shields for quite cheap as well. It's only 15 points now, so. Yeah, so. It's not bad. All round, pretty strong unit. Pretty good. It's pretty good. What about you? What are you taking? So I am using, for anyone who listened to the Heat 1 review, I'm using this exact same list as there, which was an ethereal as the warlord. It's a far sight primary. Uh, unit three crisis suits with no guns, no nothing, just bonding knives. Two single man crisis units, which just a bonded knife each, no guns again. Two riptides with iron accelerators and SMS. And then I'm running the adamantium crutch or adamantium lance as it's officially known which has two of the melter cannons and one battle cannon knight. I was very tempted to actually swap it out, the Tau, for uh, three Legion of the Damned units. However, I just couldn't quite get the models together in time. Which... And why is that? Why, why the Legion of the Damned? Why uh, want to go for that? A couple of reasons, really. One, just to try something different, because I've only played six or seven games with the knights now, just to see what actually works with them and different ways around them and having used the Tau I found as anyone who listened to the Heat 1 report may have known 
a couple of bad matchups I found with the Serpents matched up with a lot of Wraith Knights one of the games which I lost and the other I feel I could have or was close to in the end whereas I think the Legion of the Damned are fantastic units great at killing things like Wave Serpents because you can just drop down you've got the ignore cover you can re-roll your scatter when needed and on the drop they should deal with a couple of Wave Serpents when you've got three units dropping in relatively like they're a bit more resilient than normal marines as well, aren't they, with the three of them? Yeah, I signed up with a lot of the meta at the moment, though. If someone's shooting them, it's just like Tau or Eldar, or a lot of things aren't ignoring saves anyway, so yeah. it's a nice bonus, but they're not too shabby. No. Uh, I know it's quite an interesting debate, which I think we touched on in uh, last week's introduction with them, if they can go in drop pods or not. And which, why, why do you think they can't? Oh, well, it's, I'm not too sure if they can or not, I've not looked into the rules myself, but their, their rule is, if anyone doesn't know, they have to enter by a deep strike as one of their special rules, whereas does Cap putting them in a spaceful drop pod, which still arrives via deep strike, do they still count as coming in via deep strike? Which would just mean they could come in with a little bit more accuracy because of the drop pod, and well, not so much more accuracy, but less chance of a uh, mishap because you can be roll the scatter yeah, yeah, yeah. anyway. But uh, means you can go on turn one if you take one unit or so, or, or two True. units with three drop pods. So it gives you a few more options. But Fair enough. That's a debate for another time. I mean, obviously, I know you went through it a little bit in, in the last week's episode. But how do you how do you play with the knights in the tower? I mean, what's the the game plan? Well, this weekend. For this weekend, uh, apart from get drunk. That yeah, since. Yeah, well, since we're in a bar, it's probably going to be drink, drink, push knights forward, drink a bit more, Push people's charge. poo back in. Nah. Yeah. yeah do, do that. Yeah. Uh, but the tower will give you some good troops, which you can jump around and hide. And they're quite cheap. It's a very low model count army, so it's very quick to play. You've only got, like, 11 models. Yeah, and the riptides just add a bit of extra fire support. means at range you've got one, two, three, four six large blasts which you can four or seventy two inch range two thirty six so a decent range on that. Yeah and obviously Riptide's still still one of the best one of the best units in the game in my honest opinion. I know some people think they've got worse you know with seventh but I, I still think they're well worth the points. Yeah I think they've got a little bit worse because by not being able to attach the commander or do yeah. other tricks. Yeah. But they're still solid Still, yeah. they still do a lot for the points and still pretty tough to kill. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Fair enough. So I, I know Gould touched on our game on Tuesday, so I think while we're on, we may as well go into that in a little bit of detail. Definitely, why not? So I was using my list for this weekend with the Knights and the <coughs> Tau. He was using his Wolves. Yeah. Uh, it was a slightly, like I said, slightly modified version, though. Instead of um, instead of having the six cavalry, it was five cavalry and two scoring units, two troop units. Yeah, which we realised, wait, we don't need to take troops in this detachment, so yeah. why bother? Having one's nice for a little bit of extra bodies, but yeah. not quite necessary. No. So, uh, I'll run through it quickly and I'll let Gould jump in as and where he thinks needed. Yeah, definitely. So, I up first on just Dawn of War, four objectives in primary mission, males from secondary, tertiary, kill point, uh, the uh, first blood. Warlord Linebreaker. Then, so I set up first, Knights in the middle, don't know where it's going to be, Riptide to either side, 
staying well out of six inches because they don't like each other. And Gould sets up slightly to the... It's to my left, to your right. Yep, with his sky shield and tau and all the wolves just in the middle. We're ready to go mash up midfield and see what happens. Uh, so I give him turn one, wanting to go second on the objectives. And turn one, he manages to blow one of the knights up. With yeah, a, boy. Tank hunting, so, you know, that's what, that's what they did. Yeah, the tank hunting broadsides and riptide did, I think, what we expected them to do. But not quite so quickly, though. I mean, I was expecting them yeah. to do it over two turns. But I think damage output, they did about three from each squad and one from the... No, it was, it was three per shooting, so per, per weapon each squad. So it was three yeah. for the broadsides, three for the drones. It was six, six whole points per squad. And then you, you saved a fair few on the first squad, but in the second squad you saved just a third. You. Yeah, I think uh, even with the reroll, I think I failed three from yeah. the second squad, yeah. leaving it on two hull points, which the Riptide then got one shot through and rolled a six, so yeah. knocked it, it out that way. But luckily it didn't scatter onto another knight and despoiled that. Uh, it did a hull point though. <laughs> yeah, it did do a hull point when it exploded. Hooray! Uh, I then moved up, tried a long charge from the walls, didn't get it off, and killed five or four broadsides, was it? Uh, you reduced one of the units to one wound and killed all of the drones off, or all of barring one. Yep. And then the rest, I don't think you actually touched any of the broadsides, but you killed all the drones off. Oh yeah, and then one unit ran, but only went yeah, two inches, two, yeah, two so inches. stayed about an inch away from the board edge. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. That would have equaled out first strike, but unfortunately it didn't, so that point went to gold. Mm -hmm. uh, turn two, he charges into one of the knights with all his wolves. Uh, it was the one that had taken a whole point from yep. the explosion. Destroys it in style. Does a hell of a lot of wounds to it. But as I go to all his power fists, I roll a six on one of my stomps and take out a wolf lord, the iron priest. Sorry, wolf yeah. guard battle leader, an iron priest, and a random guy yeah. with a shield. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, the other stomps just did nothing really. Then I charged in with the other knight because he out. Uh, after shooting up the broadsides a little bit more with my riptides and then killed I think it was a mutual death between the explosion, the stomps, my attacks and his attacks. We killed each other, apart from one Wolfgar battle lever who was left on one wound, sat hiding right in the middle of the board. Yeah, he shouldn't have been on one wound though. He caused two wounds from the stomp, was it, or something yeah, like that? Yeah, two wounds off a normal stomp, and he then rolled a double one, which, uh, which yeah. seems to be a theme with the double ones for leadership a couple of times, running away a couple <laughs> of times, saves a couple of times. There's quite a few double ones, but never at a pivotal moment when it was no, the wrong no, option. Definitely no. A couple of times it saved him, a couple of times it caused a few wounds. Yeah. Uh, so then, I think turn three, I think it may have been the, the turn three Goulds go in combat when that all happened with the knight and yeah. the Wolf Lord finished each other. Uh, so come my turn three, it is two or three broadsides left, a Riptide and a Wolfcar Battle Leader on one wound. Yeah. And I have five pressure suits and a Riptide and a Ferial. So it's been pretty messy. Uh, so I put the Riptide, double shot in his SMS, into the Wolfcar Battle Leader and does nothing. No. I think I caused one wound off about seven hits. Then he charges out 
hits the reptile in combat, uh, does a couple of wounds on it, but he's stubborn. I fail to do anything back. I then, killed your other reptile as well in the shooting with the broadsides. Oh, yeah, in one turn, the other reptile died to one unit broadsides and his reptile from yeah. full wounds, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was pretty, pretty insane rolling from you. I then charged in the uh, two solo crisis suits into his Wolfgar battle leader and come with the riptide. Thinking, ah, a few strength five attacks, an extra six attacks on the charge, because I needed to finish him off, otherwise it would be game over anyway. Uh, failed completely to do so, my rolls were really bad. And then Gould went, I'm going to put one hit on that guy, one hit on that guy, and kill them both, and hit your riptide and finish that this turn. Yeah. So, I think if it had ended turn five, my Ferial had jumped over onto an objective. It would have been a draw on the primary. I would have lost by one point on the secondary. Yeah. And the tertiary would have lost by one point. Yeah. So it would have been like a 14 6. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, it carried on, and the one crisis I had running away. And you also had a mishap as well coming down. Yeah, my th- unit of three mishaps scattered into the open and got riptide off the face of the board. So, turn six, we just called it a Gould Table the Knights, which I know a lot of people do play Knights and look at them and go, oh, Knights, ugh, scary. Having played with them, they're good, they're strong, and there are some armies that just won't be able to deal with them. But I don't think they're as uber insane as a few people fear. Mm. All right, yeah. Especially wave serpents which a lot of people have and are using uh, they're really good at killing him because they can get into the sides and you can, they're quick enough to get into multiple sides mm-hmm. or if you have you, like with the new Dark Arda codex you have uh, fire dragons with the webway portal for example you can deep strike down not scatter him mm-hmm. put yourselves directly on the split between the two sides of the rear and the side of a knight uh, begin the shoot phase they have to pick rear or side then you just battle focus into the other and blow out the sky mm-hmm. I thought you could do that with the Archon in the air oh you can't with the Archon but you've got options for you can drop down into a side right. put wave serpents in another side or yeah, you yeah. can battle focus units afterwards yeah like, okay. not with the Archon there apologies on that one mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it's made me realise they are they're good really fun list to play but they do have their weaknesses and they're not quite as scary I think once people play them a few more times and they're in the scene a bit more yeah. they'll get a little bit more accepted I think they're actually quite fun to play against as well I mean it, it really Excellent. did okay thank you um, it really did um, um, it, was, it was a nice change having to play you know it was, it was a good it was a, quite a good variant to what usually you know you do play in a competitive setting um, I, I, you know, I thought it was a great game. It was very fun, you know. Um, not just because I won, but you know, that did help. <laughs> yeah, but, but um, it was it was fun game. I think they can be a little bit crazy, but it's one of those where, give them a bit of time, they'll either prove how mental they are, or will mellow out a little bit, and the meta will adapt with them as part of it, mm. which is what I'm hoping to see. Because I think they add something a little bit different. And you, and you spent 120 quid on three, so you know, you're kind of hoping for that. I'm not too bothered about that because <laughs> I know if needed, I can sell them on. People would want them, yeah. So, true, true. they're an investment for a bit of fun for a year, then I'll probably sell them off anyway. Fair enough. 
or, or may sell off even sooner depending on what I want to do for ETC this year. Yeah. Obviously you've been to a Heat One event already. Uh, what do you think you can expect to sort of face? What, like, what kind of armies do you think you're going to find at this particular event? I think based on Heat One, there was a hell of a lot of Eldar, a lot right. of Wave Serpents, only a couple of Beast Packs. Right. There's a lot of Wraith Knights knocking around, Wraith Lords, just, just a lot of Serpents in general. Okay. Although, I know that meta is a little bit different depending on which area you go. It's a kind of general UK type, but I know from the uh, Facebook group which we've got for this event, right. uh, Pete Cook actually put a post up asking what people bring in. I think the first answer was Space Marines. Right. Uh, quite a few people followed suit with that. So I'm expecting a lot of. I'm expecting a few bike armies, right. a lot of tactical marines and chat masters. Uh, see, I didn't even know there was a Facebook group. You see, which is, you know where uh, my nickname is. What's the internet gold? Well, yeah, you don't yeah. use technology, do you really? No, not really. So I had no idea there was a Facebook. I should have, you should have told me about that. That would have been very, very interesting, very uh, helpful. So, yeah, is that carrying on? Yeah, uh, space marines, grey knights, a few orcs. I think someone even said sisters. Right. I know uh, got one of the guys from the Polish ETC team coming. He's bringing in, uh, as far as I'm aware, a 24 model army, which is 21 Terminator models and uh, three Dread Knights, because okay. that was what fit in his hand luggage. Was sure this the uh, gentleman from Poland? Yes, so right. we're going to try and get an interview with him for a future episode about the ETC and the Polish scene and Polish team's preparations on that, so that should be We'll try and get a quick chat about his list for this weekend to put in this week's show. Exciting stuff. There's all, I know there's also a couple of members of the England ETC team going. You've got Tony Chu, Rob Maidley, Mike Fox. Uh, Tony, as far as I'm aware from talking to him last night, was using a Space Marines army with a couple of chapter masters and the unit which my mind has just gone blank but I think he's using Space Marines and a ally of some kind I think it may have been Space Wolves right to just get lots of beefy characters and charge forward yeah but I will we'll have a quick chat with him and that'll be in this week's show uh, there's Rob Maidley previously of 40k UK 40k Global whatever the name was in the end and like digging there. <laughs> He's using nids. Oh, I just can't remember what the, which way around they changed it. Right. Uh, I think he's using sky skyblight nids. Skyblight nids. But because I know he was asking for ripper swarms and he's been talking to James Ramsey a little bit. Uh, what is the skyblight? Just so. Uh, skyblight is the flying formation, which is a hive tyrant, two crone, so two harpies, one crone. Yeah. and three units of gargoyles right minimum size 10 they gain the special rule where the gargoyles are objectives secured basically and the if they are killed on a 4 plus they come back onto the board why okay so wow and that's not just once that's as many times as they can roll a 4 plus oh right so a lot of times if you leave them with one guy left you're safe but then they'll try and get that one guy killed and get the full unit back Wow. Risky not, though, I mean, can they do that every turn or is it like one roll and. No, it's. If they fail it, they're dead. Right, okay. But 
if they make it, come back on, die again, they roll again. They can roll again, yeah. Okay. But once they fail, they're out of it. Why? So I'm expecting to see a lot a lot of marines, uh, a lot of wave surfers based on previous events and the success they've had at events like Nova. Yeah. Because uh, I know they are probably one of the best vehicles in the game going at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Quite a varied sort of uh, event then by the sounds of it. Yeah, I think with the seventh just tournament team really starting to pick up after the Warlords event which was good last week and we've got Heat 1, Heat 2, Heat 3 is coming up and then you've got Cali in January. I think we'll see more of an established tournament scene and have a better idea of what's going to be at the top. Fantastic, fantastic. Now, uh, just uh, obviously, one thing that I wanted to sort of run past you, Robbo, I've been thinking about my list and, and uh, how I came up with it and all those kind of things. And I was looking at how to get shooting in from the Space Wall side without getting Tau in there. And I was looking at units that people tend to sort of ignore now, you know, units like Long Fangs and On the Sky Shield. I mean, to me, they seem like quite a point-efficient, quite a good unit. You know, if you get sort of three units of, of five Long Fangs with missiles and a Sky Shield, that seems to me, anyway, to be quite efficient in what it does. Um, and I was just wondering, what's your take on that? Why, why do people not take them? I think you can go back to, say, 5th edition, where Space Wars were around a lot and everybody who played Space Wars had 15 missiles had long fangs. Mm. So they were great at popping up and little transports, uh, rhinos and razorbacks, which were king. Right. I think with the meta evolving now, if you look at a lot of armies, it's not hard to kill five marines. Mm. So such as like wave serpents, you could shoot two wave serpents that squad, on average dice you'd expect three, four, maybe even five little bit luck to die. Yeah. Um, whereas you shoot him back, if they jink, you may throw some jink, which is good. But let's say they have six wave serpents, which isn't excessive. Well, yeah. maybe it is. Yeah. You shoot three squads of long fangs at him. Make okay. three jink, the three fire back, kill a squad and a half. Okay. And then I just think there's a lot more firepower in the game, it's a lot easier to kill little five-man squads so far. Mm. The game's evolved to kind of be able to deal with that kind of thing. Right. Along with the uh, Death Stars being more everywhere at the moment, yeah. they're not as strong against things like that, whereas in the past there was a lot more opportune targets for them. Mm. Okay, interesting. So, I mean, you, you, do, you, do you think there's no place for them now, or? Do you think they could still be made viable with the likes of a Sky Shield that gives them that invent save? Or... I don't think it, the Sky Shield's the thing for him that's really going to save the day for him. Because I think a lot of the thing that's killing him is just weight of fire. Right. And mass shots, which they're still getting saves against. Mm. But I do think they have a place in the sum list, which they'll be fantastic against. Mm. But I think in the. Uh, it depends where you're aiming for with the list. Right. I think if the top tier lists, I think all will have answers mm. to be able to deal with them before they cause too much of a threat. Right. Although I know I did play uh, a guy at the ETC, which will be covered in a later episode in more detail as a whole event, but who had three squads of long fangs in Razorbacks, three squads of grey hunters in rhinos, two landspeeder storms, mm. uh, a bike pack, a dreadnought, both got battle leader on a bike, 
and he had so many oh anti of wolf scouts and he just had so many little units yeah. that I was playing a centurion style at the time so I picked off a unit of long fangs and half a unit of another on the first turn but he had so many little units to try and pick off mm. that it took me too long to kill all the little long fang units and razorbacks and speeders mm. off by the time I did, he'd picked off, he'd picked off all my Razorbacks and most of my acolytes. So I was just left with the Centurion Star, right, and the uh, Storm Raven in my list, doing all the work, right. But just because he had so many little units, so in a list kind of like that, I think they do add a bit more of a place, although but they not, are more yeah. of a target. Yeah, but not necessarily in a, a sort of a Death Star list where it's more or less the Death Star and the Long Fangs and that's it. Yeah. Where they can get picked up. I think you've got a lot of lists like that where you're giving people a target, whereas they're looking at the guns and going, right, I can't really hurt that Death Star, mm. but I can kill that all this turn with the amount of shooting my entire army has mm. and play around the Death Star a little bit because if there's just that left and I have my entire army still, you can work around it a little bit. Fair enough. I'm like, quite glad I didn't go for it then. But I think uh, with your list, like you noticed, if I when we played the other day, the first turn, I ignored your star a little bit, yeah. tried picking off all your broadsides, because mm. I knew late game, if my knights could stop your wolf star, that was what would be winning you a game. Yeah. But whereas if I couldn't stop the star anyway, I knew it wouldn't matter too much. Right. But I think the support shoots you've got, because you've got the mix of two up saves and sky shield and the riptide but you've got the defence from the wolf star mm. and broadsides do a hell of a lot more damage for the points yeah definitely definitely. so I think you're trying to compete especially with the allies and formations everyone can take mm. things like long fangs unless there's a, another ally you really wanted you're better off just just getting something else some, like some broadsides somewhere. there's other options in there yeah okay interesting so what is everyone running in their tournaments. Let's start off with you, Jesse. I was running Adamantium Crutch, uh, yeah. but I changed it from the the Tau variant uh, <laughs> that you guys you know saw. We've talked about um, from Nova to uh, the variant that Matt Serino actually recommended, the Knight of Nova Eldar. So I ran Adamantium Lance with uh, Farseer on jet bike with Spirit Stones. Couldn't fit in a mantle. Two uh, Windrider jet bike units and uh, th- uh, two Wraith Knights. Yeah, two Wraith Knights. I almost said three, and that would have been way off on points. <laughs> how many? How many points was that? Uh, it's 1850. All of our tournaments are 1850 here in the states. Cool. cool. Like all of our major ones. Um, and Serena, what were you taking? Uh, so. I had some list drama at the last minute because I can't do math, apparently. What I wound up taking was um, actually something that we had talked about or it was brought up here before. Uh, so I did Space Marine Main, Chapter Master, Khan, and Squad with Grav, uh, a couple units of bikes with Double Melta, Combi Melta uh, for troops, then Ally, Company of the Great Wolf for two Wolf Guard Battle Leaders and some Iron Priests. Um, so yeah, that was my ah. Good stuff. And uh, Matt Robinson, I'm sure you were taking something really interesting and uh, exciting. Um, what were you running? I was tempted to run uh, Knights with Legion of the Damned for this one, mm. but couldn't quite get the 
Marines sorted in time, just due to being busy with work and other things. So I went with a tried and tested list from Heat One, with two Riptides, Unit Three Crisis, two Solo Crisis, an Ethereal, and the Adamantium Crux. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so you managed. To, you so, definitely managed to shoehorn that into sixteen fifty, and I, you know you can be proud of that. Good work for. Yeah, managing to drop a Riptide from the original Pacific Rim, just and then a few of the upgrades works out quite nicely. Uh, did you actually have five crisis suits with not a thing on them other than their arms? Just the bonding knives. <laughs> Everyone was looking at me going, why have you got no guns? I'm like, there's no point. What are they going to do? <laughs> right, so... So what did you have then, Alex? I, basically, this is my second tournament that I've been to outside of Throne of Skulls. Um, so I did. I wanted to qualify, obviously, for the finals, but I wanted to try stuff out because I'm still learning. Like, I'm not, I wasn't going there to win. It would have been nice. Obviously, I, I was looking to win as many games as possible, but um, I just wanted to try and test stuff out and just see how I played, how my decision-making was, and, um, like, whether some weird different stuff would work. So I took uh, White Scars with Space Wolves, champions of uh, Fenris, and I took uh, Khan. I took... Uh, two units of five bikes, each with double grav and combi grav. I took two units of four bikes, each with double melter and an attached multi-melter bike. Um, and I took a unit of three assault centurions with flamers and hurricane bolters. Um, in the space walls, I took a wolf lord with two up, three up. Um, and the Kraken Bone Sword, which is the AP2 Frost Sword out of the, the Logan book. Um, I also took an empty drop pod and two five-man units of Wolfguard with nothing other than a Melter Bomb, uh, and all the uh, other units. Uh, Sergeant had Melter Bombs as well. Um, so Did that was 16. Assault I said Assault Centurions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they make them? Where do you get that kit? <clears throat> you know the, the the pits that are like at the bottom of the bin in your store. Oh, like, you mean all the special weapons for all the other guys that come out of the Centurions kit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The things that are still on the sprues that you know. Yeah, I, I have orc friends that just use those for like you know kill saws and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I actually took a unit of those in a drop pod. Um, <laughs> my, th I actually think with a the pod they are semi viable. Well, I was expecting to at least see a couple of beast packs there. Um, and it turned out we didn't see a single one. No, it was very heavy marine and spatial oriented. Yeah, the battle for salvation was uh, was very weird too. There was there was only one Necron player and not a single Imperial Guard player. It was very very strange. I think you do go. I think you do get events every now and again where you travel a little bit out the way, and the matter is that that regions kind of matter, and you get the. In players coming from outside who bring tastes of matter but a lot of the guys who are local who make up the main body of the event if they've got their own kind of matter that's a bit different to everyone else you get that it's like oh but the surprising part is the bfs meta is our meta <laughs> like when we showed up and we had the only necron player and Hoger nor Ganyo, both members of Team Stombergans who are both known for imperial guard didn't play guard it felt real awkward when there wasn't another single player that had guard. Um, so let's start out with our games. Um, Jesse, you're going to be nice and quick, so let's go through your game. 
I had a great first game. It was uh, a whole whopping 20 minutes long. I played against the kid who originally signed up for the Young Bloods tournament. I felt bad. I asked the TO if that was actually the case. If you know he wanted to pair him against somebody else, he said, "No, you're a great person, and uh, if he's going to have to learn to be tested by fire, I'd rather it be by you." And then he brought a Nemesis Strike Force and had no way of dealing with one Imperial Knight, let alone three. So you played a child. I played a child. And you beat up a child. I, was it like kicking puppies? I No, no, see, I didn't beat up a child. I murdered a child. Somewhere blood. somewhere in Nottingham, bad. I think Franco Marufo is sitting grinning at this story. Um Definitely shares your sentiment there. Um, although I, he takes I, pleasure from that, I think. Whereas you I, probably I, no, I normally do too, but I have a good rapport with the Battle for Salvation guys, and I don't want to be a that guy at their event. <laughs> and let alone, you know, one of one of their one of their local guys who was, you know, supposed to play in a Young Bloods tournament. Coincidentally, I found out after round one, Justin Cook also played the other guy that was supposed to be in the Young Bloods tournament. Ah. So was he running Lance? Yeah, we were just big jerks. Yeah, he was running the bad version of the Lance, the original version. But my game one was a, it was a great game, great opponent. Um, you know, I, I helped him out a lot, and uh, I think I think he's going to be something down the line. Like, there's a lot of potential for him. Is he the new gun? Is he the new co No, that's still Zach. No, Zach was good. Uh, so Matt Serena, how did you? Uh, so round one, I played against a guy named Joseph. I can't recall his last name. Uh, he is on the Veterans of the Long War podcast. Um, he's a really nice guy. We had a great time. Um, I had a very big problem day one of my dice being very poor. Uh, so he played triple Wraith Knight. Um, I end in with an Imperial Knight as an ally. So he, his Warlord Wraith Knight had a five up and vulnerable save. So turn one, nothing happens. We don't really do anything. I hide behind a piece, uh, a piece of terrain. Turn two, I assault in with all my Thunderwolves and Thunderhammers into his Warlord. I cause only f- uh, out of 25 strength, 10 attacks. Um, I only cause, I cause 14 wounds. He had a five up and vulnerable save. He passed 10 of them and I failed to get Warlord. And uh, it was very bad from there. So then I'm like, all right, this is fine. I have Khan. I'll hit and run out and get away. And I, I, his Imperial Knight was kind of off to the side. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'll hit and run and get away from his Imperial Knight. As long as I roll a, a seven on my hit and run, his Imperial Knight physically can't catch me. Go to hit and run, fell, hit and run. Uh, then the Imperial Knight proceeds to come in and just wreck my unit. Uh, it was very bad. Um, every Imperial Knight player I played rolled a six on a stomp that was over top of the chapter master uh, during the tournament. So my chapter, ma- chapter master goes poof, along with two Iron Priest, and it went very poorly. And I, I managed to lose the game. It was very close. Um, I was able to bring in my troops nicely, and they kind of caused some havoc. And then he finally was kind of gooned me out of it. So I lost round one. So not a great start. Um, should we go on to my first game? No one's saying no, so I will do. Um, I played a guy called Kevin Charles. He was from Southampton. He was playing uh, Space Marines uh, with Vulcan Salamanders. Um, it was it was kind of strange. It, I think it was more like a fluffy sort of list because he had he only had three drop pods. Um, he had like a command squad with flamers in it, 
with Vulcan attached. He had a Stern Guard squad with two Melters and two Commie Melters. Uh, what else did he have? He had a Razorback squad with um, Twin Link Laz Cannon. Uh, he had a Dreadnought with um, Laz Missiles and a couple of other odds and sods. Um, he sort of dropped down his um, two drop pods, didn't really do a lot. Then got my drop pod full of uh, flamey Assault Centurions and 18 Twin Link Bolter Shots, and that sort of removed them. Um, my bikes sort of scooted around the table, and uh, I ended up t- tabling him by turn five, so I won that 20 nil. Cool. So driving down with Gould, the seven and a half hour journey, I think it was in the end, we've got his games covered in a separate interview we did on the way back, which we'll splice in where needed. Uh, but unfortunately, due to there being odd numbers and me being purely a player at this event, even though I am organising running parts of the GT, this event I was just playing and helping Pete and Chris who were running it on the weekend, doing different painting scores and little bits and pieces. Uh, I had to sit out game one, which ended up getting a bye, which after driving all that way, was a little bit annoyed not to be able to play. But I ended up having... Uh, three round game against the bar for that for in the first game so come game two I was well on my way so going into game one who did you play what were they using in a very brief overview of the game okay played Mark Pocock game one lovely lovely fella uh, played well seen him a few times at quite a lot of events so we knew each other um, and he was using flying monstrous creatures demons so I think his list was uh, Karis Fate Weaver Three heavy support, um, three heavy support Zinch princes, and then it was like a couple of horrors thrown in there as well. So it was only the, the four flying monstrous creatures. So it was, uh, it was quite an interesting uh, list. Never played anything like it really. I know it's a quite a, quite a good list, but I've never played it before. So it was a good little experience. And uh, basically, in a nutshell, he won. <laughs> he he won. Uh, it was a quite a close game. He he won primary. Um, I think only just I had one of the objectives. He had two, I think. Um, what was the game again? The first game. It was uh, heavy guns, and the maelstrom was. Was it? You get one for each, a card for each objective that you hold. I think or, it was for each turn. It is. Oh yeah, it goes with tactical. Up. Yeah, tactical escalation. And that was on hammer and anvil. So. All, all that happened was I, I put my broadsides and my riptide in the middle of the board hoping to sort of get a lot of, you know, a good sort of arc of fire. He went first, so he was flying a lot of it. He got some pretty good powers. He got iron arm on, on all the, well, like I think he got two iron arms and, and quite a lot of psychic shrieks and, and things like that. So um, he, going first, he had a lot of, you know, toughness eight flying demon princes. So it's basically just trying to shoot those down out, out of the sky and, you know, not really succeeding. And obviously, because everything was uh, flying, my wolves couldn't really do anything except for pick on the little units. So I think uh, overall, you, you know, overall game, he won primary by one point. Um, we drew, or... No, he, he picked up secondary as well. And then I think I won tertiary on first blood because I killed something first turn. It's something like that, anyway. It was a very, it was a 16-4 win to him. Quite a close game. So, um, not the best start for the weekend? 
not the best, but hey ho, start as you mean to go on, as they say. <laughs> Jesse, um, let's start off with you, game two. So game two is against Matt Shuckman. Uh, I played him at Nova. I've played him a bunch. He's a Seer Council player, and I got my sweet, sweet bit of revenge. So I lost him at Nova because uh, we're playing the Relic. He has Seer Council, and it basically becomes a D6 off. And uh, we come out, and he draws me in kill points. Good luck. So we're playing. I play very... Very defensively, I don't rush forward, don't do anything. He has three Wraith Knights. I don't need to do anything to win the game because he rolled summoning out off of his council. So he's just going to generate kill points there. And he has five units of bikes and a unit of Dark Eldar Warriors that I could just kill for the kill points. So I just play very passive. I hang around in the middle. I collect my Maelstrom points. And I force him to commit. He commits. It's not a great commitment. And... Uh, Guess what? Um, Imperial Knights kill Wraith Knights in close combat. And Seer Council. And anything else you want to roll sixes for. That was basically uh, game two. It was a maximum game for me. Good shit. Good shit. Sereno. How did you get on? Uh, my game two, I played against a younger kid. Um, he was a nice kid. Uh, going into the round, I was joking around with a couple people like, oh, at this point, since we do a bracket system, should I just throw my next two games, go 0-3, get in the bottom bracket, and just grind my, you know, just have a nice, easy day two? Um, I show up at the table. Uh, so my opponent shoots. I wasn't sure what I was going to do yet. I scout up. My opponent dumps four AP2 wounds into my giant Death Star, which has my Chapter Master in front. So I roll my three-up invuln save. I fail. Five-up, feel no pain, I fail. Well, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to shoot anyway. I can, you know, just as easily dump wounds off onto some random guys, and I'll get three-up cover saves anyway because it's night fight. I'm like, sure. I'm like, all right, so I have three wounds left. I'll roll three lookout sirs. I fail all three lookout sirs. Okay, grab all three dice. I have three three-up invuln saves. Fail all three three-up invuln saves. Okay, pick up those three dice. I have three five-up feel no pains. Fail all three five-up feel no pains. My chapter master dies to the first four shots of the game. Um, so at this point I decided I was going to lose this game and just go into an easier bracket. So the, so you decided to lose rather than actually got beat. Yes. Well, so hold on. (laughs) Sure. sure. So hold on. Uh, Let me finish. It's a fun story. So (laughs) my opponent was not very good. Um, and we were talking for a while and I was trying to kind of give him advice and like, I was reminding him of, of like phases. So he like forgot his psychic phase and turned to him like, Oh no, man, go like you, you know, I was reminding him, Oh, you gotta do psychics. You gotta do this. He was playing Eldar with like a guardian blob and Eldrad in it. Um, so finally at the end of turn four, my opponent was kind of, it was kill points. So my opponent's kind of uh, driving me a little nuts because every time you get a kill point, he's like, that's no point for me. That's not a kill point for me. I'm like, yeah, I know. I know. And um, so on turn four, as I remind him again, because he keeps missing a psychic phase, he goes to shooting. I'm like, oh, yeah, your psychic phase is like, stop reminding me things. I know how to play the game. This kid's probably like 15. I'm like, OK, no problem. So going into turn five, he forgets the psychic phase. And he's like, well, start shooting half of his army and goes, oh, can I go back and do psychics? I'm like, no, man, you, you told me you knew the game and you were done not to remind you of anything. And then he proceeded to complain. So I, I decided, you know what? I really want to win this game now. And I tabled him the next turn. So <laughs> that was my round two. Bad person. 
Was this guy Justin just stepped on? No, no, no. This guy wasn't a young... I mean, like, so from at least understanding of the people at his club, like, he plays the game. He knew most of his rules. Like, he had, we had no rules issue. He knew how to play the game. He just decided to forget, like, he would not... Like, he'd go to movement and, like, wouldn't move some of his guys. I'm like, oh, remember, like, that, those guys, like, he like, wouldn't bring his reserves on. He had a flyer that he just, like, didn't move every turn. I'm like, oh, you remember you got to move the flyer, otherwise it crashes. He's like, oh, yeah, thanks. Um, you know, he would just... Things like that. Uh, certainly not. Like, I'd shoot it like a wave star, but I'm like, oh, do you want to jink? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And then I shot, and he's like, yeah, I think I'm going to jink. After I, he saw that I hit, like, everything, I'm like, yeah, sure, fine. You can jink. Like, it, it was, I mean, he was a nice kid, but he just, I just decided at that point, I was kind of tired of, of the game. You wore, and like, you, I'm you just wore your patience a bit thin there, basically. Yes. As everyone knows, I have the patience of a saint, as Jesse will tell you. Well, I... I've actually seen you get quite impatient when asked where Warrington is. Yeah, the the funny thing is, like, I am incredibly impatient in general and have a very low, very, very short fuse, um, as people know. So, yeah, it was certainly not a fun scenario. The kid was nice, and at the end of the game, he actually, like, he asked, like, hey, what could I have done differently? And I sat down and explained a lot of stuff, and he actually like, sat there and was like, yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right, I think you're right. So, like... At least he, he seemed to be really with it, and he seemed to really want to get better and want to learn. So Maybe maybe work on his people skills a little bit as well, though, possibly. Yeah, I think he was getting frustrated because he, he for some reason, had, so he had this giant guardian blob with Eldrad that got invisible. Well, then he assaulted it into my hit-and-run unit, and I'm like, I, you know I have hit-and-run, right? And, like, you're not going to do much like, to me he's like no that's fine and i'm like i saw so the end of his turn end of his turn i'm like i'm gonna hit and run i was like wait you can hit and run i'm like yeah but the thunder wolves don't have hit and run i'm like one character has to have it like i explained to you that my unit can hit and run out before you assaulted them and he's like oh and he just wasn't happy that like i just he charges in does nothing to me and i just hit and run and go the other way and just go hunt down another part of his army I'm sure he learned his lesson though. Um, speaking of learning lessons, um, let's go on to my my game too. Um, but what about my game? No, no, that's not important. We'll talk about my game too. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, so I um, obviously got a twenty nil win, which meant that I was quite high up uh, on the tables, and uh, for some reason I got paired up with this guy that's. Um, you know, he was getting favourable treatment just because he's like on the on the uh, on the board or something like that. So uh, a chump or something, I think. Yeah, he got a buy in the first round. Um, Man, so, um, oh, I get it. Man, look at the tournament organizers just just making sure they have an easy path. So like, there's me with my nice, well balanced, fun army. You know, trying to trying to learn my way around around. It's do 40k, and uh, I got adamantium lance. And uh, what was the mission? What we were playing, Matt? It was kill points. Yippee! So uh, I've got MSU bikes, and you've got adamantium lance. Uh, how long did that game last? Which one? <laughs> the real one. Um, half an hour-ish. Yeah. After sitting and talking through <laughs> it and trying to work it out. Yeah. Um. So what we were playing was it? It was Vanguard, right? Deployment. Yeah, Vanguard, Kill Points, <laughs> and Kill Points in the Maelstrom missions. So my, my reasoning was you've got two units in your, well, two factions in your army which are 
you know, um, you have to roll when I open from, and you're not going to risk, you're not going to risk that. So I knew that you'd have to put something in range of my bikes. Um, and unfortunately, that something was knights, which bounced all of my shots off, didn't they, pretty much? Yeah, it's like we were talking about at the time. In that game, you had to either go for it, try and pop through the lance, get a couple of them, because you've got your assault sense, which can drop around the side as well, and I have to deal with them, because they'll <coughs> tonight in mm. combat, which is hard to actually do anything. But... Like when you tried it, you couldn't really run away because of the mission. It was kill yeah. Prince. I sit midboard, get the objectives for the maelstrom points, and just pick pick you off over the game. I've only got three easy kill points, which if I sat in a corner would be protected by my army. And then you tried, you bounced, I charged. I got... Bikes don't do well in Splatted. combat. Yeah, I, I think you shot most of them. To be fair. Um... Yeah, I think I shot two back units, shot the assault sets to pieces, yeah. and then you failed all the oh, saves. Oh, yeah, that's then. right. I failed all the saves with the uh, invulnerable saves as well. Um, and then we tried to do it again just to see if I could scout all my melter forward and get two sides, and even then it still bounced. So I think that did work. I think you got one to half hull points, and then the unit bikes you put in front of the one did absolutely nothing <coughs> and you rolled three, three misses yeah they, they missed all three so um, I conceded turn was it to start of turn two it may have been start of three after two turns when I had killed four bikes yeah plus. I mean I could have uh, I, I could have probably played runaway and just tried to thunderfire cannon whole points off and just plinking whole points off but when everything's sort of 18 inch range and 12 inch range, it's too. I've got to be too close to you. And if I if I yeah. if I Other didn't missions. get rid of one in the first turn, there was just too much return fire from those from those things. Um, I think another another mission, if you could play scoot around the edge and come onto the objectives yeah. late game, then you've got more of a chance. But with it being kill points, it was just yeah. a really bad matchup, especially since you had some grab and some melt. Yeah, yeah. All meltler would have done a bit better, I think. Yeah, but never mind. Um, so that's 20-0 for you. Um, so you're doing all right. You've got um, two... Did, did the first one count as a 20-0? Your, your buy? I you were handed? Think Chris, I think Chris and Pete put that in as a 20. Yeah. I can't, I'm not 100% sure what victory point-wise or whatever they did with it. Because I stayed out of that. I cannot confirm or I deny. To... I see. Plausible deniability. That's very clever. I just wanted to play games <laughs> after driving all that way. I was I was gutted as well because I wanted, I, when I saw you after game one, I was like, you know, I want to play you game three because after another three points, I reckon I'll be able to have a good go. But I got you game two on kill points, and you was the alcohol hadn't kicked in yet. I don't think. Oh, yeah, I loved that bar. <laughs> the fact me and Chris managed to go, try to go through all the ciders, got to a ten or eleven by the end of the day, and. I think we missed one, but we had to end it there. Oh, so, game two then? Game two was against uh, Mike Fultz. Again, a lovely guy. Um, he was playing against a list that I was... I wasn't nervous about, because he was basically using two knights and four wave serpents. Um, so, it was a, 
Paladin, Knight's Paladin or Knight's Errant, whatever they, I don't know yeah, what they were. One of each, one with the Battle yeah. Cannon, one with the Melter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, then it was a Far Seer or a Spirit Seer in a, and like four units of Dire Avengers in, in Wave Serpents, I'm yeah. sure it was. Um, again, I, I, I made, I, I pretty much lost this from the outset. The, the, the way I deployed was kind of retarded. I, I should have gone quite aggressive with everything and just throw it in his face. Broadside should have been in range, but because I was kind of nervous about his, his uh, large blasts and things from from the uh, from the knights, I, I set the uh, broadsides up a little way out um, just to sort of like cover some objectives, but not actually they wouldn't actually be doing any damage. So he just kept out of my 36 inch bubble. Wave serpents did all the damage, not the not the knights, um, and it was that that was it really. I mean, I, I should have been more aggressive with my walls as well just throw them at, at things rather than what I tried to do was sort of sit mid-table but then they just got picked off by wave, wave servants so uh, that was uh, overall he actually tabled me in that, in that game so, so not the best start after two games but not the best start again still and hoping then, to qualify <laughs> yeah of course but this is the heats of course you know the heats never go well I never play well in the heats for some reason I don't know what it is about them yeah. so um, so let's go on to game three, um, Jesse. So game three was last game to place brackets. Um, it was probably my hairiest game of the entire tournament. Um, playing relative. Just to interrupt you there, yes. Jesse, with the brackets. So was this not a normal six-game battle point event, kind of like we do here in the UK? You still had brackets. Yeah, there was still brackets. There was battle points still coupled in for. Um, it was still battle points coupled in for getting into the brackets, sort of, because it wasn't a ma- it wasn't a full event. If it was a full event, it would have been you know just like Nova does it. Okay. It would have been perfect three zero brackets, things like that. Uh, so battle points factored in there, and then they were also used for um, battle master, which was the most battle points of the tournament. So it was the last game to get into the top bracket. It was the hairiest game I had to play. I was playing against demons. It was the Relic. He had a Screamer, a unit of uh, six Screamers with only one Herald. And then he had Bellacor, two Demon Princes, Fate Weaver, some Pink Horrors, some Nurglings. So it's Hammer and Anvil and the Relic. And the Relic is in the middle, in the middle, and there's this piece of impassable terrain there. So he, he gives me first turn, or no, he takes first turn, and he infiltrates up. And so he infiltrates onto his his nerglings to block me being able to charge his screamers to pick up the relic and then turbo boost it away. Flew Bellacor and both Demon Princes, just swooped them on top of the impassable terrain. So now I'm sitting there, I'm going, well, there's three Imperial Knights here, three Demon Princes, one has Endurance, one has Iron Arm, one is Bellacor, the other two both have Staffs of Change. It was kind of a scary situation. I'm like, All right, I have no choice but to charge in and get first blood off of the Nerglings. I was like, I need to at least get a point here, you know, on one of the secondaries, because first blood, Warlord, Linebreaker, they were all worth one out of ten battle points apiece. Primary is worth four, secondary is worth three. So I was like, all right, I at least need to get something here. I charge in, I failed to kill the Nerglings. Don't ask me how I did it. I failed 
Was it all three nights? I'm no, sorry. no, it was only one night. Only one night could fit in there. Oh. But one night, failed to kill... Mind you, in my shooting, I got it down to one Nurgling base. One night, failed to kill a single Nurgling base. Yes. Yes, I do. So, I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm screwed here. I'm not going to get first blood. He's going to charge in. You know, it's not even like he's charging through cover anymore because I got locked in this combat. I was like, there's just nothing I'm going to do here. He's going to poke my knights. We're going to be off to we're going to be off to a bad bad game. How am I going to salvage this? Um, so I set up my wraith knights to be able to get further shots on his uh, on Fate Weaver, only because I can't kill his demon princes with the wraith knights. They have endurance and iron arm respectively, and then Bellacor Z Warrior. So I'm like, I got to I got to get some kind of like YOLO maneuver here. So he drops down, he charges. His Demon Prince with Iron Arm charges causes four hull points. I roll a hit, I get two hits, roll a six, remove it. Oh, well, look, there's first blood. Bellacor charges in. This is a single hull point to an Imperial Knight. I don't hit him back. His other Demon Prince is invisible and endurance, causes a single hull point to an Imperial Knight, don't hit him back. Stomp, I'm able to hit both of them, roll sixes, Bellacor and his Demon Prince are both removed. Well, I guess I win this game now. He managed to keep the relic run into the back. I just racked up my Maelstrom points, got first blood. I had I had gotten Warlord uh, towards the end of the game. I got Linebreaker and just kept pummeling him. At the end of the game, he had two pink horrors and his Herald left to three Imperial Knights and, and uh, two Wraith Knights. Now... In his defense, he was a really good player. Kept uh, summoning like things like demon nets, things like that, just putting them out in front, blocking me off, stopping me from being able to get to him. Luckily, I had the wraith knights, which were able to jump over the demon nets and complete the charges I needed them to. Um, but it was a, it was quite a hairy game, and I, I got bowed out by being able to roll sixes. Is that three princes in one round of combat on sixes? Three princes, one round of combat on sixes. One, one six to wound with D weapon, and two removed with stomps. It's a skill game. Yay! Stomps. Yay! Imperial Knights. So that was that was literally my hairiest game of the of the weekend, and it was like, oh, look at this! I rolled sixes and just killed more than a thousand, like a thousand points of your army because they were fully kitted up level three, multiple, multiple rewards. One was Bellacor. I was like, Oh, I just killed a thousand points of your army. So no matter what, as long as I tie you, it goes down to victory points. And I beat you on that because you have no army left. <laughs> so yeah, rolling six is, uh, I, I hear makes you good at the game. Does if you play <laughs> That was not a 20-0 victory for me. That was a 6-4 to four victory. Or 10, not 10-0, but 6-4, to four, rather. I don't have 20 points. You guys have 20 points. That's it for my game three. Sweet, no child bashing again. <laughs> so, stop, um, doing and, uh, stop doing that and tell us about your game three, please, Serena. 
So round three, I played Matt Shuckman, who Jesse played in round two. Um, so as Jesse said, he's playing Sierra Council, uh, and it's Relic. So I go first. I scout up onto the Relic. I give it to my Chapter Master, who then turbo boosts back. So I've got the Relic. I'm in a good spot. He has three Wraith Knights. He jumps up, takes some pop shots, doesn't really do anything. All right. So then turn two, I drop the Relic. I, like, move the Chapter Master back. I throw the Relic to one of my other bike units because um, you can just drop it into way. The other bike unit comes out and grabs it and turbo boosts away with it. And because all three knights of his, all three of his Wraith Knights are pushed up and First Blood's so important, I jump my squad up. I dump some Grav Wounds into a, into a Wraith Knight, and I multi-assault two Wraith Knights. So the first Wraith Knight, I gib in combat. Um, the other one, I wasn't get, able to get enough bases into it to kill it as well. I put on uh, five wounds under the Wraith Knight. Um, or four, it had one wound left on it. So I took a little bit of a beating in the combat. I couldn't pass a three-up inbound save. Um, Chapter Master wound up taking three wounds in that combat. So not fantastic. Um so he suits up his seer council, um, and his, his council was kind of in the back a little bit. He was a little worried I was going to try to alpha strike the seer council. So the seer council opted to not charge in because it would have been a long charge, and he wanted to kind of turbo boost and get better positioning. Completely you know, makes sense. No problem with it. Um, so then I'm stuck in combat with the Wraith Knight that I had no problem being there with. I have three iron pre- or two Iron Priests and a Wolfguard Battle Leader with a hammer. I'm like, all right, this should be easy. Um, on his turn, I swing in. I only get three hits, and I fail to kill the one wound left Wraith Knight with 15 strength or how many, uh, 12 strength, 10 weapon skill, four and five attacks. Um, so I fail to kill the Wraith Knight, and they're like, okay, this isn't good. Uh, I fail to hit and run out. I'm like, okay, this isn't good either. So now on my turn, my entire Death Star is stuck in combat with the Wraith Knight. I kill the Wraith Knight conveniently enough on my turn. I don't get far enough away. His Seer Council comes blasting in. Um, because of positioning, he had to take uh, – he had both of his Farseers off to the side. And at initiative one, those were the only guys in base contact at one. So he had four instant-deathing wounds on his Warlord Farseer. The Lookout Sirs being to his non-Warlord Farseer. So he rolls four Lookout Sirs, passes them all, four four-up invulnerable saves, passes every one of them. Like, okay, this this could have been better. Um, I still managed to not get demolished in the combat. And I'm like, all right, I'll hit and run out. Um, you know, I'll get out, kind of run, just protect the relic, which I've now kind of buried in the corner. Uh, I don't – I fail my hit and run again. Um <laughs> Which was the – oh, by the way, I failed uh, 14 hit and runs. Throughout the tournament, I passed one hit and run. It was in round six. The final round was the only hit and run I passed all all weekend all, with my Death Star. My my individual units passed a bunch. Um, I think you should play Ravenwing with the banner. <laughs> with the banners for the yeah. Um, so it wasn't bad. Uh, I wound up losing my Death Star. I guess you'd call it to just keep getting whittled down by Seer Council. Um, had the game ended on five, it would have been okay, because I had the Relic still hidden in the corner. At this point, though, now he was able to... He summoned a Lord of Change, who at this point now got up to close enough, and then he just gibbed... He, um, on the last turn, he flicker-fired my five-man bike squad, which now at this point had a Wolfguard Battle Leader in it. He flicker-fired that for 18 and blew up the unit. Um... Yeah, it was very bad. Oh, not Flicker Fire. Sorry, Psychic Streak. He Psychic Streaked the unit for 18 and blew up the unit. Uh, 
and I dropped the relic and lost the game immediately after. So, yes, it was a very awkward game three for me. How was yours, Matthew? Mine. I got to play uh, Tony Chu this week. Okay. This mission was one objective each, and the secondary, I think, was contact lost. I'm not 100% sure off the top of my head. Uh, So going into it, he had two chapter masters on bikes, two squads of scouts, then he had allied in Dark Angels with a librarian and a bike, a Ravenman command squad with the I'm going to pass my hit and run banner. Uh, he had two Deathwind assault pods with whirlwind missile launchers. And he had five marines in a pod, which I can't remember which chapter they were from. I think he, he had, had the Dark um, Angel or the Marine. Didn't he have just scouts? He had five marines in a pod with a melter as well, and a combi melter. And then two squads of five scouts. Because he needs two troops for one and one for his ally. And then he had the land raider with the whirlwind assault launcher and two multi-melters attached to it. I think it's the Achilles. Uh, So one objective each, he basically sets his bikes up in the corner. I set my army up central to push towards his objective, which was opposite each other. First turn, his bombardment does, I think, eight, seven or eight hull points over two nights. Cause I picked side on both arc, and he managed to get randomised onto the other side on each. From his two blasts, did five hull points on one and three or four on another. Uh, he then swung round, kind of stayed in a corner, putting pressure on from my, my left corner towards my central objective. His Achilles came on on his objective centre of his board long shotted side armour one of my knights blew it up I think it took the last two hull points off with one shot from that uh, so I kind of sat a little bit cagey not wanting to push too far towards his objective knowing it would leave myself open a little bit on mine uh, he charged his bikes in turn 3 I think it may have been uh, lost a chapter master to one of my knights rolling a 6 but didn't do anything else to the rest of it Hits and runs off, and then my shooting from my two riptides, my knights, whittle him down to, I think, a chapter master and on a wound, and two guys, who two knights then charged him and killed, leaving his Achilles and five scouts on his objective with two knights, two riptides, four crisis suits running at him. So that ended up a 20 0 to me, which I think we spoke about after the game. He could have just held off with those bikes a little bit more, been cagey, which would have stopped me committing my knight or two because they were both damaged towards his Achilles. I would have struggled to get him off that objective, maybe able to contest with Crisis or something late game, and then he could have swung round late game and put pressure on my objective. But I think he committed, and he agreed a little bit too soon. He could, should have played a bit more cagey. Uh, that was my game three. Uh, my game three was against a guy called Chris Bolton. He was playing CSM and Demons. Um, he had um, a sorcerer on a bike. Uh, sorry, he's playing Crimson Slaughter. Um, so he had a sorcerer on a bike, um, and he had a sorcerer on foot. He had two units of cultists, and he had 
three obliterators. He also had um, a full Screamer Star with four heralds in it. Um, he had oh, he had a unit of five spawn as well, and I think he had one unit of horrors. Um, so it was basically a summoning farm, um, but really, really um, sort of flimsy warp charges in there. So my whole um, uh, it was the same mission. It was um, home and away, whatever that mission's called, um, one objective each, and um, contact lost, which is the one where you generate maelstrom cards based on how many objectives you're actually holding at the start of your turn. I think that's it. Is that right? Yeah. yeah um, so my whole thing was just to push as hard as possible and take out his warp charge points as quickly as I could. Um, fortunately, I had first turn, um, which meant I plowed absolutely everything forward. Um, my Terminator, uh, sorry, my Assault Centurions, I went to um, drop them right in front of his Screamer Council. And they unfortunately mishapped off the table um, by rolling. I think I rolled like a ten, and they went off the table. I play. I, I normally place my drop pods eight, just over eight. So I need to roll a nine to actually go off the table from an edge. And I managed to roll that time, um, which is obviously not out of the realms of possibility. That was a bit of a gutter. Uh, fortunately, they went into ongoing reserve, but that was a lot of shots that I was going to put into a screamer council that I wasn't going to get. Um, I put Thunderfire Cannons into the Screamer Council as well on top of the Heralds. Um, they scattered off, and I think in the end I killed like two Screamers. That was it. So pretty pretty piss poor first turn. Um, but I did pretty much have my run on the board because he was castled up in one corner, left hand, his left-hand side, and I was sort of spread out because I was going first. Um, <clears throat> his first turn he felled the Grimoire. So that was okay for me. Quite happy to see that. Um, he pushed his spawn forward. He actually rolled divination on his um, sorcerer, his level three sorcerer, which was with the spawn, which uh, was interesting. Um, and uh, he was just, um, yeah, he just pushed those forward. He didn't really push the screamers forward because obviously they were not grimwired up. But he had to spread them out because he knew he couldn't take another turn of template stuff because the, uh, the Centurions were going to come in again um, next turn. Obviously, I had the two Thunderfire cannons still there. Um, I just picked up loads and loads of Maelstrom missions because I was able to just scoot over across the table, um, grab grab loads of cards and just um, score a load of uh, Maelstrom points. Um, second turn, I think I managed to take out four screamers dropped a herald to a wound um, moved some of my bikes forward and put a load of stuff into the spawn because obviously they weren't invisible so uh, he wasn't he wasn't rolling on that tree um, managed to take the spawn down to I think it was three with the sorcerer um, put the uh, wolf guard bikes sort of as a skirmish screen to protect my uh, obset units, um, so I didn't mind sacrificing them. And I actually put the um, Centurions into the spawn first as well. Um, 
which was probably a bit silly, but I, I, I did that because they were moving pretty damn fast towards me and I wanted to get rid of those first early doors and get rid of the sorcerer. Um, <coughs> so I wasn't, I, I don't know why, but I wasn't too worried about the, um, too worried about the Screamer Council. Uh, in the end, um, he actually ended up in his turn turbo boosting his Screamers over the top of me to try and take out some bikes and that pretty much whiffed. It left him sort of strung out and um, I charged the um, Screamers with like about four units and they evaporated. I think he had like a Herald, two Heralds left on one wound and one Screamer left. Um, and the Assault Centurions went through the um, spawn and that left him with, I think he had one summoned unit of Blood Crushers and uh, his Obliterators and one other Sorcerer left. Um, so he didn't have a lot left on the table. His Cultists came on, his Pink Horrors came on and they got picked off because they were pretty much on their own. Ended up grinding through the um, the rest of the Heralds in his turn and um, managed to deal with the Blood Crushers, grabbed the um, Obliterators away, and in the end all he had left was a Summoned Lord of Change. That was all he had left on the table, and I think I won that 20-0. So I was quite happy with how I sort of dispatched that. Um, a lot of people, when they played him, they said they couldn't keep up with all the stuff that he was summoning, but... Uh, I managed to, to get through, to work through the um, the stuff that was actually going to be putting stuff on the table. So I was quite happy with that. So that was the end of my day one. I left on uh, two and one. Um, I think, Matt, you would have been in first place. I I was at the top. I'm not sure if I was dead in first or if Courtney may have been. Who is, that's who I played in my game for. But I think it might have been like down to victory points or something mm. at the top. Um, it was close between the top four or five. I okay, um, Serena, where did you end up in your uh, in your bracket? Uh, I was in the one and two bracket. Uh, very, very not good. Not too bothered. Um, and Jesse, when did you end up a bracket in at the end of day one? I was the fourth seed going into uh, day two. So going on to game three then. Game three was Matt Reese or Reese something. He played Grey Knights. Okay. Pure Grey Knights. It was a uh, well, Grey Knights with Inquisition allied. So what his actual list was? I think it was ten Paladins and Drago, and they were all maxed out. Um, and then he took two small units of Terminators, two five-man units, and then they had like. A halberd and a side cannon each, or an incinerator in each. And then he, all he did was ally in two ally, uh, two auto malleus um, inquis- inquisitors in there. And it was pretty much how you'd expect. It's actually quite a good matchup for me. Uh, he's very very slow, and I'm very very fast. Um, so first, he, he went first. Again, he, he won the roll of two first. So it's three games in a row now where I didn't, didn't win it, which is to be expected. It's dice roll off. So. But he moved forward, he shoots a broadside a little bit, kills one or two. I then charge him with my Thunderwolf Cav. We stay there for about two turns. Um, he had invisibility, which he cast on them, which really, really helped him. Which unit was this? The paladin, the paladin unit, so the one that moved forward. So he, he um, cast invisibility on them first turn, 
but obviously I can't let a unit like that just wander around. I can't shoot them to death because they're, they're quite resilient with invisibility. So just charge them and, and you know, hopefully wait of attacks will get some through. You know, I kill a few a paladins with my strength nine attacks. He kills a thunderwolf or two. Um, we stay there for about two turns. I eventually lose combat, run away. Being marines, my turn. They rally again, and it, but because they didn't run away too far, we're about mid table. It meant that I could then assault his because the, the mission was Emperor's will. So obviously he had an objective and I had an objective, and he had five ter terminators on his objective. So falling back, I was then able to just rally and assault the five-man unit on his objective. And his paladins by this point were quite, they'd lost quite a few, so they weren't the threat that they were at the beginning of the game. Um, so just concentrating shooting on that, it basically ended up to be a 16-4 win to me, because I was able to contest my objective with uh, my broadsides, because his paladins aren't obsec, and clearing off his Terminator unit from his objective meant that my, my lord could just sit at the back, get a line breaker, but also, you know, um, score his objective which is really really important so, so a nice yeah. win to end the day nice win it was uh, yeah it's, uh, it wasn't as big as I was hoping it would be um, it was quite touch and go for a while his feel no pain saves were fantastic as well um, against my things I actually got through that weren't strength line um, but eventually when I got rid of his apothecary I think all he had left was in the actual on the, on the table was two or th two terminators Drago on one wound and both his Inquisitors on one wound, which is really annoying because, you know, if he'd gone on a turn, it could have been a tabling. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, really good game, really nice nice fella. He got, you know, considering he was an invisible paladin star, he lost an awful lot and he probably shouldn't have done it. So, so it was... Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, um, so we come back to uh, to day two and Jesse, do you want to talk us through your first first bracket match? So my first bracket match is against um, a guy I played the year previous. Uh, he's a Tau player. He was playing a mini Alvesa star, um, actually a lot like what Justin was going to take to Nova had he not been told it was not legal, and thus we wouldn't have to worry about adamantium lance. Uh, so I, I clearly blame Nova for adamantium crotch. But uh, he's he's playing a unit. It's a crisis suit unit, full marker drones, buff commander, farsight, Ovesa, another marker suit unit um, with a drone controller in it, uh, an earthcast uh, or not an earthcast, but a burst cannon riptide with talisman, some crew, a sky ray. It's basically the gist of his army. He, I get the infiltrate warlord trait. I decide I'm going to, I declare I'm going to infiltrate my wraith knights. Now my game plan was to reserve and deep strike my wraith knights, uh, but I wanted him to infiltrate his crew to try to cut me off from infiltrating them uh, close so I could get an easy first blood because I figured we were going to be at range. He was going to dance away from me the whole day, and it was going to take you know it was going to take a lot of a lot of shooting with blast templates to get wounds through. Uh, so it works. He turn around and decides he's going to infiltrate his crew. I reserve my my uh, my Wraith Knights as I was going to do any, anyway. And uh, he infiltrates up. And um, I proceed to seize the initiative on him, charge a unit of crew that are that are too close to an Imperial Knight, um, and kill it. At first blood, I do leave an Imperial Knight out in the wind now to his, shoot, his army shooting. Uh, however, it takes two full turns and 
two individual Melta suits to come in to kill this one Imperial Knight. And uh, I proceed to move across the table. So we started out playing Hammer and Anvil. We ended up playing Dawn of War. Um, I just forced him into a corner while I took all the objectives. My Farseer came in on turn four. And with the power of summoning, I summoned a unit of Pink Horrors. Uh, Herald, because I also had Sacrifice. I got Sacrifice on the Pink Horrors. The Pink Horrors then summoned a Herald then on turn five. And the Herald summoned a unit of Screamers. And by the time the game ended on turn five, I had uh, three Disc Heralds uh, and a unit of Screamers, and I was everywhere. Um, I eventually got a charge off against the Ovesta Star, and one Imperial Knight killed it. I killed Ovesta, caused a couple wounds. Farsight was too far away in order to get into the combat, and I ended up winning combat by, like, Four or five, he broke, ran, I, I, and I ran him down. He did not call separate. He was calling tank hunter the whole time. Um, you know, and and it basically it worked out in my favor. I ended up losing a single Imperial Knight in the whole game uh, and a unit of three Jetmites. Other than that, I was pretty much untouched. I, I max-pointed that game, and uh, we, we went on. It, it, the summoning was just, was just key the whole weekend now because it allowed me to summon things. Uh, more importantly, allowed me to summon horrors to hold my backfield objective and throw my jet bikes out to get Maelstrom objective, so I would win on both primary and secondary. Good start to the day, definitely. Um, meanwhile, Serena, how are you getting on in uh, in your in your for fun bracket? Uh, yeah, um, so I played a guy who was playing predominantly scouts. Um, I think he ran 70 bodies worth of scouts or something like that. Between No, I guess 60 between primary and ally. Um, the biggest problem is it's scouring, so we're on six objectives, and he's infiltrating it pretty much everywhere. So it was a little... I actually had to be really aggressive when I knew I had the opportunity to just kind of sit back and just win the game. Um, and also it didn't help that every melt... So turn one, I go up, uh, I just kind of sit there in the middle, scout up and move, so I'm in line to charge his entire army. He did have... Um, the weapons platform things that automatically shoot and are the battle cannons um, that shoot the closest target, enemy target. I'm not sure exactly what they were or what they called. I forget. Uh, uh, so we had... The vengeance. Yeah, there you weapons. go. Um, he had two of those. I guess I was kind of afraid of them, but I have two up armor saves in most of my units, so... And I have enough three up in nolans. Like, I... His shooting really wasn't going to do much. Um, I got first blood... And I, I was just kind of slowly pushing him back. He had four land speeders, so I said a lot of things to try to kill. And the next thing I know, we're on turn three, and he's gotten every single Maelstrom for turns one, two, and three have all been the two objectives in his way, way, way backfield. So I realized, like, oh, I'm, I'm just beating him on primary, but I'm only – I'm down six to one on Maelstrom. So I have to start getting really aggressive because, frankly, at this point, I just want to win games big. Um, and then he – his his warlord was a chapter master on foot with lightning claws um, that was by itself. And he, uh, well, he broke it off from the one unit of scouts and decided to charge into my command squad, which I had con and a chapter master and all, all the wolves had broken off other directions. So I was kind of confused. Um, he charged in and Khan just kind of gibbed him and he didn't realize that Khan can do that. And he was very upset about it. And 
it kind of ruined the game because he got really he didn't he thought the rule the rule was really stupid. Um, he was very unhappy that the rule existed and didn't believe me until I showed him in the codex like twice. Um, other than that, what, the game was what? Yeah, what did he think was going to happen after that anyway? Like I don't. When, I don't know. He like hammer stove his head in. I don't know. Yeah, uh, exactly. So nothing was going to go overwhelmingly good anyway. Um, but no, the game the game was fine. I wound up being able to push back and actually wound up uh, tabling a minus the scout squad. He just conceded on turn five because he was like, even though he was he was technically at that point still winning on Maelstrom, but I was like going into the bottom of five. I was easily going to be able to get whatever two Maelstroms I rolled. Um, so he conceded on the bottom of five, on the top of five. So, uh, but otherwise it was, you know, it, this, it was surprisingly tough, I guess, just because he combat squatted all of the scouts. So I wound up having kill. I, I, if it had been killed, I think at that point we counted up, he had 21 different kill point units that a lot of them were infiltrating. So he was on four of the six guys at the start of the game with like multiple units. Um, and my Marines were doing – my five-man Marines on bikes were doing a terrible job killing five-man scout squads. Uh, actually, two of my five-man Marine squads lost in close combat and ran off the table against five-man scout squads. Um, so, yeah, it was not going very well. But I just – the the Thunderwolf – like, I could just send one Thunderwolf off to kill a scout squad late game. And he, like, yeah. didn't kind of see that one coming. Like, I had this giant unit, and I'm like, okay – so I got in the middle of the table and I'm like, all right, I'm going to send a Thunderwolf, an Iron Priest this way, an Iron Priest this way, an Iron Priest this way, Battle Leader, Battle Leader, and Chapter Master are all going to go different directions. And he's like, you can just do that? And I'm like, well, yeah, they're all individual units. And he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't think you could do that. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I, I could. Um, so, yeah, it was it, – it, I mean, I guess that's I, – I guess, I guess that's kind of what happens in the one and two bracket. Um, but, yeah, that was my game four. Do a good job. A solid of, start uh, today. One ed- educating the masses in the uh, lower brackets on what rules exist in the game, kind of. <clears throat> um, Mr. Robertson. Yeah, my game four. I got to play Courtney Rhodes, who was using a big fifty-man conscript blob, a fifty-man blob with five last cannons, a wyvern, uh, Yarrick, a thunderfire. Chapsmaster on a bike, a librarian on a bike, two bike squads with double grav, a combo grav. And I think that was it. So it, this game was Relic. Mm-hmm. He sets up uh, going first, shoots at the knights, I think he does a hull point or so. The two bike squads go down the flanks and his conscripts run up and sit just behind the relic in the middle of the board. I then move up, shoot a hell of a lot into the conscripts and then charge into them. And I think I, ch- I kill the majority of them and I think I finish them off after a couple of rounds of combat. Which but I did kill probably 20-ish maybe a few more before I charged in and then I moved on charged into his blob with the last cannons killed them in a few rounds of combat he failed a hit and run which hurt and then I managed to get both his priests with one stomp but that was about three rounds in so I'd put about 
10 or 11 stomps onto these priests trying to get them. And then at that point he then ran and ran off the board because he was still sat back near his own edge. Uh, this actually did come down to quite close because he had all the maelstrom points because his bikes had been running around and I didn't be able to do much about them. And he'd got a few points on his side. And when I'd got I got a couple of cards of capture objective three, and it was the loot one we can loot your opponent's objectives. Okay. Okay. So he ended up stealing my objective three and my objective five during the game. Mm. Uh, but coming down to the end of it, I had the relic on a crisis suit, which I'd put two knights in front of and a riptide to the side of, and worked out he could just about get round and contest it if he'd moved and turboed. So I couldn't quite block him off far enough. So he could have contested the primary. He would have won secondary. But he shot and killed Crisis. With his. Uh, Thunderfire he had left. Which meant I was able to drop the relic. An inch away from my base. Which put him about. Half an inch outside of contesting range. So which meant. I managed to keep the relic. And he couldn't actually. Move on and contest that turn. Which it did actually carry on to turn six, so wouldn't have made a mega difference. I would have had two knights sat next to it, bodyguarding it. Uh, but in the end, because they'd gone for that move, and then realised, oh, I can't quite get far enough away now, because the knights were about six or seven inches in front of where the relic was at the time. So one knight moved and swept them. He had a chance master running around at the end, but it finished up as a 12 8. I think we drew. The tertiary, I had the primary, he had the secondary. And that was that pretty much. Although he did actually say at the end of the game, having not played against Knights, he'd feared it'd be a lot worse, but did actually enjoy playing against them. That's lies. In that game. Lies and propaganda that you're trying to spread. <laughs> no, he did in that game. So my game four was against Tony Chu, who I was really looking forward to play. Um, obviously aware of him on the English EDC team, and I'd heard him mentioned like in various podcasts and stuff. He was running that Raven Wing uh, bike star list that um, obviously you've heard Matt mention uh, in his previous game. Um, so I was quite looking forward to going up against that because uh, obviously he's a very good player. It's an interesting list, slightly different list, but still a very strong one. And I think you're going to see a lot more bike stars um, appearing, especially with the Wolf Book. Um, so he had that, he had the annoying unkillable um, Forge World Land Raider Achilles, which is immune to Melter, um, and um, Forge World Drop Pods that farted out uh, a load of um, World and Badass templates. Um, so basically it was Relic, um, he got first turn, uh, we were playing Dawn and Ward deployment. I tried to spread out um, my stuff as much as possible, uh, put my two... Thunderfires as you know, opposite corners, spread out um, most of my bikes. Um, I reserved and outflanked, I think it was like four units of bikes um, because I wanted to keep my troops alive for as long as possible. Um, I knew he would be holding the relic with his um, scouting chapter masters and I would try and uh, contest it last turn with whatever remaining troops I had. Um, and win that way, and meanwhile picking up loads of Maelstroms. Um, so that was my uh, my plan. Uh, he got first turn, picked it up, um, and dropped down his drop pods. Didn't really do a lot of damage. Um, I managed to roll a lot of saves. Uh, I think he only killed about three bikes with his two drop pods. Um, 
my turn I drop down behind him with my Centurions um, and drop Thunderfire Cannons on top of the uh, Apothecary's head. Um, I ended up managing to kill the Apothecary, which I was really happy about, definitely reduces the strength of that unit. Did a fair amount of wounds um, with the Flamers and the Bolters of the um, Centurions. Um, and just sort of try to hold him up with those and the wolf guard units for as long as possible, doing as much damage as possible, and then picking off the remains with grav guns and melt guns. Uh, meanwhile, trying to have a go at that land raider Achilles with um, grav gun bikes. Grav gun bikes all whiffed really badly um, on that land raider. Uh, sorry, on that land raider, um, and then got fucked up in return. Um, got to the end of the game and he only had two chapter masters left both on a wound and the librarian i had two bike squads left so i was quite confident that i'd be able to at least contest and win um he went forward and psychic screamed um an entire unit of grav bikes uh, which would have probably killed uh, the remaining chapter master in the next turn uh, but psychic scream went off and pretty much wiped the whole unit lost all the gravs uh, then he charged the other remaining unit and gave them a good spanking as well. Um, end of turn five, I had one bike left and actually managed to contest. Rolled for the end of the game. Uh, if the game had ended there, I would have won uh, primary and I would have won Maelstrom as well. So I think I would have won 16-4, I think it would have been. Um, but the game carried on and uh, he killed the last remaining bike and picked up some more Maelstroms and uh, ended up winning 20-0. So yeah, it was a big swing. Um, it was an interesting game. Uh, enjoyed playing it a lot. It was great fun playing Tony. And I actually spoke to him after the game um, and you can hear the recording here. Uh, so I am sitting here with England's Tony Chu. Hello. Hello. Uh, we just finished uh, first game on day two, um, game four, <clears throat> which I managed to lose 20 nil. But um, I, f I feel like I, I brought a good account of myself. <laughs> Narrow, narrowly, if, if, if it ended turn five, you would have 16 four, wouldn't you? It would have been yeah. uh, painful. So we had a bike off. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like completely uh, different different ends of the spectrum. Um, so do you want to tell us what you were running? Yeah, I went for the um, well. It was it was it wasn't. I didn't think I'd do that well with it. I went for double chapter master. Um, White Scars, Chapter Tactics. One of them is tool to the max with this Shield Eternal, Artificer Armor, Bike, War Specs. The other one is just a normal Chapter Master with Power Fists, Soul Shields, Artificer Armor. But they um, generally troll around with a Dark Angels Command Squad with a Librarian with a Power Field who's level 2. Um, gives them Scout. They've got the Raven Wing Banner so they've got to pass hit and run. They hit and run 46 inches. Um, it's just it's such a hard unit to kill. I played it, I actually played it. Um, against it in the ETC in Serbia this summer. And the Team Poland guy had it. Um, and I managed to just beat him narrowly with my Ravenwood bikers, but it was a good, uh, yeah, it was a good list. So I, I stole the core of it. And then I've got silliness. I've got two Forge World Death Storm Drop Pods. That's what it's really called. And then a Land Raider Achilles. Five uh, Tactical Marines in a Drop Pod with 10 Scouts. Yes! That's it, it's such a small army. Um, so do you want to tell us what those Death Storm drop pods do? Yeah, so when they when they arrive, they do D3 Whirlwind Launcher attacks on every unit that's got a model within 12. Now, the Whirlwind Launcher is 48-inch range, so you're just doing D3 Barrage, Large Blast, Strength 5, AP4, or Strength 4, ignore to cover. And then, I, I took them, because I haven't got a lot of anti-horde or anti... 
beast pack essentially and there's no beast packs here not the a last single one of the beast not pack. a single one um, and um, you've got the Land Raider Achilles which was particularly nasty as well it's funny that I, I don't think it I took it with the Thunderfire Cannon again the hull and the you know minus one on the damage table it hasn't died yet touch wood but it, and people seem to worry about it I think more than the damage output that I'm seeing do you know what I mean I think it just looks the scary Ceramite I wish you could take Ceramite armor on everything it's it's worth the upgrade I, I, yeah just being immune to the melters makes a big difference yeah just like your army then it was just I would the have just shot forward and yeah. you know I would have melted it to yeah. death probably turned two at worst oh definitely um, <clears throat> but yeah the fact that the fact that you can't use a melt against it makes it a very formidable uh, formidable target to get and rid of and it's Forge World are the only tanks apparently that can take along with Dark Angels that can take Dozer Blades on them as well okay because you can't take them on Space Marine Land Raiders oh, they've gone, apparently. Yeah, they've gone right. which is daftness again um, and you stuck the scout squad in it as well just to rub saw into the woods <laughs> claim objectives with it claim also. objectives it's like a 55 point upgrade for that tank it makes about 400 points but. Um, so we played the relic yeah. um, which is always fun in a bike off playing the the maelstrom mission where you can use each other's objectives I can't remember what it's called yeah oh I can't remember either is precious it cargo yeah precious thing, cargo is the thing, thing so yeah um, and yeah you went first I had well I would have liked to have gone second but then I just thought you'd just scout and do more damage than maybe I was willing to take and you bunched up reasonably so that I could get two or three units with the deaths yeah the death storms and then they did what? Two wounds on some different squads? They, were, they fluffed massively, really. Yeah, I, I rolled about 30 saves, I think. Yeah, you did, you did pretty well in saves, and, but my wounding rolls were awful. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, it was tough. I, I, I was worried that you were just going to come into me in terms of getting them, like you said, swarming the relic at the end yeah. with your objective secured unit. So I thought I had to do what I did and just get stuck in and start killing your OS units. Yeah. And then once you had maybe like the Wolfguard bikers left, I can, you know, I'm contesting with them. So. Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but that's what I was trying to feed you. you know? yeah. I just tried to surround you with the two Wolfguard bikers. Obviously, I don't care. They're not OS. So. They're awesome. I, I know we talked about them before, but the, the amount of attacks they've got is just yeah. awesome on the um, charge. And the, um, the Assault Centurions as well. So I sort mm. of like, had a three-way, tried to pin you in there. Um, yeah, losing the Apothecary to the first barrage of shots in the Centurions was, was tough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but again, if it hadn't been night fight, I think you would have done a lot more damage because I was jinking then. So yeah, I mean you're getting a two up jink, weren't you? Yeah, with, indeed. So that's about 15, <laughs> 15 bonuses to your cover save. That's it. So I think if we hadn't had that, you would have probably taken a lot more of that unit out really quick. Maybe like one or two extra. Yeah. Like that's it. Like, exactly. Eight guys, huge, just, um, yeah. And that's the thing I like about that that command squad. You've got so much durability there because you've got you know the two up tank anyway. You've got a lot of three up at the front with the Eternal Warrior as well you've got four up on the normal guys yeah. uh, with, the, with the power field yeah they generally bunch they've got which I actually forgot to take in close combat against you as well now that oh, I realise it <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to worry um, I don't think we did that did we oh, there was one yeah because you charged into yeah, my yeah we did with the assault yeah, so that was the turn when I hit with all the chapter masters yeah. as well <laughs> oh that's right, I'm here to learn. So, this is, as I said, this is only my second actual proper tournament. So, um, I'm happy with my performance anyway. So, it was a really good game. Mate, I, do, I think it was, it was so close. Well, I had a chapter master and one wound left yeah. at the end. Yeah. <laughs> and a land raider. Yeah. And, and two scouts and those hiding. Two, those two scouts that are definitely getting moved up into the uh, full-fledged <laughs> marines because they, they definitely did well. 
Well, MSU bikers. I mean, I played at somebody in Northern Warlords. One of my friends had that, and he came fourth in it. They're just awesome. You when you're not playing like kill points like you do at ETC, um, I think they're brilliant. Uh, Game's a lot more fun when you're not playing kill points in every mission because again, yeah. something like Wave Serpents against the bike army just makes it even more difficult to play. Like, yeah, yeah. You, it's a hard game already. Mm. Yeah. It's really tough. Yeah. Um, so, is this a list that you're looking to to run a bit more now that you've? I would probably, in retrospect, I need more support units for the bike Death Star. Like things that will run with it or, or run around and do damage. The Death Wind drop pods haven't done a lot. No. The Achilles looks nice, like I said, but a couple of wounds from the fire here and there isn't really pulling its weight for 330 points. So, you know, that's two more, two more bike squads or some more drop pod units or something else. It's a bit scary. Um, I don't necessarily want more characters, but maybe more scoring. My scoring's really weak. Um, yeah. But at the core of it, I wanted, I wanted to try that Death Star at tournament, so it's going really well, I think. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, a, nice, uh, definitely a nice list. Um, we're going to speak to you a little bit later on about the ETC as well, so um, Matt Robertson's going to be uh, including you in our ETC mega episode that we uh, have got planned. Indeed. Um, so you're on three and one now, so this is after game four. Are you confident in qualification? I'd, I'd imagine. I've, yeah, I think because I've got three twenty nils, that's pushed me right up. Like yeah. after after the I lost um, game three to Matt Robinson's Knights because as did I. Yes. Yeah, well he managed he managed to stomp through the chas- chapter masters, oh. and if that happens, you you're done for. <laughs> but after that, we're still on the par with people who've got you know close wins and things. So I like yeah. the twenty nil system in terms of that scaled scoring. Mm. Um, just felt a bit, it was a bit harsh in our game, wasn't it? The yeah, I mean, when you're playing the relic in a 20 nil system, it can swing yeah. right round because um, that's you know that's 10 points right there for one one thing. Um, oh yeah, so um, let's talk about um, some of the stuff that you've seen here as well. We've already mentioned that there's no beast pack, um, which is kind of surprising because it is the last the last large scale tournament apart from Battlefield Birmingham that you can you're going to be able to use it in. And I'm sure people have it as well. I don't know if just after um, Adepticon, wasn't it, when Tony Kovach won with Wave Serpent Spam. Yeah. And I think that's just, the internet has just been a flood now with how awesome Wave Serpent Spam is. Yeah. And it is really good. And it's, it's point and click. It doesn't yeah. need to do your yeah. placement right. And I think... And I, I, I love the fact that the, that, that list as well, it doesn't really rely on any variance. It sort of pretty much removes the variance because everything's twin-linked. It sort of you know, it ignores cover if you're playing against armies that have got like huge amounts of, of, of uh, cover save buffs and yeah it's very point and click and delete yeah it's I mean, an important thing you don't, you don't need you don't need psychos at all and there's I think with beast back you can use bikers you can you just hear the hell's angels uh, in the background <laughs> but, uh, I, think, I think something's going on in Brighton this weekend I'm not sure I've seen a lot of them riding their hogs around no but even with um, the beast back you can still fail a roll or you can st- lose some into perils it's still it's still even more difficult to manage those powers Bloody hell. Yeah, Wave Serpent Spam. That's the new go-to list, isn't it? It's the new Necrons of the 5th edition. So. Uh, anything else here that's already caught your eye? Oh, the, some of the some of the Forge World stuff is a bit silly. Like, I've, I've taken that Achilles, like I said, it's 3.30. One of the guys... I think that's well-pointed, to be fair. Like, you know, an extra 80 points just to bolt a Thunder Fire Cannon onto the front of it is... Well, for 40 points more, I could have had the Typhon... Is it the Typhon Heavy Typhon, Destroyer? Yeah. With the seven inch large blast ignores cover. And I didn't realise as well if it's a Lord of War, super heavy, it does D6 odd, D6 plus something, um, Hammer of Wrath hits. Jesus. And on the four plus, they're strength 10 AP1. 
what's on and the, it's the blast is strength 1081 AP yeah so basically you can ram around with it and then yeah. use power the machine spirit to fire your blast as well so every turn you were taking out two units so I watched a bit of that in the last game That's that was quite scary mm. I played summoning farm first game that was summoning farm it just is such a a, a a game changer in terms of the balance of a game I'm glad they comped it to 15 dice if you have more than that you can so quickly include, increase the size of your army um, you know the guy played first game was had extra nine blood crushes every turn without fail didn't perils once um, and I was tr desperately trying to beat him down with the chapter master and friends but scary stuff it's hard when you're running a, a death star unit as well because you haven't got the um, but all your all your killing power is tied into that one unit so unless you can get like a great multi charge it's really difficult to to stop and especially the summoning farm I mean, he's summoning um, Black Crushers today, Chris yeah. Bolton. But um, when it starts summoning, you know, heralds or horrors, and it can start after it's got that initial threat out, you know, it can start bringing in more war charges and more summonings that can exponentially increase its size as well. So it, it, for me, I played him as well, and it was all about getting stuck in early and just trying my best to to whittle down the war charges that he did have. And that's the thing; you can do that because you've got that what exactly. Units? No, I've got six. Six, six. But even then, that's six units that are reliably beating one of his units in and, combat. And I've got two Thunderfire Cannons, and I've got that drop pod that's going to put a lot of wounds on you know, something like the Spawn unit or whatever. Yeah, I, I, I just have the Death Star Captain yeah. Masters. And they did, they did it. I mean, I was getting... I did manage to multi-assault two units of Blood Crushers and the Screamer Star. Wiped out all the Blood Crushers, but then he rolled a double one for his leadership oh, test no, on the, um, the no, Screamer Star. No, no, <laughs> no. So... Uh, that, that, I mean, again, I was looking at that game. We, we just about got to turn five because time is so difficult as well. Yeah. And, you know, he wasn't... We, I don't think Chris played it slowly, but when you have to roll all the dice, count them out, make sure I, you haven't I gone over... I had the same problem as well. And I think it's... Yeah, it's, it's the psychic phase takes, you know, a long time with that. And even the power generation at the beginning, he's got two level three sorcerers and then four level three heralds, plus the horrors. I mean, it's just... Fair play to him. He did have like it. He had the, he had these um, crib sheet. You need you need that. He you went through it. So organized. Like it. I was I was expecting it to take like half an hour, and mm. I was I was pleasantly surprised how quick Chris got through it. So I fair play to him. But I can see how it can easily just you, you, you spend too much time not playing. Yeah, I think I think if you if you're an experienced player that this you see, you'll just go. I know what powers I want. Bang bang bang, off we go. But you never know. You might play somebody who thinks it's a bad matchup for them, and they take a while to roll their powers. You never yeah, know what you're going to get in a yeah, tournament. It's yeah. a shame to say, but you do get that sometimes. No, so I'm, I'm pleased with well, I'm pleased with my list so far. I've seen some some funky stuff. Not a lot of flyers, which is pleasing. No, 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 not. not I can't think of like one flyer heavy list I've seen at all. There's a, there's neck on this with a couple of night sides, but yeah. I, I expected to see uh, like a six seven. Well, with Maelstrom, so. they're not that great, are they? Because you know they have to get out. No, but you I mean you can still happily give up because here it's a secondary for six points. You can just give that up and go. Mm. Oh, I'm going to win on the others. I'm going to win primary ten now. Um, yeah. I don't know. I've seen it forces your hand a bit, and I've not seen like any. Uh, can you can you self ally here or what's what's the what's the? Uh, no, so you can't. No, so so allies matrix still. Tyranids can't do sort of three hive tyrants, which they kind of. Need. No, but I think tyrannids should, tyrannids should be able to do that. That would that would help them balance their book a little yeah. bit. Um, you know they've got the data slate formations which help but I don't know 
and uh, Pocock's running uh, Flying, flying <laughs> Demons. <laughs> I don't want to well. play that. No. Yeah. Well, uh, like he did, he played um, Joel Spacewolf Cav last game, so he just flew around with four of Princes and Fate Weaver going Flickering Fire 46 over and over again. Yeah. It's not a fun game. Um, to be fair, they'll probably end up with like a two plus feel no pain. Um, but yeah, but it, it then just just volume of shots will get it with yeah. the high ballistic skill and the high strength. It's just nasty. And of course, um, they're ruling that all Thunderwolf Cav with um, fists and hammers are only strength nine. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, <coughs> I can see, I can just about see it for the wolf the wolf lords yeah. and I'm for the rune priests but I'm pretty sorry but not for the cavalry I think I, I know it's listed in the war gear but I think the intention is to have a strength ten I'd, character. Yeah. But I, I I would like to see things like that that you know are being noted as debatable or contentious within the competitive scene just get just get an FAQ out you know just just update it put it out there it's not a lot of effort for Games Workshop to upload a PDF that's updated and just but, but I think they don't like to acknowledge that the tournament scene exists I think they want, they want it to be the fluffy game of, of just forging narrative and, I mean yeah that's fine and lots of people play 40k like that well but, when, you're, when you're charging £30 for a rule book you, know, you need, yeah, to, it's, you need it's, to support the people that are, that are buying that and actually playing by the rules that you write so. this is it I mean, I, I, you look at other companies like Private Press or yeah Firestorm Armada as well this one the X-Wing yeah Fantasy Flight yeah, yeah they, I mean they they support it and it's fine and people can still play fluffy games they can play tournament games mm. absolutely fine I can't see the problem with it um, that's just the marketing ethos against Workshop but how are you enjoying 7th in general so far? Um, I think it's much better than 6th 6th yeah. was very stale for me at the end um, same armies over again psychic powers are so reliable I like the change ups I do like the, I do like the summoning powers I think they are cool yeah no, just definitely just a bit of comping like I said and then yeah I think, I think as a rule set it works the only thing I'm a bit I think is a bit of a fail is the lack of scenery rules so yeah I mean in some ways again no, that it's really simple You're just I moving up and down been, and yeah like, I, I like that I think that's, that's that's one of the reasons why a lot of people would say that you know games like War Machine and Hordes are quote unquote you know superior in terms of rule sets because they're a, there's a lot less rules yeah. you know the, the the complicated terrain rules that they used to have you know it definitely definitely makes it you know there's more things that can go wrong uh, with so many rules interacting but yeah I'm enjoying it I I didn't really enjoy the the sort of whole turn five objective grab sort of meta that you had control the middle of the table with a Death Star and jump on the objectives last the, the, the modified Maelstrom gonna... really helps I mean, I'm enjoying it I know obviously you, you went to the ETC and you played it as well it, it, it's a game changer when you haven't played it but it makes it can make games that are again like if you're playing a, you know, uh, a combat army against the Wasteland spam you can get points out of it you can potentially you know, drive I mean, game I mean a game that you've got no hope of winning the primary no mm. hope at all you can, you can draw that even giving up the primary entirely um, well ETC it's all single points as well so that yeah. it's, it all contributes to that same single part but yeah alright thank you very much um, all the best no worries dude thanks very much yeah. sure. for giving Cheers me a game you. sorry I punked you turn five no nah, it happens but, uh, I'm here to learn I'm here to it was good fun as well uh, it woke me up so yeah cheers alright see you later so moving swiftly on to game four next morning after a quiet-ish night yeah game four game four was a great game um a really, really annoying game in many, many ways. Not because of my, the, the, my opponent. He was a really nice fella. And the mayor just say as well, all my opponents this weekend have been great. Really nice guys. Uh, it's been six really good games, even though I've done absolutely awful. 
really good games. So um, this mission was relic, wasn't it? Relic. It was uh, Matt someone. You play Farsight Enclaves? No, Matt Randall was Forge World, wasn't he? Oh, no. Okay, so Matt, somebody. Matt, someone. I'm sure. He, basically, he took uh, Farsight Enclaves. It was a very basic, you know, basic Farsight list. So uh, as many units of suits as he could get with um, double weapons, and then two units of uh, broadsides. One was three man, one was two man, and they had as many drones as they could fit in there. Two units of uh, drone controller. Uh, two minutes. Two units of marker drones. Um, one of them had a commander in there with drone controller. Um, and it, it was a really frustrating list for both of us, I think, because we didn't really know what to do. We were both sort of mid-table. He moves his Riptide up first turn um, in range of my Thunderwolves. My Thunderwolves assault it and kill it. I get a really poor... Basically, if I'd rolled any more than, like, a three on my Consolidate, I could have been out of line of sight because there was a massive Fortress of Redemption in the, in the middle. But I didn't. I rolled, a, you know, one or two, and his whole army was... You know, basically able to just shoot them. <laughs> um, so I lost most of my uh, wolves, barring I think one and my lord, who then next turn just went around the corner and, and nothing could shoot them then. But we both didn't realise that the relic, in a nutshell, I mean, it was, it was kind of a, at the end, it was kind of a standoff between his broadsides and my broadsides, because I killed most, well, all of his suits, except for his broadsides and his lord and, and his drones. And so at the end, Neither of us realised that you could pick up the that you didn't have to pick up the relic. Um, obviously, I've been to the War Machine team. We played it. There. It was an objective, but I didn't realise that with the actual rulebook rules. I thought that was just the way you'd you know written the rules back. So, um, in, in turn five, I had I think a lot of my uh, my last Thunderwolf Cav on it. Carries on. Turn six, I had a Rhino on it, ready to pick it up in my you know if it got on to turn seven. Um, you know, but it carried on, and in turn seven, he manages to get his commander on there, and I said to him, you know, well, unfortunately he can't pick it up because it's not your movement phase, he jumped onto there, um, but then obviously on, on reflection, it was it was actually an 11-9 draw, uh, he had got sneaked one more, I think he sneaked one secondary past me, um, so we thought it was a draw, went to submit our results, so then I was informed by you, your little tool bag, that you don't have to pick up the objective, you just have, you know, you have to be near it, because it's yeah. an all objective. You did ask. Yeah, I did ask, I did ask. Um, which was fair enough, obviously I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna cheat him out of a, a win. Um, right. Um, so, um, it basically meant that it was a 16-4 win to him, um, but it was, I guess it was just kind of frustrating, because, uh, you know, that little bit of luck that was needed in, in a tournament, if it ended turn five or six, I would have won the game. Which sucks, but really nice guy, really really good game. Apart from that, so we are in. Uh, let's go back to Jesse. So my game five is my punt of the GT. I uh, I punt the game away, or I punt the whole tournament away. Um, so game five, I'm playing against Jack, who um, Matt here knows. He played him in the Invitational Finals. Um, not the most pleasant player to play against, um, but not a not a terrible game. Uh, we're playing. Fate Weaver comes in on turn two. Uh, Fady comes in on turn two. Goes Psychic Shriek. Um, 
Psychic Shrieks, my Warlord's unit, who came in first, he had bottom of turn, who came in. Psychic Shrieks, my Warlord's unit. I'm like, all right, I'll let it go. It's Warlord. It's my Farseer and three chop bikes. He rolls um, trip sixes. I fell five out of five invulnerable saves. He picks up Warlord. I, however, picked up First Blood because in turn one, for whatever reason, he summoned a disc herald on uh, a disc herald each and then let him get shot by all my Wraith Lords or Wraith Knights. Just left him out in the open. So I kill the disc herald. I get First Blood. He gets Warlord. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little bit behind. He makes his he's playing a, a list. Uh, one of your guys, I think, are, are playing a list very similar, Matt. You were telling me, yeah, but he's, I think it's Matt Edmund. Usually. Yeah, he, he's playing, you know, uh, screamers, uh, screamers with two Z, uh, two Z heralds. He's playing plague drones with two Nurgle heralds, and the Nurgle heralds are really slowing him down. So he tries to reposition and doesn't get the rolls he needs, and kind of leaves him caught out. I charge him with a single Imperial Knight. I get four hits, four wounds, two of which are twos, two of which are sixes. Uh, he has endurance up. So I go, you know, I remove two plague drones. He fails his invulnerable save on both of his heralds. I kill off both of his heralds. I then proceed to stomp, roll a six, remove four plague drones, stomp, roll a six, remove like two more plague drones. He's done like one or two plague drones and he just fails instability and poofs. So now he's like, Super backed into a corner. I'm in a great spot. I killed his Plague Drone Star. His Screamers, I've just been harassing the whole time because he didn't get a single Cursed Earth. I've just been harassing with Battle Cannons, killing out Screamers. Um, I'm in position. I have total board control, even though he has bottom of turn. Total board control. We both lose track of what turn it is. So, game ends on turn five. I notice it's bottom of turn five. He flew Fate Weaver off, and he's like, well, I never would have flown Fate Weaver off. I'm like, well, the game ended. You flew Fate Weaver off. I have Warlord. And he was like, oh, okay. And I thought the game was scouring, and I felt like I was kind of being a little bit of a dick by pulling that card on him. Like, well, you you, you flew him off, now have Warlord. But the obvious choice is you don't fly Fate Weaver off the board. Like, he, he moved him up and ran him off. He had other plays. And so I kind of felt like I was being a dick, and he's like, well, I would have turbo-boosted this guy. And I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. You can have it. And I then realized it was big guns. He killed a, a Wraith Knight, and I went from getting a 7-0 win to a 4-3 loss, um, all because I didn't read the mission packet, and I let him make a move after the game ended. So I went from having Battle for Salvation pretty much locked up because I would have played Ganyo in the finals. We all know Ganyo's a great player, but uh, – Whereas it would have been a great game for us to play. He was worried. I was confident that his list couldn't do anything against me. Like, it was a lot of anti-infantry shooting. Luckily, I have big dumb idiots. Like all Americans. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, Let's get that one I basically, I, I punted the, the entire GT away. You know, it's, it's my fault. And I never should have let him make a move after the game ended. And, uh, you know, I'm still living with getting made fun of by everybody on the team for doing it. It, it was pretty uh, brutal. You mean which part? The fact that you thought it was scouring, but there were only four objectives on the table? Or the fact where you felt like a dick for making somebody play by the rules and then decide to let him just change the rules when the game ended and beat you? Those parts. Ah, yes. Yes. See? I like the fact there was four objectives. That. 
That's the giveaway. Yeah, well, you know. Yeah, it was scouring. There were only four objectives at the table, but it was definitely scouring. I mean, I was, I was sitting everywhere. Hey, Matt, nice goal. I was sitting everywhere. I mean, I thought I, yeah, it was, it was. I can't believe I punted BFS. Like, I call that beard logic. Yeah, it was, it was terrible. It my my, be- my beard let me down. But to see, to see his face go from, go from like. Pure, oh, I got this. It's going to be an easy game. And he, the whole time he was telling me, Adamantium Lance is so bad. Um, you know, I was going to play it, but I didn't think it was possible to win a tournament with it. It's, it's just not a good list, blah, blah, blah. And then literally to see his face go from, you know, turns one and two, he, he thinks he's got this game. It's going to be an easy lock game to I wipe his play drone star. And he panics the entire game. And he just gets like really down about it the entire time and it was like you know that's because adamantium lance is so bad right i mean that's why i just rolled four sixes and killed 600 points of your army so after game five i needed to luckily we ended with with some time i just i needed to to take a a big like what the fuck did i just do breather at which point you know i've been getting the the same shit that i'm getting off of that right now and um, you know what? Learn from your pathetic mistakes. Like it was a terrible play on my end. Like I ne- it never should have happened. But I mean, shit happens. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <clears throat> well, you're not. Nice. So my game five kind of started on game at the end of game four. Actually, um, I knew I was going to play the winner of a Adamantium Lance versus Deathwing Knight matchup. And was kind of confident I was going to be playing the Adamantium Lance. Um, so I was kind of hovering around the table just to kind of see what was going on. Um, and next thing I know, I turn around and there's only one Imperial Knight at the table. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And next thing I know, the Deathwing Knight player beat the Adamantium Lance player. Now, let me tell you that the Deathwing Knight player had only been playing the game for four months. This was his fifth tournament game or fourth tournament game ever his like 20th game ever and he beat adamantium lance um so i was kind of impressed so the guy sits at the table round five and we're talking and he's like you know his list was some black knights some dark angel terminators um ezekiel and a librarian some devastators the plasma cannons a land raider like it was really kind of all and a drop unit of drop marines um, it was really – oh, and uh, I guess two Vindicators. It was kind of all over the place. Um, I guess, you know, as he said, he kind of like just bought models that he thought were cool. Um, so we talked – we actually talked out a majority of the game. You know, I'm a big fan of – if he wants to learn and he's willing to like – we talked out a lot of like what my army could do. So every turn I'm like, yeah, I could either do this and this because I didn't – you know, I feel like at this point we're going to play the game. I, I was pretty confident. I have a bunch of grav. Um and Melta, and he has guys like, you know, he has two up armor saves, so the grav guns are just going to tear through him. Um, he winds up, I, I go out on the limb for first blood, feeling like the game was going to kind of good, very well come to the first blood matchup. Um, he then got a, uh, a 10 inch charge off with his knights into the unit. And I'm like, okay, I don't mind being in combat here. He's not going to kill through me. I'm going to hit and run out and then shoot him up. Um, which is what happened. He he didn't kill all of my guys. He killed most of them. I lost um, the chapter master, all th- or two of my iron priests, and all but two. I, I kept the apothecary and one of the command squad guy. 
um, and killed like two of his knights. So it really wasn't going well. I decided to not roll well. He just stood his head with three up and mold saves with the knights. Um, so it wasn't going great. I got my hit and run off. That was the hit and run I passed the tournament. Um, I hit and run out. I kind of all my bikes come in from reserve, so I shoot the crap out of them. He did decide to not pass three up and mold saves that time. Um, I went off and charged and demolished his land raider, and then my one iron priest that was left alive just kind of ran around the table blowing up the vindicators and the rhino he had and the random other stuff, and I was able to just kind of whittle him down. He played the game fantastically well for being a new player. Like, he understood when I explained what my army did. I'm like, oh, yeah, so I here's all my special rules. I'm like, every turn he was like, and history is like, so I think you're going to do this and this. And he was really like spot on with understanding my strategy after having incredibly minimal experience. Like he had never played against a space Marine bike player. Um, and he kind of caught on very quickly to what I was going to be doing. So I was impressed. Um, great guy. We had a fantastic game. I, I wound up beating him in the end, uh, which then would put me into the finals for the bracket. And that was my round five. My round five was against Christoph from Poland. Um, whose surname I'm not going to try and pronounce. Matt, how do you say his? Pish. Sorry? I think it's... Pishk. I got shouted at probably <coughs> wrong over the week. Well, that's why I'm not going to pronounce it. So, yes, I played Christoph from uh, Poland. He's on the Polish ETC team. Um, he played a carry-on luggage Grey Knight army, which consisted of 20 Terminators, a Librarian in Terminator armor, and three Dread Knights. Um, I have loads of grav guns and we played, I think he, he rolled the infiltrate warlord trait. Um, um, so he basically started everything far forward. I started everything up on the line and scouted around to the side. Um, I had a horrific first turn of shooting against him. I put the assault centurions down next to a huddled up unit of Terminators and he proceeded to um, lose seven Terminators and the Librarian as well. We actually He actually rolled double ones on Lookout Sir into an armor save twice in a row on the Librarian. Um, and I put a Thunderfire Cannon into the unit as well and killed another two. So he was left with one Terminator left. Um, However, I couldn't really deal with his Dread Knights because um, I just didn't have enough grav. Like I had, I know I've got two, two, two units of, of of grav bikes, but there just wasn't enough because he was able to just focus focus fire on the grav stuff. The melter stuff wasn't, you know, really doing enough wounds before um, he was able to pick them off. Um, so in the end, it actually ended up being quite close. He brought in a second unit of Terminators, um, split them off. Uh, was able to hold like his left side of the table, the right side of the table. He was pushing forward the um, Dread Knights all together. Um, they all had the, the Flamers. Um, two of them had the Gatling Silencers, and one of them had a Psy Cannon, I think it was. Um, and yeah, he proceeded to sort of eat through my left-hand side of the board with three Dread Knights. Um, I managed to do loads of wounds on them, though, with Thunderfire Cannons. His rolls, like his saving throws, were terrible, really, really bad. Um, in the end, I managed to kill two of the Dread Knights. We had one Dread Knight left, but it was on my home objective. So, yeah, he had a, a Dread Knight on the objective that was in my left-hand corner. I was holding 
being the one that was in the far left-hand corner. He was holding one that was in the middle um, with his one Terminator and his other um, combat squad Terminators were on the far right-hand corner holding an objective as well um, after psychaning up a unit of bikes. Um, <clears throat> so in the last turn... I charged the Khan and two remaining bikers into the guy that was holding the middle objective um, and didn't manage to kill him, but I contested it. Um, so it was actually, a, it would have been a draw, but he went for the win in the last turn. And for some reason on his Dread Knight that was holding the objective in my corner, um, I had like one bike contesting and he tried to shoot it with a Gatling silencer. But in his psychic phase, he cast force to shoot a guy with one wound. So that was really, really weird. And of course he perils um, and killed himself. So I managed to win off of that. Um, so he rolled absolutely terribly. Um, I played pretty badly. I didn't really know what to do to deal with the Dread Knights. I was a bit too spread out, I think. Um, and I ended up winning that 20-0. But um, he was clearly a better player than me. And he's an absolutely brilliant guy as well. Really, really nice playing, Chris. Um, and yeah, that was my that was my game five. Good on to me then next time. You're the only one left, sir. So game five, I played Mike Fox, who was running two Imperial Knights, four Wave Serpents, and a Spirit Serp with a Shard. So, basics of the game, his knight, he summons some uh, horrors into the centre of the board. Managed to get a knight in there and leave one horror left alive, unfortunately, which stops me getting first blood, and then that horror stays around, actually, really annoyingly. He then charges in two knights into my one knight. We trade one knight of mine for one of his, because swinging at the same time through terrain. Oh, sorry, we weren't swinging at the same time, but he, we just happened to smash each other up. Then, what happened after that? Yeah, he, later on, he managed to shoot one knight, which exploded into the other knight and blew that one up as well, which was annoying. And then that one horror being left alive earlier on managed to survive another turn, summon another unit horrors off itself. By the end of the game, I think I had tertiary. Uh, he was one up on the Maelstrom, and he, I needed to kill a unit of five Dire Avengers, or four Dire Avengers sat on an objective, with two Riptides, Nova Charging, and SMS. And then, if I could get a jump onto that objective, or if they'd run away, I would have won because I would have had uh, the scouring points with three points. Three points were contested in the middle. We had a two each and a one each contested. So if I could have cleared him off that one, I would have won primary. Unfortunately, he passed seven or eight out of the ten saves, I think, and then didn't run off. So he ended up winning that machine. I think it was 16-4 or it might have been 18-2. I can't fully remember off the top of my head. Yeah, so that was a loss to me, which put him slightly in the lead 
and he ended up playing Oliver Iyer top table last game and I went on to play Courtney again which because we're on table two we weren't allowed to swap so we have to play twice in the same day so going into game five how many points do you on total? <laughs> I don't know <laughs> 22 so I have a possible what? 80 Eight, yes, well, yeah. no, so not no, looking, no, it's 16. 16 no. Yeah, 18, yeah. no, 18. Yeah. So, not looking too great for qualifying, but there's, there's still hope. No, so yeah, there's still hope. game five coming up. Ah, uh, game five, and I'm on table 17, by the way, for the last two games. Yeah, this was your third game on there, wasn't it? Yeah, third game on table 17, and I was getting a bit fed up with that Fortress of Redemption, but... I could have, uh, you know, I could have asked to move, but I didn't want to inconvenience other players who probably were on the same table as well. Um, yeah, I was playing against this was Matt Randall, and he was using, um, I think it was Clan Ralkin Primary, uh, Blood Angels Secondary, and uh, it was as much Forge World as I think I've ever played in a, in a list. Really interesting list, and I'm sure if I knew what was going on. It would have been a great fun game, you know. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, really nice guy. Um, so I'm not. It's not. It's just the fact that I had no idea what any of the stuff did. I mean, he went through it once, but it's just not enough, is it? When you're not playing it before. Um, so I think his army had uh, two contempt of dreads with the horrible assault cannon things. Uh, yeah, the six shot assault cannons. Yeah, six shot rending assault cannons. He had two sicarans, which. Uh, I don't, yeah, the, the big auto kind of things. And then he had uh, a, a land raider with the, the Blood Angels, uh, you know, ally. So that was an obsec land raider, which is always fun. Um, and I think he had a drop pod with just some marines with a couple of melters and, uh, yeah, uh, with a couple of melters and a librarian just to get like psychic shriek on things that needed. Um, and yeah, basically didn't realise this, when I sort of set up I didn't really know what was going on didn't know what, what could do what, but everything in that list, barring the Contempt of Dreads uh, outranges me quite significantly so there's only so far I can set up on my broadsides, I set as far up for, as far as I could with my broadsides, he ignored them he went from Thunderwolf Cav um, the kind of the, the good thing about the, uh, the Fortress of Redemption in the middle is that it provides some good loss blocking, but it wasn't good for Thunderwolf Cav because they're that, that really annoying height where they kind of you can just see them you know what I mean just a little bit too tall yeah just a little bit too tall so I was thinking I, I'm going to hide there and then when I actually looked it's like oh yeah you can see yeah, their heads poking over the top which kind of sucked um, but yeah there's not much I can really do about that every time I sort of tried to sort of push forward I, I lost a lot so every time I tried to get in range from my, my uh, my broadsides, uh, he's got fast vehicles, so he just moves 12s back and outranges them again. Um, and eventually, I think we called it, it was an 18-2, 18-2 to him. So, not looking too good towards the end? Uh, yeah, well, I've had better. <laughs> <laughs> I've had better. But, essentially, um, at this point, I don't, well, I think I probably could have come, come last, but I don't think I wanted to come that last. Yeah, I think... Uh, Game six, I think you may have been playing for last place in the end, possibly. True, true. So second year two in a row. Years in a row yeah. yeah, second year's running. Um, no. Last game, obviously, Jesse, you're feeling a bit um, disappointed, I guess. 
Um, so last game came around. Uh, Ganyo ended up beating Nick Natavati um, on table one uh, to go into the finals. So it ended up being me versus Nick to determine third place. Nick wanted to play. Nick wanted to watch the finals, and he was like, "Ah, oh, you know, uh, I'm not into running for battle master or anything. He's like, I'll give you the win and all that." So we're sitting there, we're bullshitting uh, before anything happens, and after like. 30, 40 minutes of bullshitting, he turns around and goes, oh, there's no way your army list would beat me. I'm like, oh. He's like, yeah, it's, impos- <laughs> it's impossible. There's no way whatsoever you you can win this game. I'm like, all right, well, let's play. So we, we, we rack up 40 minutes into the round, and we play in like 30 minutes. And needless to say, um, things were not good for Nick. So he's playing Eldar or Dark Eldar with Tyranids, or Tyranids with Dark Eldar, and he took a homunculus with a Webway and a Raider, uh, just so he could take um, Webway Portal and fly out of the middle of the table. Well, when your whole army is flying monstrous creatures, you need to land to hold objectives. So in this game, I shot him with Wraith Knights. I shot both. I. I Moloch in close combat, shot another Moloch with, with Wraith Knight, and rolled a six. So the Moloch went away. Yeah. Uh, I, his Turvagon came out of the center and made some gaunts. I charged a Turvagon, charged a, uh, a Harpy, or a Crone that was... He had a Crone close to um, his Turvagon, so I kept shooting the Turvagon blasts and hitting the Crone. And it got grounded, so I charged the Crone and the, the Turvagon, killed both of them with Imperial Knights. The explosion then killed most of his Gaunts, and he had to land his Hive Tyrants down to hold objectives. I had bottom of turn, so I charged him mm. uh, and killed him. He was left with one wound on his non-Warlord Hive Tyrant at the end of the game. To I only had one Imperial Knight left, and uh, both my Wraith Knights and then... I think a jet bike, but it didn't matter. Like at the end of the game, he managed to kill the Imperial Knights, but he, he just, he couldn't deal with me. Um, so it was, uh, it was quite the different aspect that he thought. And, um, I learned today. So, uh, that was it. I ended up, uh, with that win, I came in third. I was in the running for Battlemaster. Um, in the finals, it, like I said, it was team Stomper Grounds and, and rolled a wound. Uh, Andrew ended up losing on six to Jack. Uh, so rolled a wound, won the tournament. Andrew came in second. I came in third and I, me, Andrew and, uh, Eric Hoger, who ended up winning, were all, were all the guys in the running for Battlemaster. So just barely missed Battlemaster. Andrew barely missed best overall as well. So overall, the team had going at the tournament. Sounds like it. Definitely sounds like it. Uh, Matt, so how's um, your game six go? So my game was for the bracket. Uh, the guy I was playing had played uh, one of our buddies, Trevor Rowe, earlier in the tournament. And I noticed against Trevor, they had a lot of issues at the table. Um, Trevor had, was being a screamer star that can obviously very easily get a two-up real one bone save. Uh, he didn't think that was possible. And when Trevor explained it to him, he called a judge. Uh, Bob sent the judge over and explained to him how it works. And the guy proceeded to curse for the next five minutes about how broken that is, how ridiculous that is. Um, and it should be banned from every tournament everywhere. So the guy was not like, he's one of those guys who felt that anything that was good should not be allowed. Um, 
and I watched him kind of get baited by Trevor into a lot of bad plays, so I kind of was able to use a little bit of that in my last game. Um, so he was playing a Space Wolf list. He had a Wolfguard Battle Leader on a Thunderwolf mount with a hammer and a shield. Um, he had an Iron Priest in the unit and then a unit of Thunderwolves. He then had a Wolfguard Battle Leader with a Jump Pack and a unit of um, Wolfguard, all with Jump Packs and all with Thunder Hammer Storm Shields. So not – and then he had um, a Storm Talon – a drop pod with a dreadnought in it, um, a unit of wolf or a unit of gray hunters with a land or the sorry a razorback that was twin link glass. So his list wasn't fantastic. Um, I kind of scout up and I he so he deploys his I guess you would call it his like little jump pack squad on one side of uh, of Dawn of War and his Thunderwolves on the other. So. He was go. Or I was going first, so I'm like, okay, that's pretty simple. I um, oh no, sorry. He, I was going first, so I scout up. I scout move over towards the jump backs. I'd obviously rather fight them. He comes over the edge, and I'm like, all right, there's no way he's going to charge with the jump backs. Well, he decided that charging me with the jump backs was the best option. Um, it didn't go well for him. I wiped the unit of jump backs. I get first blood. I'm like, okay. So his thunderwolves are now all the way over on the other side. Well, his maelstrom all kind of fell to him. And he just started getting like really good maelstrom. So I'm cleaning up his other side of the art of the table. Um, and I'm really worried about the storm wolf when it comes in, uh, the storm wolf comes in, it does really nothing the first turn. Um, and he's really, you know, he, he, he moved it really close so that the last cannons actually couldn't see anything. And when he placed the thing, even though it was for the bracket and the guy had kind of been like, the guy was annoyed because I was taking armor saves and like, so I had a two up, I had an Iron Priest brought with a two-up armor save, and I'm rolling my armor saves one at a time. And he's like, well, he has two wounds. You, you need to roll them two at a time. I'm like, no, I can roll them one at a time. He's like, well, why? I'm like, well, because if he takes one, I'm going to look out, sir, the next one. Because there's no point in – because I had another Iron Priest behind him. Like, there's no pre- point in letting him take two wounds. I just look out to another one. And he's like, well, that's really cheesy. That's really stupid. You shouldn't be allowed to do that. And then I finally fell to a barmer save. I'm like, okay, five up, feel no pain. And I pass my five up, feel pain. He's like, how do you have feel no pain? I'm like, I have an apothecary. He's like, well, that doesn't confer to the unit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Does he's like, well, only the only the the command squad, not the Thunderwolves. The unit. I'm like, no, it it does. Um, so it was. He just wasn't very happy with it. He flies a stormwolf on. Stormwolf doesn't do anything. I actually let him back the stormwolf off a little bit, so the Lazcans can actually see something. Because um, he like he moves it on. I'm like, hey, just let you know if you put it there, you won't be able to shoot. With your last cannon. He's like, why not? I'm like, well, look at the last cannon. Can you draw a line of sight to anything? He's like, yeah. And I go around the other table. I'm like, there's no way. And I kind of show him. He had a laser pointer at the table. So I put the laser pointer on the last cannon. I'm like, this doesn't hit anything. So I let him, you know, he backed the thing up. Um, He then put it in hover the next turn and just let me assault it. And, like, I was really worried about this because this was a legitimate threat for me. And he just put it into hover in front of an iron priest. And I'm like, uh, sure. Okay. Um, and killed it. So then going into last turn, I, our Thunderwolf units collided and nothing came out really alive. I had a Wolfguard battle leader left and one iron priest or just, I was like, Wolfguard battle leader and Khan. So Khan went and ran a corner, hit an objective. He had some terminators and a wolf or, um, a gray hunter unit in the other side of the table. We're splitting objectives. He's beating me on maelstrom. And I knew I had to do something on primary, um, on primary, which were tied on at the point. So I dropped my Wolfguard battle leader out in the open, and he has his Terminators right there. I, was, I, was, I, dropped, I dropped Khan out in the open at this point. And Khan is my warlord, 
he doesn't really matter because Warlord's not going to matter in this particular game. So he is bottom of turn and actually leaves the objective he's holding with the Terminators to come kill to come get Warlord on turn five. And I'm kind of sitting there and I'm like, all right, like that's what I kind of that's what I want him to do. Um, I watched him make a lot of greedy plays against Trevor because we were playing next to him, and I I kind of figured if he stayed on the objective, we were tied on primaries. And it actually would have come down on, on turn five to secondaries, which I was pretty confident, or tiebreaker, which I was pretty confident at that point he had me on a battle points. Um, but I didn't actually sit down and do the math. I was left with like a five man, uh, an, an Iron Priest, and a and Khan. He had like a Terminator squad, a Rhino, and a couple Wolfguard. Um, it was too close. I wasn't going to sit there and start doing all the math. And so he leaves the objective to come out and get Khan. Um, charges Khan. Doesn't actually kill him through the four-up and save with the three Terminators. And he con hit and runs out, fails hit and run. But at this point now, the Wolfguard Battler comes over, clubs all of them, and I can consolidate onto both of the objectives he has and wound up max pointing him because he just kind of baited himself off the off the objective. So um, that wound up giving the bracket. Uh, the guy actually went on to win best overall, which I have no clue how that happened with him having a three-and-three three record and a decent – painted army um it, it look, i'm sorry a well-painted army but nothing certainly that i think deserved best overall and his battle points weren't great i was really surprised when i heard that he he won best overall um i just couldn't frankly believe it uh so yeah um that won me the bracket uh i was i guess happy with the result but i i kind of want a low bracket so at the end of the day it's kind of i should have finished i should have frankly not been there so it is what it is uh, at least somebody from the from you know between me and Jesse brought home some kind of hardware. Jesse has brought brought home a bunch of frowny faces. <laughs> uh, um, so I was three and two going into my last game, which I think meant that I'd qualified for GT finals, which was great. I was happy with that. Um, I would have definitely liked to have gone four and two. So um, we were playing. I can't remember what the mission was. Matt, was the mission? Last mission? The last mission was a full objective crusade contest. That was the one. Um, and we were playing um, Hammer and Anvil. Hammer and Anvil. I was playing against Lee Brown, who plays on the Irish ETC team. He was using uh, Eldar with a Farseer, um, two units of Dire Avengers in Serpents with... Um, no upgrades apart from the Shuriken Cannon. Um, he had two units of Fire Dragons also in the same um, Wave Serpents. He had two Wraith Knights and he had three Walkers with double scatter lasers. Um, so he had a lot of Dakar. Uh, he was putting out a lot of shots and I didn't fancy having to drive across the table uh, even though I went first. Um, so I actually outflanked all of my White Scars units. Um, I deployed my two Wolfguard bikes. I deployed my two Thunderfires. And because it was contact loss, I deployed... Um, um, I deployed Khan, sort of hidden behind a piece of um, terrain out of sight, just so he could get me a uh, guaranteed uh, Maelstrom card every turn. Um so basically, I ploughed my Wolfguard forwards, dropped my drop pods in his um, in his lines. I flamed and bolted the Walkers, 
because um, that was pretty much all I had a chance of doing anything to because um, he'd parked his uh, wave serpents with their backs up against um, like buildings that I wouldn't be able to get rear arcs on. Um, managed to kill um, a war walker and put a hole point in another one. Um, shot Thunderfire cannons into the middle of his nicely lined up wave serpents. Um, obviously managed to flip a couple um, so he didn't get a jinx save. I actually managed to put two hole points on one and a hole point on another uh, and just turbo boosted my wolf guard nice up close so I could um, try and get in combat as quickly as possible, see if there's anything left because they were sort of throwaway units by that point. Uh, his turn, he got everything out of the serpents and put a million shots into my wolf guard bikes, killed all ten of them, um, charged into combat with my centurions with his wraith, one of his wraith knights, um, and managed to kill um, two of them, I think. Um, my turn, I managed to get three bite units come on, which was really cool. Um, I got two melters on from one side, so they came in and wrecked a um, wave serpent. Uh, grab bikes came on from another side and managed to kill one of his wraith knights. <clears throat> his return fire pretty much killed... 75% of those bikes though um, which was a shame <laughs> it basically ended up being me flinging um, Thunderfire cannon shots across the table um, picking up Maelstrom points he tried to drive a, um, a wave serpent across the board and get uh, one of the objectives in my quarter uh, sorry in my, in my corner um, I charged that with Khan and managed to hit four times and do three hole points on it in one turn of combat and wreck it, which is pretty nice. Um, so that was that. Um, we ended up drawing on um, primary, um, but he beat me by one point in the Maelstrom and one point in the um, tertiary, so he ended up winning 15-5. Where did that end up leaving you overall then after results? Um, I think when you factor in... Because uh, it included like painting and army list representation, all that sort of stuff. But I, I finished 21st, I think, out of the field, so I managed to qualify still. Um, yeah, so after a couple of spaces were dropped down, yeah. you just scraped just through. through. Um, cool. But yeah, thanks for lending me loads of bikes, Matt. I do appreciate it. Um, no problem. If I hadn't qualified, I'd have moaned at your painting standards. Um. <laughs> yeah, just because they were picked. It's all good. It's all good. So game six was against Mark Randall, and it was against um, Tyrion Skyblight. And to be honest, I was kind of thankful because this was a list that I was kind of geared towards, really. Um, yeah, so it kind of went how you expect. He got infiltrate. He moved three units within my broadsides range, and the first time my broadsides kind of removed them, or removed most of them. And uh, it was just—it wasn't a really a fun game for him. Every time he tried to fly at me with his flyerants, my broadside just shot him down before they could do anything. My Thunderwolves were just running a mock. They killed everything, and eventually it was just—it was just a tabling. So, so uh, broadsides yeah. cleared the skies as Thunderwolves, everything on the ground. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, he got—he got kind of unlucky with his uh, gargoyle rolls as well, because obviously Skyblight can get him back on a four plus, and he got one of them back on dying turn seven, which could have been really good. But because my Thunderwolf card had munched everything, you know, in his army, they were on the back, his baseline yeah. waiting for them to come out. So, 
So they just air up again after Yeah, basically, yeah. So it was. So, uh, end of game six, 20 0 win. How many. Where did that leave you in the end? Well, results, actually, a lot better than I thought it would be. Um, obviously, playing for last place, and I ended up sort of uh, 26th, which is mid, mid-table. Two places away from qualifying again. So, yet again, another heat that I didn't qualify. But it was a great tournament. Really fun. Really nice opponents. I don't really think I had any problems with anyone uh, at all. I've, hopefully, they all like me as well. <laughs> so, yeah, um, really good really good event um so going into the last game how did you go cool so i'm playing on table two a few points behind the guys in table one so playing for a podium finish if i can do well uh, playing courtney Rhodes again so played him first game in the morning i had to play him last game uh, the mission as alex said was four objectives for uh cleanse and about six objectives total for contact lost playing hammer and anvil uh, I'm, he moves up, runs forward with his conscripts. I move up and charge with two knights into them. The two bike squads run down either flank. One knight splits off, goes into one squad. The two riptides pummel another, leaving one bike. Uh, I kill over half the conscripts. I think my battle cannon guy manages to kill 18 on his own. So he'd have to bunch up just to throw him forward and get where they needed to be. Uh, he then hit and runs out into my backfield. Chatsmaster splits off, joins the one solo bike, goes and punches a riptide, leaving it on one wound, but stuck in combat annoyingly. Uh, I then, in my turn two, Novacharge that riptide, kill it, uh, which means I can shoot it with my other riptide and Imperial Knight to try and finish them off. One knight goes into his conscripts just to time and place, keep them where they are. Basically, I'm sat with two objectives in my backfield, one in the middle of the board, and one in his end, which count towards the cleanse. So I'm like, I'm happy for him to have that one. I'll keep my troops from Riptide alive. I'll take my two. And then it's just going to come down to the one mid board. At some point, he's going to have to push for it. When he does, can I stop him? So he put, with him having first turn, he pushes on to it turn five with his librarian and a bike and five guys from a command squad that have been hiding in a ruin. Uh, so my knight pushes onto it and manages to kill him off, which leaves it as three objectives to me and one to him. Because I basically just sat in my half, killed the chatsmaster through my backfield, killed the bikes and just stopped him from pushing forward and had objective control really. Which gave me an 18-2 win in the end in that game. And then with top table getting a, I think it was a 10-all draw or a 12-8, it ended up pushing me up into first place. And with Mike Folks coming in second and Oliver I coming in third. So that was Tau, Imperial Knights top, Eldar, Imperial Knights second, and Guard, Space Marines in third. I had a really good weekend. I really enjoyed it. It was my first um, like GT experience. And I had a really good time. Um, everyone was really cool. Didn't really play any dicks. Um, didn't really see any idiots there either. Um, nice variety of different lists, and everyone was really cool. Everyone was just really, um, like, yeah, just really nice talking. And it was, I, I had a really good experience. So for people that might actually have an interest in getting into uh, 
independent stuff like don't be put off by the fact that it is the grand tournament gt or whatever like yeah it was it was definitely good um is there still tickets available for heat three yes at the moment if anyone's interested heat three is 8th and 9th november up in warrington which hosted by my good self will include uh, a night out of some sort probably a chinese and then a few drinks uh yeah there's tickets left for that if anyone's interested all the details are on the warhammer forum or if you post on our facebook asking for details i will respond as quick as i can good stuff good stuff hey guys jesse here and i got i got a car full of people as we're on our way back from battle for salvation i have go man oh yeah that's me uh <laughs> stop driving yeah i'm trying to drive right <laughs> serena's here yeah bye and I have somebody else from Team Stomping Grounds who's in the car with us who was also playing at Battle for Salvation. Go yes, ahead. hi, it's Trevor Rowe. All right, so we're just giving you guys a little recap of what us Americans are doing over here. America. Fuck yeah! <laughs> uh, by the way, I heard some really good stuff that uh, Imperial Knights um, tore up heat. Uh, tore up the heat event, heat two, so uh, you guys are all welcome. Um, I know Justin Cook somewhere is jumping for joy that he just likes to bring you stupid list and then just ruin things. What are, what are you talking about? I'm clearly the better Imperial Knight player. But how did you... Oh, wait, we'll, we'll, get into that. we'll get into that later. No you, spoilers. Come on Don't now. you start. But anyway, um, yeah, so big dumb... Who would have thought big dumb idiots are big dumb and idiot-like and uh, seem to work pretty well? So uh, to go over, I'm going to just go over everybody's record here. Uh, so... Matt, how did you do? Uh, I finished four and two and won my bracket. And what was your uh, army? So I actually played the list that we talked about a little bit on the last episode. Um, the Thunderwolf and Space Green list I was playing before, let's just say I, I failed the math game and was coming in about 250 points over. So um, I obviously couldn't take that list. <laughs> you could have uh, tried. Look, look, look. We, we all know the year that Kovac had the magical three extra points. I, I we let that, They let that go in Nova. I don't think we're going to let me go 250 over. 260. You should have 260, 250. You should have enough. You should have manned up and went 300 points over, and you would have been the greater 3PO. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I wound up playing the list we talked about a little bit. So it was Chapter Master, um... Artificer, Shield Eternal, Fist, Khan on a bike, uh, five-man command squad, all with Grav, three Melt-the-Bombs, uh, obviously the Apothecary, uh, four five-man bike units, all with double Melta, Combi, Grav, Melt-the-Bomb, and then ally for the Company of the Great Wolf, two Wolfguard Battle Leaders, two Up Armor, three Up Invul, uh, Power Fist on one, Thunderham on the other, and then three Iron Priest. And Trevor, what did you end up playing? Uh, I played Screamer Star. Uh, basic gist is Fate Weaver, three Heralds, uh, Locust, Grim, Portaglyph, uh, nine Screamers, uh, 15 Dogs to back it up with two squads of 11 Pink Horrors, uh, Bellacore, and then two units of three Nerglings. Now, were, did you at any point get a chance to uh, Doomstone? Uh, yeah, actually, I did. Uh, I got to take the Doomstone in round two. Uh, I believe that was kill points. I'm not 100% sure. It was. Okay. Um, I played Sierra Council. That yeah. Uh, played against a, a Space Wolf player who had a wolf pack with some characters in it. 
uh, just decided it was as good a time as any to try it out. So, didn't really work out too well, won the game anyway, but it is what it is. Uh, For your uh, only win of the tournament. Uh, yeah, had a yeah. bit of a sloppy run. Two of my opponents ended up winning their brackets, so I'm not too, too upset about it, but... Ended one and three for the weekend. I and one up, of your opponents got best uh, overall. Yes, he did. Uh, the I only guy I beat. Also one of your opponents, the one you beat for your bracket. Yeah, right. The guy <laughs> I beat for my bracket got best overall. Figure that one out. Yes. Um, so I went ahead and I played big dumb idiots. Now Justin has been playing and swearing up and down about the riptides. You Matt brought it up the night of Nova, like the night before Nova. Just I unfortunately I couldn't get it together. You said Eldar was the way to go. Came back from Nova. We played the Pacific Rim. You know, after me, Matt, James, you know, we were all joking around about it. Played it. It was a ton of fun. Um, but I ended up going with the Eldar variant. So, honestly, as far as Imperial Knight armies go, um, it was a billion times more fun than the Riptide version. I just didn't even want to play because the Riptide version was boring. At least in this game, I got to do things. Yeah, so, six models is boring. Five models, really exciting. Yeah. Farseer counts as like two models because he makes models. Exactly. So I had a Farseer on bike, Runes of Witnessing, Spear, which I only threw once because it never mattered. Because, you know, I charged things with Imperial Knights. Or shot them with Malta Cannons. It don't <laughs> work. Go figure. I had a freak orbital, orbital environment that I only threw one from six games. Um, and then Spirit Stones of Anathalal. Eldar word. I didn't think it's English. Um, I could not fit Mantle the Laughing God in there. Actually, at the end of the day, I was super glad I did not have uh, Mantle because uh, there was a very a, a very good number of Ignore's cover. Being able to just bunker him with a unit of bikes proved to be uh, quite effective. Um, two three-man Eldar jet bike units, two two Wraith Knights, and an Adamantium Lance with uh, two Errants, one Paladin. So, one battle count and two melted cannons. Uh, I ended up going five and one, getting third place at the tournament. Um, if I didn't punt, we'll go into this now. I punted real hard, everybody. So, here's what happened before I get made fun of. You've already got made fun of a lot. A yeah, lot. <laughs> a lot. But before I get made fun of by you guys more in the car ride, uh, I am playing a game against Jack Harpster, who ended up going on to win the tournament. Uh, turn two... Psychic shrieks my Farseer squad. I'm like, okay, I'll... Fine. Um, I'll let it go. Save my dice for something more important. He So he, he casts Psychic Shriek from Fate Weaver. Basically nothing I can really do about it. He just flies in and picks him. Rolls trip sixes. I proceed to fail five invulnerable saves. Five out of five invulnerable saves on my Farseer to give up Warlord. But I got First Blood because in, in a game where First Blood was up for grabs, he spawned a disc arrow and then left it in the open. So I proceeded to shoot it with Wraith Knights, and it went away really quick. Yeah. As an um, avid demon player, that is a bold strategy to summon a Herald before First Blood is at. Uh, turn three comes around. I charge his Plague Drone Star with one Imperial Knight, and we'll go over the, all the top eight lists in a, in a minute. Or a couple minutes, but I charge him with one Imperial Knight. I roll four hits, two uh, two D three wounds, two sixes. Remove two plague drones, D three wounds, kill two heralds. Proceed to stomp, kill four more plague drones with a six. 
and he rolls boxcars and poofs. So I have a huge wind going on my end. I'm, I'm way ahead. I'm pummeling him. He has no troops left. He's not really able to summon much. Uh, we, we both lost track of game turns. I, we're tied on Maelstrom. Um, we, you know, I'm way ahead on primary. If anyone doesn't know, um, they use the Bay Area Open Packet, which uses a combination of uh, regular objectives, Maelstrom, and then First Blood, Warlord, Linebreaker. So I now have First Blood, Linebreaker. He has Warlord, um, but Screamer, so Linebreaker. He is bottom of turn. We both forget what turn it was. It came down to the game. We're rolling to see if the game ends, and he goes, oh, I didn't realize it was turn five. Can I move this model here? And I just sticklered him because he flew Fate Weaver off. And he was like, well, I never would have done that. And I was like, well, you did. The game ended. And I was like, sure, okay, fine. So I got first blood. So I had first blood Warlord Linebreaker. I was like, okay, fine. I thought the game was scouring. It was actually big guns. I thought I was up because I killed a unit of Screamers. I killed a unit of Plague Drones. Um, I was like, oh, I'm way up on this. I'm, you know, I'm basically I'm not going to be a dick about it, and it ended up screwing me because it was big guns. He killed a wraith knight. He was able to draw a contested objective on me, and in turn draw and be up by one on primary. So I went from a seven zero win to a four three loss. It was totally my fault. I didn't read the packet. Yeah, but so, so like you say it's your fault, but you know what? You say you don't want to be a dick. It's his fault for not knowing what the game turn ends. Like, personally, I don't understand how you can actually ask someone after a game is over to go move a model. And on top of that, I don't know how you can be dumb enough to let your opponent move a model after the game has ended. Oh, man, the game ended? Can I move this guy to a different spot in the table? Yeah, that's cool, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but, like, and I'm sorry, like, you're right, you're an idiot. No argue with that. That was real stupid. But at the same time, he shouldn't like, have asked. You shouldn't yeah, have allowed. He it. should feel bad for asking that. Like you should, if you're not, if you're a warmer player and you fuck up because you not you're not paying attention, you should feel bad if your only way of winning is to guilt your opponent into letting you just do something. That's cheating. So he ended up going on to play Andrew Gagno. Um, in the finals. Oh, speaking of which, you still have Gunner's list, Trevor. Oh, yes, I um, So he ended up going on to play Andrew Gunner in the finals. Um, pulled out a, a tight win or close win, uh, six to five against Andrew on turn six. Um, Andrew was, frankly, Andrew was happier to see him as his opponent than he was to see me. Uh, because you would have smashed it. We, uh, well, I think you would have a very good matchup. I would have had a very good matchup. Andrew is a phenomenal player. All you Brits should know him. I just wanted to Cap- see a, I Captain to see, French America. I just wanted to see two teams stomping on guys in the finals. Because Andrew so, a team stomping on guys. So it ended up being the, the finals quickly turned it, or the top bracket quickly turned into Roll to Wound versus Team Stomping Grounds. Um, I ended up playing Nick Nadavati in for third place. And uh, proceeded to, like, we, we were just sitting there talking through the game and, like, theory hammering it out before we even played. We didn't start playing until, until you know, 45 minutes into the round. And we still finished. It, we finished in sub-45 minutes. Our game was super quick. Um, and we were just sitting there, and he was like, there's no way he, I don't beat you. And I go, okay. 
So we play and he goes, oh, that's right. All my monstrous creatures have to land in order to hold these objectives. At which point I lose the adamantium lance because you have bottom of turn. And that's exactly what happened. I just charged everything he had. At the end of the game, I had um, two Wraith Knights, one Imperial Knight left. Seems like I, I'm really battered. But then again, you got to remember, I, I got like 900 points left on the table. And he has two wounds left on a non-warlord flyer, and that's it. It was it was just a bloodbath. Um, he needed a lot of Hail Marys to go his way, and he started to, but it just he couldn't pull back because he was on the ground. There was just nothing he could do. I mean, I just shot shrink ten shots at his crones, um, and that was pretty much all she wrote. So it was a very good game. You know, I had a blast playing Nick. So you went five and one overall. Um, so before we do any other recap, so you've got eleventh uh, company uh, GT, obviously one run by the podcast is our next GT. Um, what are your feelings? Uh, are you going to be hobbling around on the crutch again? Will you change the crutch? Give it a shiny new coat. No, I will just... probably be just running the straight up crutch as is. Um, mostly because right now I'm planning on testing uh, for LVO exclusively. That would be the Adamantium Crunch. Yes, the Adamantium Crunch. Lance, some people call it. We know it for its true name. It's a crutch. Uh, so I'm going to probably be testing pretty much exclusively for LVO and playing you know games here and there just to get the feel for the packet. But the packet is very straightforward. The LVO one? No. Um, I was say we just well, played the whole weekend on the yeah, LVO packet. The, the 11th company one. The big thing with the LVO is I'm definitely not taking a crutch to LVO, so I need to learn how to play an army. For oh that man, trip. it's so hard. I gotta play an actual army with Why? Forge World. With Forgery World. Why? It's, it's not really Forge World. They wouldn't actually buy shit from Forge World anymore, besides the people in England. Sorry, everyone. No, actually, I appreciate they all order from China too. And I think it still gets there faster. <laughs> um, sorry, that was your tournament. Any other fun, um, I mean, worthwhile things? Um, we'll go over a couple different, uh, a couple different things um, throughout the course of the tournament and all that. I, you know, any any important things? Stand, uh, so one big thing I want to note before I before I pose this question to Matt is. One big thing Battle for Salvation does over other tournaments is to avoid any suspicion of dice roll, you know, dice cheating and all that, which coincidentally popped up um, in a different yeah. event that's kind of like Feast of Blades. I'm sure we'll talk about that on the actual podcast. Yeah, it's kind of kind of getting some steam right now, uh, a thing to happen out there. But um, to avoid any issues with dice tampering and all that, they provide you with dice at the event, and it's chess X dice, and come up, you pick your cube, I obviously picked a cube of 12 big dice, and never had to roll more than that in my entire tournament, uh, you know, but I want to kind of go out on a limb here, Matt, and say, what is, what is the biggest thing you learned from this tournament? Well, see, it's something I learned from this tournament, it's something I've learned from playing Warhammer, I hate rolling dice, and, and rolling dice isn't fun. And not enjoyable. Um, so let's let's take a look at how at how my games have gone as a whole. So and how bad my dice were. They, they even up day two. I, I was actually got to the point where I was keeping track of my dice. On day one, I failed sixty one percent of my two up armor saves. Um, 
So I, day one was just awful. And day two, I went three out of day two. My dice evened out. They weren't even that good. They were just average. Like, I, I would take, like, six wounds, fell one to a barber save. I have a feeling of pain, probably would fail it. At least they felt like I was able to play the game. So I, I think I win the award for Lalzia's first blood of the tournament. Okay. Um, so, okay, I'm playing against a Wraith Knight, or a guy with uh, two Wraith Knights. It's turn one. Oh, no, sorry, I was there. Game, sorry, it was game three. So game round one, I play this guy, Joseph. Um, he is one of the hosts on the um, Veterans of the Long War podcast. It's a monthly podcast. Check it out. They're on um, all, the iP- or all the iTunes um, stuff. Veterans of the Long War, just like the cast space readability. Should be easy for you to remember. Um, we had a really good game. He had triple Wraith Knight, one being the Warlord, because he was going to land in. He had the three or the five Invulnerable saves. Became very relevant. And he had the Pure All Knight. So I failed, I failed a pretty long rerollable charge. Okay, no big deal. Um, I was able to dunk a Wraith Knight for first blood. I assault in with all of my Thunder Hammers against his Warlord. I cause 14 strength 10 AP2 wounds. I'm like, sweet. Gonna get this Warlord. He passes 10 out of 14, 5 up involved saves. I'm like, okay, that's fine. I got a hit and run. And the Imperial Knight was kind of on the side. Khan rolls his hit and run, rolls a 6. By the way, Khan only succeeded two hit and runs the entire tournament. And both of them were, one was in round 5, one was in round 6. I failed 11, 6, or 5, I guess, what is it? What would you call it? 5 down. 5 or less hit and runs throughout the course of the tournament. I was having a good, good tournament. Um, the Imperial Knight proceeds to come in, and as I have always had with him, every Imperial Knight player rolls a six on Chapter Master's head. Put the stop on Chapter Master six. Goodbye, Chapter Master. Great round. Uh, I got so I got beat. It was still a close game. Round two, I won, but here's where my lulziness came in. So my opponent has a bunch of random AP shooting. Dumps four AP two wounds in the Chapter Master. Um, so it's night fight. Uh, I wasn't going to be arranged to shoot anything relevant, so I declared Jake anyway. He knew his whole army was going to shoot at me. So, Chapter Master goes, all right, that's cool. Um, I, I had him Jake, because that guy's in cover. Chapter Master goes, three up in villain safe. Fails. Five up field pay. Fail. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, meh. I'll just look out to the rest. I got covers. Like, I'd rather take three ups than other guys. I don't really need my grab this game. All right, three dice. Roll three uh, look out serves. Trip ones. All right, no big deal. Pick up those three dice. Uh, three, all right, three, three up in mold saves. Fail them all. Okay, three, five up build up aids. Fail them all. First four shots of the game, Chapter Master falls. Um, proceeded to actually win that game still. Uh, I will not go into the details why. I was actually planning at that point at throwing the game because I'd rather at that point just drop down a bracket and then my opponent proceeded to annoy me to the point where I went from it. I told him I was going to, like, I really didn't care and I kind of want to drop brackets. And he annoyed me so much, I decided to table him. So, yeah, that was fun. So, Trevor, how about your only win? Your, your coveted, uh, your coveted championship win of the weekend. Yeah. Championship um, for crappiest player on the team. Yeah. It was a rough weekend. <laughs> Cook actually did almost as bad as I did. I uh, have more wins than you, sir. He was in. He played an extra game than I. He was in bracket two. He had more wins going yeah, in. I don't he, he was two and one going in. He had more wins after day one than you got all weekend. <laughs> so regardless, um, so my game two again, as Jesse pointed out, my only win of this tournament. Um, 
I went in with kind of the same mindset as Matt. I was thinking, you know, I lost round one. Maybe I should just aim for a lower bracket, pick up a bracket prize, see what I can do. Um, so on turn uh, one, I charged my dog unit into his Death Star, his Wolf Star. Um, fully expecting to lose half the unit, lose the other half the demonic instability. You know, exactly what I planned on doing. Um, you know, kind of seemed like I might have been trying to do something but throw the game at the same time. Uh, so he kills the unit, and my opponent, just like Matt's one opponent, kept complaining the entire game. He kept complaining about a two-upper rollable save on the Screamer Star. Well, actually, that was the same opponent. I played, oh, that, yeah, guy. I played that, that guy in round six. Um, and so I, I kind of got sick of it, decided to turn it up, and um, by the end of the game, he had like three models left on the board. And so I felt a little bad for it by the time the game ended, but, you know... Just don't keep picking on somebody while they're trying to throw the game at you. Um, but in general, the takeaway from Rules the tournament... Rules yeah. General takeaway from the tournament, whatever you're going to do, do it in excess in this game. Uh, Bellacore has been my MVP. I've been running the same exact list for months now. Try, uh, it was the list I took to Nova. Um, you know, so I've been playing it for a few months now. Bellacore, Strength 7, Armor Bane, 6 attacks on the charge, failed, failed to kill Razorbacks all day. It was disgusting. Um, the guy was just doing nothing for me. Uh, you know, whatever you're going to do, plan to screw it up and have a backup plan for it. It's okay. I had Bellacore, Charge 1 Imperial Knight, an Iron Arm Demon Prince with the Staff of Change, Charge another Imperial Knight, and a, yet a third Demon Prince with Endurance charge my last or not endurance uh, invisibility charge my last uh, imperial knight he proceeded to cause four whole points with the iron arm demon prince which I then rolled a six to wound on my D weapon and it went away he then proceeded to cause a single whole point on each of my other two imperial knights respectively by both Melacorn and this other demon prince then I proceeded to place my blast template hitting both of them, and then rolling sixes to wound, sixes for each of them, and they then went away. So, really good takeaway from this weekend? Roll Hero sixes. Are stupid. Roll sixes that to wound. Too. Yeah, everybody's favorite phrase, uh, hope for the best, plan for the worst. So, so always have a backup. I want to get into the, to, to the meat of what this discussion is about, what you guys think the meta is kind of shaped, like, the meta felt like there. It felt a little bit more stable than, than Nova did. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I agree more stable. Like, Nova was actually really well-rounded by the time I actually finished out. It felt, no, it, it definitely felt more stable. Well, okay, so this meta felt more accurate to actually having real rulings. Like, having a wave serpent that can't fire bullets out of its butt. Yeah. The top eight, though, I think had a lot of different lists, but nothing that you were really shocked to see after being in Nova. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, general, I think yeah. the biggest shocker was would honestly be the Ove- the mini Ovesta stuff that we'll get into. I think the Grey Knight list was the, was the uh, biggest shocker. Do you want to do a yeah, breakdown Grey of the list real quick? Well, we will, but I want to I want to actually go over what you guys thought the medal was at the tournament. Like just seeing the other brackets play, I'll um, go over the top eight. So we we all, I was talking with. Um, Ed and Bob, the guys who were the TO, primary TOs, uh, day one, and we kept talking about we saw a lot of big models. A lot of Imperial Knights, a lot of Wraith Knights, a lot of Riptides. I was surprised at the amount of Tau, and I was surprised at the lack of Wave Serpents. 
we thought before that we thought wave serpents were going to be 15% of the field. There, there weren't that many. And so as far as Imperial Knight players go, there was me, Justin, Mark, and um, I believe his name was John. We were actually the only four Imperial Knight players. The only four Lance players. Well, the only four with multiple Imperial Knights. So there yeah. were a couple lists with one. There were yeah. like five lists with just a random one off Imperial which, Knight. Which is fine. Yeah. I mean... You know, and, and all that. Nobody has a problem with that, but I know for a fact we saw more Riptides and Raid Lights than we did Imperial Knights. Yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt, there were more Riptides and Raid Lights than Imperial Knights. I played two players who both had three Rip, uh, Raid Lights. I played, I played a game with, I played a game against Matt Shuckman who had three Wraith Knights. I had two I Wraith that Knights. that same game. Yeah, I had two Wraith Knights, three Imperial Knights. The table directly behind me, Chip Boyd, was playing, was playing your first round opponent. You're, you're, and, and with his three, uh, Wraith Knights. So between us, there was like eight eight Wraith Knights and, you know, three Imperial Knights just right there and just two tables. Yeah. Like, a lot of big, like, is a lot of big models and a lot of demons, surprise, surprise. Yeah, it was, it was kind of surprising. Now, what, what were your takeaways from the, uh... Yeah, I saw a lot of the big stuff, just like you guys are saying, but what I was actually really shocked to see, there wasn't a ton of Necrons, as far as I noticed. Actually, was John the only Necron player? That he might have been. Now that you say it, I, I want to say John Parsons from the team was literally the only Necron player. I think Werner Bourne was supposed to come up, and Werner is like, you know, he's probably behind Ben Moley, probably the best Necron player in the country. At with least all of for the sure. Well, he's, he's probably one of he's played it the most of anyone in the Northeast. Yeah, with all the knights I expected to see, and then did see a fair few of them. I would have expected knights to be a bigger army, and they just weren't there. I was actually surprised at the lot. I was, I was expecting more adamantium lance players. Sure. Um, I mean, when when, I, I when think we were originally talking, does not want to play it because it's yeah. When we were when we were originally talking, I didn't expect when we were originally talking. You know, back in I think we covered this in the eleventh company. Actually, I said you know I kind of expect to see about four adamantium, like three to four adamantium lance players. I was expecting to see you know me, Justin. Actually, I was expecting to see three, really. It was me, Justin, and James. And then, like, Mark Axel from 11th Company was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be playing Adamantium Lance with Storm Wolves. And I was like, you know, and I was just hearing, like, random rumblings through that. And I was like, oh, there's going to be a lot of Adamantium Lance. You know what? There's probably, you know, we're probably going to see a bunch more. And, it, frankly, it was, I was expecting to see three originally. I then had my expectations change to see probably at least six. And we only saw four. I was, you know, I, I really was surprised at the lack of adamantium lands. Um, Big dumb idiots was was definitely the the key the key facet. Um, and yeah, lack of serpents was a big thing. I saw a lot of bikes. There's a lot of bike armies in various forms. Um, a good chunk of space wolves. They had not, a good as, not as many as I expected with them being the, the most recent. Cut. I, I didn't think I saw more than like five or six. But most of the time, it was. Most of the time it was, you know, I believe there was only one Space Wolf main. It might be true. I saw a good number of uh, Storm Wolves, a decent number of dogs. And there were actually, so there was one Space Wolf main. There were zero Space Wolf allies. There was at least four that I know of Champions of Fenris allies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there was a lot of Champions of Fenris, um, you know, whether you were allying and taking two two single servitors for ten points apiece, and then taking three storm wolves, there was a lot of actually. A lot of the guys from Virginia came up and they they allied and they took the single servitors 
I will say, so, or keep going, I have, I have a question. Was there a guard, or a block player this weekend? There was not a single, no. not, there was not a single Imperial guard player there. There was a Sisters player. Yes, there yeah. was. Is it bad when sisters have better have, have a better showing than guard and an equal showing than that? It's funny because they even, won their bracket too. It's funny because even yep. um, even Ganyu, he was like, I can't, I just can't do it. Ganyu and Hoger, both of which are, you know, they're they're solid guard players and they're reliable guard players. It's like I can't take it, like playing them in the in, in round time. So big thing for us over here is everybody is still key on 1850 rounds. Or 1850, two and a half hour. Now we're, we're, we're up to three. We're up to three now, which is good. But, but like 11, three hours, three because they just they physically can't do it. Yeah. But 1850, three hour rounds. It's tough, especially with a guard or horny army like like that. How much do you think of it was based off of time versus based off of Maelstrom being half of them? Maelstrom guards real bad in this backup. You don't have the mobility to play. Um. I think I think honestly, talk, well, let me put talking to the two premier guard players that I expected to see there, who both also had great showings this weekend, regardless. But they they both took it not because of Maelstrom, but because of time issues. Fair enough. They were both worried about time. They were having some trouble at, uh, especially Andrew was having some trouble at at Nova, which is the fact that he has a bunch to move, even if he keeps on a quick pace. You know, if his opponent slows down a little bit, it means, you know, turn three, turn four. Like, he needs his opponent to be on point because he's on point, but he has a lot to do, and he needs his opponent to be on point and then to share time equally. And if he doesn't, they don't they don't get very far. Um, what else was was a big surprise? Oh, so that was, there was a good number of bugs there. There was at least two. That's, is that a good number? I don't there was, it's twice player. as many as I expected to say. There was at least two, <laughs> but I think there was more. I didn't see a lot. I, saw well, there a lot was a, but I know there was a ton of, there was actually a ton of them taken as allies, uh, including like Sean Naden taking six lictors, um, <laughs> the ally with his, his beast pack. Worked out really well for him because he murdered all the, the, the psychic based lists. He played old beast pack with Vec, six lictors going death leaper, minus two, all my other ones, you know, and all this. And minusing leaderships and everything, and they go crucible. Creature, Space Marine, and Eldar, and Tau were the three primary books. Yeah. And Demons. Surprise, surprise. The four the books we always talk about being the most broken right now. I think there was there was definitely less Demons in there were Eldar. Definitely. I want to see there was less Demons in Space Marines, too. Uh, Space Marines was hands down the most. Yeah. Then Eldar, then Tau, then Demons. Okay. Demons and Tau were close. I didn't actually get a full count. I might so. actually push it up, I think. From what I saw, anyway, Tau was right up there with Eldar. Um, I'd still put Space Marines in. Eldar was popular. almost the most popular army. So, in the top eight, we have Brad College playing a Nemesis Strike Force, Grey Knight. Uh, quick rundown it's a level three librarian, Demon Hammer, Combi Melta, Warlord, a level two Libby, three 10 man, um, three 10 man squads. The 10 man squads have. Uh, side cannons, a demon hammer. One of them, one squad has two demon hammers, some halberds, um, a melt of bombs, two dread knights with heavy side cannon, heavy incinerator, demon hammer. Um, everything basically deep strikes turn two or turn one rather, which one the three plus. Seems a really black list. It played really, really well. Um, he actually had Andrew dead to rights game one of, of day two. 
but they ran out of time. Like, you're five units. One thing to point out, though, that's 30 wounds of two-up armor saves. Honestly, these days, with people packing, you know, two melt as a squad and yada yada, it's going back knights to, and things it's like going that, back it's actually kind of decent. Yeah, it's going back to a very 5th edition feel for our meta. People are taking Meltas, yeah, stuff like that. I don't see this as being... You know what? If I, think this, I think this is actually a good list. I... It did, it so did remarkably it well. Pl- yes, it was played well. It did well. I don't think it's that good of a list. I think, I think it's it a better a, jumping off point than an actual take this to your next yeah. GT. I, I think it had a. I think it had a good showing. I don't think the list itself is exceptionally well, but it was played very well, and the guy who plays it um, played it very well. Uh, we then have Hogar. He was. Uh, he actually won our uh, won Battlemaster, uh, beating out me and Andrew. So uh, it was Team Stomping Grounds for the final three for Battlemaster. Hey, let's keep me dragging home. Uh, so it was Khan, two Legion and a Dam Squads, a Melta, Multi Melta Combi Grab, uh, two five or three five band Grav Squads, three five band Grav Squads of Bikes, two Grav Combi Grab Melta Bomb, um, two five band Bike Squads with Double Melta Combi Melta Melta Bomb, one Thunderfire Cannon, uh, two Wolfguard Battle Leaders of Power Fist, Runic Armor, Storm Shield, Thunderwolf. Uh, two Iron Priests, Thunderwolf Cav, uh, and two individual Servitors. So we all... Pretty straightforward. Yep. We then had Jack Harpster, who won the event. Uh, he had Kairos Fate Weaver, two level two Heralds of Nurgle, two Greater Reward, or Greater Reward, Greater Locust of Fecundity on one, Greater Reward on the other, uh, two level three Heralds of Siege, Disc, uh, Exalted, and then Exalted Locust Conjuration. Two 11-man pinks, uh, an 8-man plague drones with Venom Sting, Plague Bear, Bringer, and Greater Reward. And then two 8-man screamers. We had Nick, who came in technically 4th place-ish. Um, <laughs> he had two Flyrants, three Crones, a Turbagon, 30 Gaunts, two Molochs, Allied Dark Eldar, uh, a Homunculus with Webway and Crucible. Three racks, Raider, and a Bastion. Uh, was a very interesting list. So it was a last stand. List is no longer viable. Uh, allowed him to uh, come out of the webway portal as if it's a board edge. So he could fly all of his flyers from the middle of the table and put them in key positions. Uh, he thought he definitely had me absolutely dead to rights in the game and talking it through. I was like, no, I don't think so. So finally, we're like, you know, fine, we're going to play it out. And uh, he had to land. And when you have to land and get charged by Imperial Knights, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, I mean, frankly, the list isn't very good. Um, I think he came in fourth because his name is Nanavati. He's a phenomenal player. I don't understand how he plays so well drunk. He's basically <laughs> he's basically what uh, somebody called him a savant at 40K um, and then a drunken idiot in the same sentence. And it pretty much sums up uh, Nick Nanavati really well. Yeah, I mean, one of the top five players easily on the East Coast. Arguably top five, ten in the U.S. Like a very easy argument to make, uh, and yeah, I he plays a pile of crap that I think people would have a hard time potentially winning an RTT with. Yeah. Now I have uh, we we did not get a chance to get Alex Fendel's list. He left early, and um, Battle for Salvation couldn't find it. They were going to email it to me, but I mean, we 
So, but basically, uh, Fennel for, you know, one of you UK guys, born and raised, uh, he played Wave Serpent with two Wraith Knights, uh, pretty much adjusted the game. He played Nick first round of day two, and they had a super tight game. Um, Alex just decided to not be able to roll dice. It was, it was something silly like three glances, three foul saves on four wave serpents in a turn or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, but, you know, Alex Fennell, very good player. Again, one of, one of the better players in the country uh, at the moment. And um, he just played really well. Standard wave serpent. Actually, he was the only, like, normal Eldar list in the uh, hobby. Matter of fact, if, uh, looking at it, there is two Eldar and two Tau armies in the top eight. Because technically I'm in an Eldar army. Go figure. Uh, then we have Kenny's Tau army. Kenny was playing a 7th edition variant of a Vesta star. So he had a, a, a buff commander fully kitted out with Nora Web System Jammer as well. Uh, Farsight of Vesta. A Battlesuit Commander or Missile Pod. Two Missile Pods. Drone Controller. Marker Light. Drones. Target Lock. Mirror Codex. Um... Heavy Burst Cannon, uh, Riptide with Early Warning Override, Velocity Tracker, Talisman. Uh, two 11-man crew squads with a Hound and Sniper Rounds. Three uh, Crazy Suit squads with Marker Lights, Missile Pods, Marker Drones. Uh, three, another squad of that. Then two single Lone Wolf, as he put it, Lone Wolf Suits with Double Fusion. Uh, Skyray with Disruption Pod, Black Sun Filter, Center Spines. Andrew was running uh, three Burst Tides with um, Twin Link SMS, five Piranha, uh, Crisis Suits. Unfortunately, I am shy of his list because Trevor wanted to look over it and doesn't know where to do with it. Uh, yeah, his HQ was a commander with drone controller and vectored uh, retro thrusters, and he also was backing some Skyrays to back that one up. I mean, so basically, uh, and then obviously your, your your list was the eighth one. Yeah, my list was the eighth one. Um, so it was it was just decent all around. Uh, it was a very it was pretty well rounded. Yeah, actually. very well rounded. Uh, top eight. I think overall the event had a pretty decent amount of, um, I, I was in a great shot. There, there was very, the Imperial Knights, people, it felt like when people could deal with them, they could not deal with the Imperial Knights and Wraith Knights, let alone summoning behind them. And I think I was in like a perfect spot to, to win the event. Yeah, you actually were, we actually, we actually knew that for a fact. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I don't go with that one. Yeah. Um, so, it, only because I, I have a, a, a decent anthem that I like. What list did you see besides a standard one that you're, you think you're most interested in and potentially doing something this meta? Like, what list did you see and you're like, oh man, that, that could be really good that we just we haven't talked about today? Oh, the little hamster in Jesse's head is spinning around. Um... I'm just going to go out there on a limb and say I think my favorite list out of the top eight, at least, was definitely the O'Vessel list. Um, one of the least, one of the ones I least expected to see up there, 
Um, pretty happy to see Ovesa back in the meta. I love that big girl. And, uh, you know, I'm, I just like the list. It's something that when I saw it, I just kind of shook my head and said, yeah, that's that's pretty neat. Good on you for figuring that one out. Well, I mean, it's not really it's not really something to, to figure out. It's actually, uh, that's what Justin was going to run it. It's, that was what Justin was going to run at, um, at Nova. And he was told day of event by the head judge that his list is illegal because Ovesa can't join the unit. Ovesa has to stay by itself. Uh, and all the, and all this jazz. Or join a separate unit and the other characters don't do anything. So he audibled and in a panic it created what we now have. Yeah. But I do want to point out not all not all um, Adamantium Lances are created equal. Uh, Mark Axel, who we're on 11th Company with, went 0 and 3 day one. And John Steinman went, I think, 0 and I want to say, he went one and two. He went one and two, but he was in the low. He was in the lowest bracket, uh, and ended up. You know, he actually was in your bracket, man. And I mean, you were you saw him in his loss. What happened in his loss? He played a Deathwing player who'd been playing for four months, who killed an Imperial Knight using smite attacks in close combat, and that Imperial Knight blew up and scattered and blew up the other Imperial Knight next to it. Great glorious day for the Deathlings. Um, well, he Mark, you got to put air quotes around his own three. Yeah, uh, by the way, uh, yeah, air quotes are he literally got the Imperial, well, he's had the Imperial Knights, played zero games with them, and built the Stormwolves. And, uh, the air quotes are, so he was Imperial Knights with Stormwolves. The air quotes are he lost game one legitimately. Um, he had a real close game, and he made a mistake. He's like, I, I haven't played enough games, made a mistake. Game two, he was behind and didn't really feel like playing out, so just kind of let the ride, the loss ride. Game three, on turn five, he had his opponent pretty much tabled and then moved off every objective. His opponent jumped on all the objectives. Like, his opponent had, like, six models left. And he just, like, he goes, I'd rather be on three at this point, and just moved off all the objectives. And his opponent at the end was like, oh, yeah, you probably should have done that. You probably would have won the game. Not realizing that Mark just didn't care. Well, there you go. I didn't have a chance. To, but again, you know, you know, he also he went, just, he, he went two and one day two. He lost in the finals as well. Yeah. And he just got his his army together and all that. And then when he, he took an interesting approach. So here's the thing. So he, he went with the Stormwolves, figuring that he had a lot of problems with other Imperial Knights. And one of the problems I know he said he ran into a little bit is Stormwolves don't always come in. They're reserved dependent. And the guy who was in my bracket, he didn't really have a good army with it. He had just, like, rhinos and random marine dudes. So, yeah, he's Adamantium Lance, but he's not Adamantium Lance backed up by anything. He's, there's no Riptides. There's no Wraith Knights. There's nothing. So you can't even go, like, oh. And also, I watched him deploy in two of his games, the Adamantium Lance. The, the Knights not together. In the game he lost, the three Knights were all separate. And they, they, they only got close, the two of them, on the turn he assaulted them. So, that's not really... Yeah, I mean... Great. Yeah, so... You know, but it, it just kind of goes to show that the list is beatable, and in the hands of somebody who doesn't know how to use it properly, and doesn't have a proper support around it, they don't... You know, it's... 
it's nice to see it's not an auto, it's not a legitimate, just like straight up auto win. I, I guess. I mean, well, it, you, you look at it, like 50% of them had losing records. And, you know, going into day two. And, you know, 50% had winning records in, in the lands. And then Justin had a very... Justin went one and two today with with the Adamantium Lance in, in, in day two. True. And I, I didn't really get a chance to talk to him. I know he said, like, this crazy stuff happened. I didn't really get a chance to sit yeah, down. He had, a, he had a super crazy game one. Um, one game two. And then had really wacky game three where... Um, he needed to cause a single wound to a Wraith Knight to win and have... He needed to cause a single wound to a Wraith Knight, not have said Wraith Knight do something real wacky. And he, like, he had the game one and just like one thing led to another just snowballed out of nowhere out of control on turn five to take like a solid win against, against Matt. Like a solid points win, not model-wise, because Justin was actually getting beat up, but he had to get locked. And he just, it, it, like the most random how, how Mary's worked. And, you know, sometimes it happens, but... Oh, so you guys actually fell down to my question. Well, Trevor sorted it. So, favorite list you saw that we didn't, how we haven't talked about already? I only ask because I know the one I like, but I'm going to say it. So I really like Chip's list. Yes. So, Chip Boyd, the guy who runs Tour in a Fire, um, I've been looking for ways to make Stormwolves more playable. I really like his list. It was Triple Stormwolf and either four or five Wraith Knight, or I mean, um, Wraith Serpents. I think it was five. Five. Um, now, he had, I don't think he had Obsec. No, his, he was he was um, Wraith Guard, or Wolf Guard Battle Leader, two individual Servitors, Three of them, five wave servants. Like, I don't see why you can't just go claws and make it obsec because you can't get that many. Why not? Because you sh- you can't get that many wave serpents, or you can't get that many that many obsec stormwolves. You can get two obsec stormwolves and bring the third. But the you're, but now you're talking about you're, you're you're increasing the points by however many five blood claws are. How many points is five blood claws? Sixty. 60 points, so you're, you're, you're attacking on an extra 100 points into the list. That's already tight. The problem is with Serpents is you still need to hit critical mass with them. And I think I think four is borderline not it. If you get any Stormwolves that are obsec, I think, like, I'm so, the re- I'm actually interested in, like, throwing it together and maybe seeing if going down to a fourth Serpent and actually bringing a little bit more Space Wolf and going the offset route might be worth it. I don't know. It's, it's worth... I, I was actually really... I really enjoyed the list. Thought it was real strong. Um, so I'm kind of... I'm kind of excited to see Stormwolves do something. So I, I know me, I'm going to like throw it into a into an army builder tomorrow. So Honestly, boy. now that I think about it, yeah, I don't think you need the offset at all. You have five offset wave serpents with Dire Avengers in there. You... The one thing I've learned is we were super on the OPSEC bandwagon. Um, I have a distinct lack of OPSEC. And it was basically because your army is a kill every... Like, my army has has very little OPSEC. My army is a kill everything army. And so are Wave Serpents. Wave Serpents, especially coupled up with things that are... The problem with Wave Serpents I have, and the reason they have a problem is a kill everything army, 
Look at my army. Wave servants don't kill things in my army. My whole army is like everything here is shoot as two up armors, five up and five up field upgrades. So you get that much wounds like I put right. The wave servant player I played who had four literally did nothing with his wave servants. Yeah, because all I do with my army is like I'm gonna point at it. He jinks. Okay. Yeah, it comes it comes down to you need the critical mass level, and that's one of the things. Four four wave serpents is not the critical mass. I've I've noticed that with just testing a little bit for Elvion. I mean, and four wave serpents unfortunately is not the critical mass. You need something else that really hammers at home. And you know what? The Stormwolves, they're not really it. Now, the Stormwolves are gonna be good for the Stormwolves are gonna be good for um doing things like uh, killing tanks and stuff like that, but they also are, are, are annoying for uh, Imperial Knights to deal with. He's just flying on two different sides. You spread his armor facing. The army does a good job of glancing at an Imperial Knight. Now, in the Lance, probably not as well, but you can get on all three facings super easy. Yeah, but the big thing, the big thing it comes down to is... Um, the big thing comes down to is, you know, you're really good at killing killing vehicles at that point with those Stormwolves. They're not really bringing you the anti-infantry critical mass. They just don't have it. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, it just kind of is what it is. Uh, one big thing, you know, one big thing I do want to note is I loved Battle for Salvation's terrain. I don't know about either of you guys. But I thought it was pretty much just right. There was there was plenty of line of sight blockers. There's two extra little pieces they added was pretty good. Um, you know, but but simultaneously it wasn't over where the entire table was completely clogged in terrain. I think I think the two extras were a little much. What I would have yeah. rather seen is I would rather see the two extra go away and just tighten the board, make more open around the outside and less open in the middle. The thing, like I just meh. I just wish the size of the line of sight blockers in the middle was a little bit more consistent from table to table. Oh, sure, yeah, yeah because some tables had full, and some tables were like, oh, this is like, it was some, well, but yeah, but there were a couple that had like, imagine a small, like imagine an inch and a half tall hill with two Coke cans on it, on either side of it. For some of the tables, that was their line of sight blocker. Yeah, so for most of the ta- tables, I was a big fan. The inconsistency was a little eh. But overall, I was a big fan of the terrain. Yeah, so that was... Just, I, I really was skipping right of Forza. I really like Chip's list a lot. Yeah. Um, Jesse, you still haven't given us a list. Yeah. Um, Something you found interesting. I'm still thinking about it. That hamster is just dead at 1 o'clock in the morning. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, honestly, I didn't get a chance to, to experience or really, really see any lists that were super natural, which is funny because... I got done almost all of my rounds super early, but then I just left the hall. I would, like, go sit in a comfy chair out in the mall and, and all that. And you were actually done your rounds pretty damn early too, Matt, and, like, just walk away. We would yeah, just go sit had, over at the table or something like that and relax. I had one go to close to time, but just only because it went to turn seven. I mean, for instance, like, of the list I played, and I, and I really saw, like, in my brackets and everything, uh, it was, it would be the Ovesta star, but it's not something, like, I'm super, like, oh, my God about, 
only because it was a list that me and Justin worked on, and it was a list that I've tested against Justin, like he's had, and everything, and he was going to take it to Nova, like that was his list for for the Nova Open, and uh, you know, he, he took Necron to the Nova Invitational, thinking it'd be a real good meta buster, expecting to see sense and all that, and then the Nova Open was going to be in a, a you know a baby Ovesta star, and um, you know, I, I mean. Unfortunately, I didn't really see a ton that were like, oh, wowzy. I mean, I saw basically a clone list of the winning um, LVO army, or BAO army. It was, you know, White Scar Bikes with a single knight. Justin actually lost to it. Um, Just real quick, I don't know how much of a hurry you guys are to finish this one up. Was there anything that you guys were shocked to not see or you didn't see as much as you thought? Necrons. Necrons. Put it this way. Right. I, so I we're was, all on the same. Page. I was so shocked, though, when you said, were there, did you see any Necron players? I just dawned to me now I didn't see a Necron player except for Parsons. Yeah. Like. I expected, what? you know, Doom Scythe, Haywire Attacks. There was nothing. Yeah. Especially because they beat Knights. Yeah. In a meta of... I was surprised how much Tau there was, too. But in a meta of Knights... Well, we expected a meta of Knights. Because that was my audible plan. Like, I was... When I was Wednesday freaking out about my list, I'm like, screw it. Because I I wasn't going to get Sensor together. I'm like, screw it. I'll take take Necrons. So, honestly, not surprised to see Tau. Because Tau simply goes, I'm not going to lose the waves. Oh, Jesse, haven't you read the internet? Tau are bad in this edition. (laughs) <laughs> if, the, if the meta, if, you know, I think people were kind of gearing towards, um, no, you know, like the Nova was on it because they figured, oh, well, Tony Kopak won Nova with Wave Serpent. That means everybody and their mother's going to play Wave Serpent. Uh, you know what? Tal simply goes, all right, you brought Wave Serpent. Um, I'll go ahead and check a win off in my column and, um, you stay in the corner and don't do anything. There's That's a, a sheep. There's a sheep oh on the God. side of the road. So we've been driving, and we, we passed like a million deer so far. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, it's we live kind of in the woods. Like, I'm driving through woods now, getting back here. And then I passed two sheep, and I'm like, crap, we made it to England. <laughs> oh, God. It's Wales. How do we cross the pond? <laughs> Matt, Matt, it's okay. It's okay. You know where Warrington is, right? I do know where Warrington is. Okay, let's just go there. <laughs> We're actually kind of going that way. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, so, so yeah, I mean, Tau, but also, like, I know, so, Neil Gilstrap from 11th Company brought Tau solely to beat Imperial Guard. He, built, he brought Tau this revolving around beating Imperial Guard and then played four Tau players for his first four rounds. <laughs> he turned around and said, he, so Neil's walking around and went, okay, as long as I don't play, Three plus riptides, I should be okay. And his first like three opponents were three or four riptides. Uh no. His first one was three, his second one was four, and then he played Bowie, who had none. But still a top fire. Still a top. Oh, okay. He had to play lousy game against Bowie too. Bowie did the same mistake. Uh so Bowie's one of the guys Andrew Bowie's one of the guys from a local store. Um so and uh, Bowie and I played a game. And he reserved his Ovesta Star, or his um, Farsight Bomb, and had a comms relay. And I'm like, hey, I don't know if you want to do that, because if I knock you off that comms relay, you're not coming in. 
he's like, how are you going to knock me off? I'm like, well, I'm going to shoot you off. I, I'm just going to scout up and assault you. But, like, I'm just going to move up 12 and assault. Obviously, not scouting. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you also got to watch because tanks are going to, like, just push you off of it. So, of course, what's he do? He set this comm relay off, like, within six inches of one of the table sides. And Neil outflanks a, a devil fish. Tank shocks <laughs> Bowie off the, off the comms relay. Ah, oh, Farsight Bomb doesn't come in until turn four. Gotta watch out for that outflanking double fish. <laughs> like, and even, like, he walks up in the game, like, how'd you go? He's like, you know, you told me not to do this. I'm like, yeah, he goes, I did it. How'd it work out? I lost horribly because of it. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I definitely think for all you top boys out there, Tal, def- Tal definitely has a place in the meta. As long as wave serpents are a thing, Tal's always going to be a thing. And frankly, if BFS showed me anything, Tal's alive, kicking, and running strong. I'm just, I'm really surprised by the lack of backlogs. Especially because they're probably not going to be playing again. They're going to have a new book. Yeah. And everything you love from Necrons is going to be gone. And then they'll be very long. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think that's all we got. Uh, any last hurrahs? Trevor, you suck. I need to re- read a mission packet. Matt, don't roll dice. And um, I think if we put those three things and we fix all three of those things, we'll and be unstoppable. We also talk about them when the game ends, don't move models. Yes. Yeah. Don't allow your opponent to move models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also read the, read the fucking mission packet. Yeah, I've yeah. that one. Key details. Probably. Read the mission. All right, guys. Um, from the good old US of A, that is our Battle for Salvation recap. Uh, we run on the list. If you guys have any questions, let us know. We can get you up with the list. Other than that, um, I guess it's technically good morning where we are you know, recording right now. It's uh, just, just about to be 1 a.m. So um, good night, morning from uh, America. The pond. Fuck yeah! Great stuff there from Jesse, Matt, and of course Trevor. Thanks very much for that. Um, so back to you guys. What have you got coming up next? Um, 11th company is next. It's, uh, the second weekend of November. Um, it's obviously one held by the podcast. I know it's in South Carolina, just outside of Myrtle beach. We will certainly be going, um, to represent the team. I know we actually have a decent number of ties who go down and the following weekend is the boys up in upstate New York. I know I am not going, I actually don't know many people are going to that. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think that I. Well, I know for a fact that I'm not going to the boys. But yeah, it's eleven companies next on deck for us. How many of the team are going to eleventh company? Uh, me, Jesse, TJ, uh, Rob isn't. It might only be uh, Ganyo's. I know on the fence about it. Um, I think Ganyo said he was going in endless, and Nick. I know Ganyo's. Well, Nick's. I didn't think Nick was going, but yeah. Um. I think Nick's driving Zach down. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, but I know it's been kind of back and forth uh, with Ganya whether I was going. Is that going to be streamed at all? I don't believe so. Um, I'm not sure what... I, I, mean, I don't think so. I know that obviously 11 Company used to stream at other events. They've never streamed mm. at their own event just because it's, you know, logistically you're trying to run the event. It's kind of hard to have a stream going on. I don't think we have anybody that's coming down. We were actually good at – it's at a mall down there, so I'm assuming they would have internet. We were actually – we had asked about streaming at BFS, and they really told us they were going to have no internet, and we found out literally 
um, like two days before that, oh, yeah, they do have the mall has their app, BFS was that. And by that point, we didn't have anyone. Like, we had guys lined up to go down to, to drive up to BFS as just, like, helpers just to stream. Mm. But BFS, is, it's a you know, hour and 45-minute drive. 11th Company is about 10 hours. So, mm. guys, like, you just really can't roll over and be like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm going to come up and help. Um, it's kind of a commitment of time. So I don't really think we have anyone who's going to be able to do it. Um, but I, I got to talk to Neil a little bit more about it. If they've guys there who want to do it, I guess we could drive the equipment down and hook it all up. Uh, obviously, if it does end up constrained, then people can find that out on the uh, 11th Company Facebook. Um, yep. But yeah, thanks for that. So it was a bit long, um, but that was two simultaneous bat reps plus spliced stuff plus recordings as well. Good grief. A long old episode we've had this week. So there you have it. That is our third episode all wrapped up. A bumper five-hour tournament spectacular for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, apologies once again for some of the audio levels. Um, as we said at the start, had a couple of technical difficulties this week. Um, thanks again to Matt Robertson for stepping in and recording. Much appreciated. Thanks to all the guys for recording bits on their own on their way back from the tournaments as well. I know you guys had long weekends. Um, and thanks, of course, to Tony, Trevor, uh, and everyone else who was involved this week uh, on the podcast. Make sure you leave some nice feedback for us uh, on the iTunes. Uh, leave us a nice review. That's always appreciated. And if you can also uh, get involved on the Facebook page, it's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. We want to hear from you. We'd really like to hear your feedback, your input on the podcast, what you want to hear, what sort of stuff, what sort of coverage you want to hear on the competitive 40K circuit. Uh, going forward and we'll try and include that in future episodes so i hope you enjoyed it and uh, we'll see you again in two weeks time take care